Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love with you Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. Hello, everybody. It is Saturday night, August the 20th, year 2016. We'll do a roll call. I am here in Costa Mesa, California. I'm Walden Shoes, Walden Stewart Shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Who was was born in Santa Ana, California, who lived in Costa Mesa since 1969. When my brother was one month old in April of 69 when we moved to Costa Mesa. So I've lived in this area in only two houses, three blocks away from each other. I hope people are taking notes. <laughs> Since 1969? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now we're going to walk over 3,000 miles over to the other side. Okay. This is the adorable one. This is the... Uh, the most talented lady I know, who has zest for life, vigor, who, and, who, and, and has good stuff to say. Has wonderful stuff to say, wonderful news, and and she's gonna be here for a few hours, and and and, and I live in Florida. And my age is somewhere between 21 and, what does Ron 
one, oh, 79, yes. Uh-huh. Ron in Hawaii says 79, so somewhere between 21 and 79. Or else you could use Edmund, you, or else you could use hmm? Edmund Gwynn's statement. What? Um, I'm the same age as my tongue and a little older than my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that. <laughs> that's what I he, like that. That's what he wrote. I'm not sure I'll be able to remember it, but it's good. That's what he wrote in his application when he applied to be Santa Claus. When they asked for his oh, age. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Here she is, everybody. The adorable one. The lovely Patricia from Florida. Hello. Actually, it is, uh, if Celeste is listening, just in case, yes. the correct way to say that is, it is I. But Not I'm. It's me. It is I. That's, well, I'm I and you're you. And that's only for Celeste. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> I'm I and you're you. We're going to have a good night tonight. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Are we having fun yet or what? Oh, yes. We are good tonight. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah. Am I able to say, may I say, my my fun things for this week? Please do. You, you, everybody everybody get a get a pen and paper out and write all these information and put oh, it in no, 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 and, no, and, 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 and in your Dakota books. Look up your Dakota bag book and... You can break the code, so go ahead. Say what? Well, remember Captain Midnight, you know, when when Pierre oh, Andre oh, was saying the decoder ring. Yeah, yeah, she was saying, okay, yeah. okay, give out the secret word, and he write all these num- get write all these numbers down. Oh, I never listened to Captain Midnight. That's something you need to do, especially the over team. Do that, especially I'm, the over team period. Yeah. Yeah, I may have mm-hmm. just an episode or two, but I don't recall. And I believe that's something I would recall having done. Yes. Yes. Uh, I would listen to the I would listen to the Ovaltine period from the uh, from the forties. I I skipped okay. the Scaly Oil period. Okay. Captain Midnight. Did it Did it go Midnight? Did it Did it have one of those? Uh huh. Captain, Captain Midnight. Anyway, my week this week. As you know, my life has been filled with doctors. And the last one I saw was this week who looked at everything and said, I don't know, everything is improving. Uh-huh. And I said, yes. Can I have my milk? He said, of course you can. I've got my milk back. I mean, this is big time stuff. I can have milk. He can have milk? Oh, this is good. This he can have milk? I mean, I that's that's how we used to know when Patricia Haber had to get out of the house once you ran out of milk. <laughs> I had to put my shoes on when I ran out of milk, yes. Oh, that was a rough month. And, no, and, no. and she gets to buy peanut butter, too, once she, once she gets ready, too. So that, that's a double. You know what? I forgot about that. That's right. So that's I was, double. I was so absorbed in the idea that I could have milk. And I open the refrigerator, and there is my gallon jug. And I, oh, it makes my little heart go pretty fast. <laughs> and the second, <laughs> if anyone has been with us long enough to remember the saga of the coffee pot. My coffee pot died. 
and that is probably one, I don't know, it's on par with the milk. I don't know which one would be worse. But anyway, my coffee pot stopped working. I banged it a couple of times and got a few more pots of coffee out of it while I was waiting for a new one. She ba- she she banged on it so loud that the neighbors down below called her and said, <laughs> Patricia, be careful. Know. Be careful with that they should call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, here is this poor coffee pot, and it's been with me forever. I think it's about 15 years old, probably the same age as my television. About 15 years old. And so I ordered a coffee pot. The new coffee pot is still in the box because as soon as it arrived, the old one started to work, and it is still working. Now, how long ago was that, Walden? Two years? It's been a while. Yes, yes. (laughs) And the old one is still working, and the new one is still in the box. Well, this week, as you know from last week, if you were with us from last week, my television died on, what, Friday night? It was Saturday afternoon because you called me during the afternoon and said, I have no internet, no tel- no nothing oh, but a telephone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everything went kablooey. Right. And when the stuff, my internet, my my phone kept working. That was really a puzzle. My my phone kept working. You know, and, the, and it's a bundle. It's all on the same router. But anyway, stuff comes back on. I've got my internet. I never lost my phone, but the television went boom. I turned it on. Superman was on. I made a salad in the kitchen. I finished my salad, and there went the telly. Ba-boom. Just ba-boom. Black stuff with white stripes crackling all over the place. I said, well, (laughs) it's about time. It's about 15 years. It's easily 15 years old. And it, it belongs in a museum somewhere, I guess, but I opted for the dumpster. So on Monday, I lived without it for the weekend, and I did very well. And I found a couple of shows that I really would like to watch, and they were, incidentally, not ones that I got anymore. <laughs> so, so I can watch the news on, on the computer and the couple of shows that I like, and I'm a happy camper. So on Monday, I was about to call and ask if one of the maintenance people could help and get this thing to the dumpster because it weighs more than I do. I mean, it, it is a really heavy piece of equipment and I said well you better try it just one more time and it worked and it's been working (laughs) it's fine another threat (laughs) so I'm going to rent myself out either as a shaman or as someone who threatens with very good results you do a tender loving care (laughs) (laughs) I'm not allowed to tell you what I say (laughs) We're on the air. I know, but you do it with tender, loving care. I I say those really awful words tenderly. Yeah, and lovingly. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And I really didn't say bad words. Poor thing. It has served me very well. I think 15 years out of a television is a very good thing. Yeah. I'm assuming the next... And the the only reason I had to get this one is because the other one exploded in a lightning storm. That can do it. I lost a modem, I lost a television, I lost a guy. Anything that was on was gone. And so that uh, one went bluey, and I just replaced it with the same, you know, same telly, because it was good. And that was about 15 years ago. Amen. So that was my good week. I can have milk, and my television has resurrected. And you, you can have peanut butter whenever you want it. And I can 
can have peanut butter yeah. and cheese. I asked my doctor, you know, the, the one I love so much, the, yeah. my regular doctor. Yeah. I looked at him and I said, have you ever eaten one ounce of cheese? And he looked at me and he said, I've never eaten one ounce of anything. <laughs> he said, when I sit down to eat, I want to eat. So I can eat cheese and I can have my milk and stuff like that there. It's been a great. It's been a great week. And yeah, it's been a super week. And Patricia recorded new awful shows this week too. So she did a lot of good stuff. That's right. She has three new awful shows. Actually, four, because one of the nights has two fifteen-minute shows. Right. So I did four, but you only get three nights out of it. Are we uh, having fun yet? Of course. Well, I'm. 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 Not, I'm not opening up the phone because we still got station announcement to go over. Well, I have just one. August 20th is National Radio Day. Well, also somebody's birthday. It's not mine. I don't care. Oh. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry, everybody. That's what I would say if Walden and I were on the phone together. (laughs) Oh, I think I better go to bed now. Whose birthday is it? Frank Brzee's. Is it Frank's birthday? Yeah, he's 87 today. Oh, cool. Happy birthday, Frank. Yeah. How many? 87. Oh, he's had 87 happy, well, well, 86 anniversaries of his birth. Yeah. But 87 birthday, wow. So National Radio Day and Frank Percy's birthday on the same day is a good combination. That's a good combination. Yeah, yeah. That's wow. Oh, I am so sorry. You should smack me. <laughs> no. No, I think we're we're gonna have we'll have Larry uh, that we'll have Larry and we'll put that as a as a little station announcement, you know. <laughs> oh, jeez, Willikers! Bill Bragg is going to fire me. Oh, don't you know if he dies, we go together. I'll I'll miss my salary. We'll go together. <laughs> we'll go together. <laughs> just, just to clarify, everybody on Yesterday USA is a volunteer. We tease about getting a salary and getting an, an increase and a raise, but everybody is a volunteer. Uh, that is strictly joking and joshing. Nobody gets paid. Everybody just loves to give, and they do. So, it's, if it's if somebody wants, to, if somebody wants to offer us a salary, we'll negotiate. <laughs> to say however <laughs> it's probably a good thing that i can only stay for two hours tonight <laughs> oh my gosh give her a good week and she goes crazy oh wow it's also friendship week this week so. oh <sighs> I'm, we I'm glad okay. I, i'm glad you're my buddy oh thank you for being my buddy yeah. and thank you to our family for being with us wow what a gang Okay, we got other stations. We got station announcement. We have a special guest next Saturday. You want to mention our special guest next Saturday? Sure. You have heard us talk about Nolan Kenner every once in a while. Nolan's voice is the one you hear when Bill Bragg and Mike Handy come on for the live show during the week at 1030 Eastern. And Nolan will say, and here's Bill Bragg. 
So Norman is going to spend some time with us on the phone next week. It's been a, really a while, mm-hmm. quite a while since he made that recording, and it just is such a rich recording. He will talk with us about anything he feels like talking <laughs> about. He's got, a, he's got a wonderful background in radio. He owned five radio stations. He had the Flashback Express, which was one of the longtime radio shows that played on Yesterday USA. He did that, and he'll probably talk a little bit about how he put that together. And he had an opportunity, (laughs) I love his Beatles story, Mm -hmm. when he was with the Armed Forces Radio over in Germany. The Beatles plane landed somewhere near him, and he got sent out to cover it. And I hope he will tell us the story that... (laughs) That evolved from the Beatles plane landing on the tarmac and poor Nolan getting caught in the middle of these. What would, what would you call it? It's not a gang. It, 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 it would be the stairwell. He had to climb on the side to get well, up I to. I know he had to climb on the stairwell, but yeah. the girls, the, the cluster of girls. Oh, yeah. It, it, it probably looked like Vatican Square. Yeah. <laughs> It's just incredible. But anyway, he's got a great story about that. So anyway, Nolan will probably be with us for a while next week. And, um, Walden, you're going to be calling him. Does that mean people can still call in if they'd like to talk with Nolan? Yes. He's really a super guy. We love him to pieces, and I'm just so delighted that he'll be able to spend time with us. So that's my announcement for next week. The answer is yes. And then in three... Yeah, we'll call him and people can talk. Call and talk to no- Oh, good. Thank you. And in three weeks, as everything goes right, we're going to have Eddie Green's daughter, Elva Green, and her dad was, of course, Eddie on the Duffy Tavern radio show. And also had a all run on Amos and Andy. And so that will be in three weeks. So, uh, so we, we'll have her on for a little while to talk about her brand new book. Ah, good, 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 good. Now that's one that's in my Dropbox, right? Co- correct. It, it is or was? If it, I took it out already. Yeah. It, well, if it it was in your Dropbox, if you, it was in your Dropbox, if you still have it there, yes. Well, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> it says Walden. Oops, nope. It's still in my Dropbox. Okay, so there's so your. That's good. I know where it is. There's this your is book. Excellent. <laughs> I've been a little discombobulated lately. Now. Last night, we, so whole on family, I know everybody, I haven't opened the phones yet, but, you know, I got to go over everything here, you know, this is stuff. Yeah. Now. And I have something for Celeste tonight, too. Okay. Good. That's my last interruption. Last night, we were talking about radio air checks uh, on the show, Mm -hmm. and uh, Ron been downloading the ones in Minnesota, over 750 files, and we got discussing last night. Looking at other states, and I found some. So, so as people, if you're fans of some of these states, they have its own radio archives. So, if you grew up in the state of New York, there's a massive archive of air checks of all the different radio stations at nyradioarchive.com. Oh, boy, that's easy enough. Would you tell people what an air check is, please? Sure. Air checks, now, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Somebody could be better. But basically, these would be, uh, like, the, the, it could be a, a local uh, fan who would put up a tape recorder and record the broadcast from the local station. Or it could be a where they made a, they made a copy at the station 
off the air. And we call those air checks. And so, anyway, so if you're a fan of New York, nyradioarchive.com. If you are a fan of the, the state of Illinois, there's two of them. Chicago Radio and Media.com. Another one is mostly Upper Midwest Airchecks.com. That's the name of, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then Radio if, people do get creative, don't they? They do. And then another would one. You, would you run, run that one by again, please? You bet. Wait, you want me to go? Okay. It's a long one. It's a long one. Mostly Upper Midwest <laughs> Airchecks with an S dot com. That's a conversation. That's not a URL. <laughs> 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 that's, that's a whole sentence. Now, if you're a fan of, of radio airchecks all over the country, we know this person doesn't know how to spell, is Airchecks. Dot com. He spelled it A-I-R-C-H-E-X-X dot com. You're kidding. Nope. And if you're a fan and who love Philadelphia Radio, P-H-I-L-A Radio dot com. All right, I can, I can dig that one. Okay. Okay. And then Northeast Air Checks. Dot com it's another one for Philadelphia so the, wow. and there, and if you're a fan of there's one of the top 40 radio stations all over the country 3400 realradio.com that's r e e l radio.com so there you go, everybody. I, I'm really taken with the air checks. It like spelled like wheat checks and rice checks. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're with two X's, no less. Two X's. And, oh, pick me. Yes, my dear. Pick me. It looks like with some activity going on up there that Live 365 may be working on a reincarnation. It, it looks like it. And it's strange. It's got I, stuff up there that says... We're, we'll be back, and if you want to run your own station, here's the email address you need to contact. And yeah, and the strange thing, I discovered that. And the strange thing, they put a link in Larry's favorite. So that's how we found out they're, they're running us. So we might be a, you know, a test case for them. Uh, on are we are running. On yes. Really. Yes. They Larry 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 got a link. Uh, to our stream. So we're I misunderstood. N- I just I thought this just appeared and that it was part of the construction work going on up there. Well, I did not realize that they were broadcasting. Yes. It, now, see the I think the website. Oh. If you go, if you go to live365 dot com, it's the interface that everybody sees the general. But I imagine they're running tests behind the scene, and Larry mm-hmm. and Larry came across the link. And they're running us. They're running us. And as he found out last night, they're running us on the probably the the back door stream. So, uh. Front door, back door, through the roof. (laughs) That's really, that is really cool. Yeah. 
I'm I'm so pleased. They did such a great thing for radio listeners, any listener, and yeah. anybody. When I say radio listeners, I mean audio, because they had some great stuff. They had great music. They had great talk shows. They had it. It was what was it about five thousand stations? Uh huh. Five thousand stations. And and they lost their financing. Yep. And it was gosh, within a matter of weeks. They went from we're in trouble to goodbye everybody, and there they went. So it will be really a wonderful thing if they can manage to get back up and running. We're pulling for you, live three sixty five. We're pulling for you. That's right. All right, family. The phone lines are open. You can talk to the adorable one at seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Now, see, this is a real opportunity. You could. You talk. You get to talk to your adorable once a week at this time. The rest of the time, you have to yeah. go by snail mail. You know that now. That's open yeah. twenty. That's open twenty four hours yeah. a day, seven days a week. At yeah. F- Florida writer at hotmail dot com. <laughs> that's right, Florida writer at hotmail dot com. That's me. Hello there, caller. You are on air. Greetings from the Great White North. Hello, Gary. How are you? Oh, I'm cold. Actually, oh boy, are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I had I have fans in the windows, trying <laughs> trying not to use air conditioner. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's gotten it's gotten so cold that I had to turn the fans off. Oh. All right, now now you know how gullible I am. Are you joshing me? No, 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 no. It's you really. Uh, it was sixty-five today. During the sunshiny time of the day. Yeah. Wow. It's fifty-nine right now. We were at it's sixty-five. It's going to snow. Wow. It's supposed to get down to sixty-five. I mean, fifty-six tonight. You, you guys might. To... You guys might give the United States a run for having the shortest summer season in the world. I mean, everybody. I think we did this year. <laughs> Did you have one? <laughs> Normally, we're uh, we're in um, we're we're yeah we're in the, the 80s normally at this time. So wow. Well, you gonna get out your winter clothes or are you gonna, are you gonna no, hold out? No, faith? no, because um, uh, well Tuesday we're supposed to get to 80. Okay, you have faith. Yeah. Okay. We we still got a few more warm days coming up this week. Actually, Tuesday's the only day. The rest of the week is in the seventies. Yeah, I guess that's quite acceptable for you. You're not a hot weather kid, so seventies should be just right for you. Oh, it's just perfect. It's, it's the baby bear. You know, Papa Bear's chair was too big, and Mama Bear's chair was too soft, and Baby Bear's chair was just right. Ah. So you've got the baby bear weather. Just right. Just right. Yeah, Martin Graham. Am I the only one one who remembers the three bears? No, I I used to tell it to my my son when he was young. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. I I think that's a new thing we need to put in Patricia's repartee is reading reading children's stories to the Friday Night Family during this fall. Oh, and maybe, mm-hmm. well, just excerpts, I will find the originals 
the original Goldilocks, I have been told and read in different places. I, I haven't read the manuscript. Mm-hmm. And that Goldilocks, the bears threw Goldilocks out the window, and she broke her neck. Yeah. <laughs> it, she did not run home. Oh, they oh, threw her out the window. Oh, oh heavens, Betsy. And the um, tales or... Are we going to do the original Grimm fairy tales, or are we going to do the new versions? Oh, no, we're going to do the brutal ones. Oh, that would be dynamite. (laughs) I mean, really, Hansel and Gretel went through extraordinary experiences out in the woods, and the, the witch in the oven was just a little bit of it. And they actually got sent out to the woods because their wicked stepmother said, we don't have enough money to keep them, and... I'll say she made their father throw them out of the house, take them into the woods and leave them there. It wasn't he a nice daddy. <laughs> when they got home, they finally made their way home, and daddy welcomed them and said, everything is fine now. Your stepmother fell down the well and she broke her neck, and there she sits. She was at the bottom of the well with a broken neck. She died. That's the way they described it to kids in this story. This is horrible. And uh... We're going to get all the horrors. Would you like the horror of Walden? You know, Snow White, when she was in her sleep coma, she was Mm -hmm. and had twins, and they and her twin daughters took care of her afterwards until the prince came and kissed her awake. All right. All right, Gary. You're going to have to come up with, how did this happen? It's in the story. I don't know who did it, but... (laughs) There's there's a yeah but in there. I mean, you just cannot twitch your nose and say, okay, instant kids. Something went on here. She. Give it a dab it When she was asleep. Yes. I don't care when it happened. I want to know what happened. Somebody did something to her, and. <laughs> that's it. That's it. All right. We got the truth coming out now. It must have been happy. It wasn't dopey or talk. It must have been. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think I better go to bed. <laughs> it was so that's what that's what that could be our Halloween special in October, portraying the really gruesome Grim fairy tale. Oh, the gruesome! Yeah. Grim was really the name of the Grim brothers who wrote these fairy tales. My goodness, what an appropriate name! These were. Horrible stories that they put together for kids. Were they awful? Were they Englishmen, German? What were the? Were well, then I don't know. That's a great question. I do not know. So while you and Gary are talking about his horrid weather, <laughs> I will find out about the people who wrote horrid stories. Well, Gary, have you still got family down in Louisiana, and are, are they safe? Well, yeah, what? I've got lots of family down there, um, but they're mainly all up in northern Louisiana. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've got some friends that are down there in in the, uh, the uh, Baton Rouge area. But uh, everybody that I know of is all doing fine. How far is Baton Rouge from New Orleans? Is uh, it pretty much the same area? 45 miles, I want to say. Okay. About 45 not miles north of it. And I got some wake or whatever. I guess they're trying to. I, got, I my understanding went to the news tonight. They have a person spread out every hundred yards just to watch the levees. 
because they're still not too sure. Oh, oh. oh my gosh, I did not know yeah. that there were levees they, and dikes. Yeah, so they got volu- They have volunteers to sit. It, they have station, somebody station every 100 yards just to watch. So I'm assuming oh, we're talking miles and miles. I, I I'm assuming that's what we're looking at. I don't, I don't know how many miles yeah. on there, but uh. my gosh, you talk about a labor of love. People are standing mm-hmm. in places that could breach, and if they breach, they're gone. Well, that's I, they, watching to make sure it doesn't breach, and if it starts I I understand that, but breach, but they're in. They're clearly watching from a point where they are close enough to the levee. That if it if it's a sudden breach, these people are washed at, washed out. It's called they're it's, gone. It's Arthur something. I I don't remember the rest of the name of the uh, lake. Or that's a train. Is that what it is? Yeah. No, that's that's um New Orleans. Yeah, that's. Hunts train is in New Orleans. Right. That's where all the levees and dikes are all at. Ah. Is that is that where the it's uh, Baton Rouge? The Baton, that's, oh, Baton Rouge is right beside the Mississippi River. And that's right. that's why it, it it flooded because of all of the rain. They had eleven inches in one in a couple hours. Oh, I, I, it it is just dreadful in there. And please, everybody who lives in Baton Rouge, you've got our thoughts and prayers with you. It, yeah. it has just been a dreadful, dreadful experience. I'm not for the being political, but guess who's the only person who's gone down to Baton Rouge to help do yeah. anything down there? Yeah, and that's been uh, Trump. Yeah. Does the Mississippi flow right into the ocean down there, or yes, into the Gulf? Yes, it does. Okay. It goes right into the ocean. That's, a, that's, a, that's amazing. I wonder how wide is the Mississippi down at that point. I mean, you you can't swim it, I don't think. Like 10 or 12 miles or something like that. <gasps> oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Wow. Oh, Walden, you know how good we are at geography. I know. This is serious. I mean, I'm not making fun about this. Walden and I are just woeful, yep. absolutely woefully empty when it comes to geography. We just, it, it's just not my subject. You will always win a trivial pursuit if you give me the blue question. Mm-hmm. Um, and Walden and I talk about this mm-hmm. all the time. We just don't know. We're going to have to do something about this. What was it? Um, Within the last 20 years, didn't, didn't the river back up or something on the Mississippi or yes, change, it, it change the course? And it, it, the, the Mississippi River, and this is recent history, it flooded and just kept creeping all over the farmlands and plains there. And then not terribly long after that, it dried up. Uh, just ships and barges were sitting on land. They They just got hung up. They there was no traffic. Well, I thought that it's also changed the stream, a streamline or something. Change. That the direction? You mean yeah. the direction or the configuration changed? The, the, the directional, I guess. There was an earthquake that happened, of, gosh, I want to say in the 1800s or something like that. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. caused the Mississippi to flow backwards for a couple of days. Oh, oh wow. Oh, my gosh. Is that what you were talking about, Walter? Yes, yes. I never heard that before. Here I am, flopping along, say, "Oh yeah, it's flooded." <laughs> I did not know that. Boy, that was one heck of an earthquake. Well, okay. If we have the uh, the um, uh, oh gosh, I can't see the the fault line that runs down the Mississippi 
that's uh, big one. there between uh, Arkansas and Tennessee and Kentucky in that area. Mm-hmm. If it's that, uh, when it goes, um, then uh, it's going to be uh, most of the South. Uh, well, Louisiana, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and Arkansas—that's all going to just—it's just, just going to sink underwater. It, it's going to be the the worst cataclysm ever. I did some reading a while back, so my information is not current about the faults under different parts of the country. This one makes the San Andreas Fault look like a sandbox. Mm-hmm. This one is enormous, and if the plates start shifting, I'm on one side here, Walden. We're all going to say goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> okay, the Mississippi River runs right through the middle of Baton Rouge. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it goes on down. I'm assuming Baton Rouge is French, right? Yeah. It's, it's got to be a French yeah. word. But it's Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, okay, meaning great. red stick. Oh, red stick? Red stick, okay. Red stick. Huh. Then mm-hmm. the Mississippi River comes down and goes around on the east side of New Orleans. And then it comes around through the south of it. And I'm, I'm looking at Google Maps right now. Okay. Google Earth. And then it went down... Google? And come on, quit slowing down here. <laughs> and then when we get right down to the tip of uh, of uh, where the toes of the Louisiana is, it kind of mm-hmm. branches out, and then it just goes out into the river. I mean, out into the ocean. And yeah. uh, so is, oh. is New Orleans? Help me here. Is New Orleans? Covered by water three sides, like the Gulf on one, and then the Mississippi it goes east and switch to the south. Am I thinking right? It that it's almost like it, it, it's surrounded by water. Like on the east, the south, and the west. It, 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 it's actually it's uh, it's got the Mississippi River actually is what surrounds New Orleans. It goes. It starts here on the north side uh-huh. and goes down along the east side, and then comes back around on the, under on the east, the uh, south side. Wow. Okay, so it it sticks out into the river. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, okay, Gary, we will start reading, and I I do have access to the really awful versions of these fairy tales. The Grimm brothers were German. Ah. Um, and I looked. He. Jacob Ludwig Karl Grimm was a German philologist. Have you ever heard of a no, philologist? No, I have no before? idea what that is. Who knows what that is? Well, neither did I. It was, philology is a branch of knowledge that deals with structure, historical development, and relationships of language or languages and literary or classical scholarship. I still don't know what it is, but that's the description. <laughs> And he was one of them. And his brother was Wilhelm. And they wrote awful stuff. They've got a picture of Jacob here. And 
he looks like he could have written some really awful stuff for kids. We'll have to look up his his life one night. I mean, this is terrible. So, okay, um, if you have any nominations, Gary, you know what my email is, and you can let me know, and I will dig them up. I mean, even Puss in Boots was a pretty rough story at the end, even during the middle of it. So, so let me know what you find and um, well, what, what we can air. It'll just be the worst of the worst. <laughs> I can't read the whole thing. I mean, Puss in Boots would take the entire night. Printed, but uh, it's, it's got some pretty awful stuff in there. Copy of the, their book off from uh, um, oh the the uh, oh gosh Gutenberg. Uh, oh oh the the website. Oh Gutenberg dot yeah, org. Yeah. Yes. Dot org. Dot org. And if you Google Gutenberg Australia, there's an Australian site that has even more up there for us to download and read things that we do not have on the american site oh well i'm going to i'm going to australia (laughs) yeah go go to australia i have downloaded some really nifty books from over there that we do not have here and it might have to do with the copyright laws which are different in various countries so there might be some things in Australia that we can't have here available to the public, but they can over there. So anyway, you might want to just keep that one in mind as well. Okay, you're you're up for the nominations. During the week, Gary, your assignment is to come up with awful stuff for <laughs> kids that, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I just can't believe what they did to kids. Um, and and let me know it's not what be for you the think little would be a one good one to read. It'll be for the big kids. That's right. Well, it has to, well, it has to have a little uh, station announcement. If you're under 85, <laughs> please set the next one, <laughs> 10 minutes aside. Let's bring it I think the expression is listener discretion advised. Shoo-wee. <laughs> okay. And really, maybe this isn't such a good idea after. Oh, yes, it is. Why not? We're running on the pink. We're running on the pink network. If it's too, if it's we'll, too, we'll too tough. Put a little pepper and spice in the show. <laughs> so, okay, Gary. Well, thank you for calling. I'm really sorry you're cold this week, but it'll it'll get better. I promise. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was somebody was talking to me real quick. What was that again? <laughs> I said I said good night. <laughs> I said thank you for calling, and I'm sorry you're cold. But it'll get better, I promise. Oh, yes, yes, it definitely will get better. Um, but we're getting into the good season. That's right. It snows uh, this year. Okay. That's right. All right. So you let me know if there's anything that strikes you that I need to investigate for the awful kid stuff. Okay? All right. I definitely will. All right. All right. That's your assignment. Bye-bye. All okay. right. Bye. Thanks, Gary. Good night. Good night. Good night. I have a trivia question for the family. Our phone number, of course you are, and you know the answer already, so that's okay. Oh, then then never mind. This is like I sent the answer to you by accident. (laughs) 714-545-2071, the caller gets called. Here's the trivia question, and the caller, you're the first one to kick a crack at this. Who has the longest and straightest railroad tracks in the world? What country? And how many oh, you miles? Oh, me and I forgot. I and, think I remember. And how many miles? So, hello, caller. You're on the air. 
it transverses most of the continent. Ah, very good. So you want to guess which one? And how many miles? I guess it's uh, probably over 4,000 miles. No, only straight, straight, not, not no curve, no nothing. Yeah, right, right. It goes straight. So, John, you want to take a crack of what country? Australia. Very good. It is Australia. And it's 279 miles. Yeah, Australia. I've seen it on uh, one of the uh, history channels or one of those. Now, see, you guys, you guys look at the intellectuals. <laughs> I <stick with> Columbo. <laughs> I got Columbo and Judge Judy. <laughs> There's another, there's another fact, you know, at the mouth of the Amazon River, uh-huh. we're, we're um, maybe 100, not 100 miles out, but a good ways out, the water's still fresh. That's how much drainage comes out of the Amazon jungle. Wow. So if you're caught offshore in, in the Atlantic Ocean in that area, you can still drink the water. <laughs> Assuming you survive the snakes and... <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, dear me. That's not... When I, I was a little kid, I thought that would be really great to be one of the explorers in rainforests. Where in heaven's name would I have gotten that? Well, you know, the Mississippi does not empty into the ocean. It empties in the Gulf of Mexico. That's what I was wondering. It's all at the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. So... Actually, then, when it starts, it starts, um... It starts up in Minnesota someplace. The source of the Mississippi is way up there, and it's very, very... You can jump across it. So that's what I was wondering. Did it take water from the Hudson Bay or something? No, Hudson... Oh, no, that's oh. over in, in New York. No, I, I have to put a call out to Ed, who keeps me on track with all of the rivers. I used Monongahela one night, and he corrected me and said... <laughs> That isn't where it goes. <laughs> you have to help us and give us all, and he'll email me if he's listening, um, give us all of the rivers and where they converge and where they go and stuff like that there. Hey, one of my dreams actually is to actually take a riverboat down the Mississippi. From yeah, Miss- that's what you said. Yeah. To me, that's sort of romantic. I, I guess maybe sort of the Mark Twain. Yeah, the Mark Twain, and I thought it would be good to get off and visit the Civil War battlefields along the way and yeah. the different cities. I always, and, you know, they, I, I think they, have, they used to have three different trips. I think a three-day, a seven-day, and a seven-and-a-seventeen-day. So it depends where you want to start down the Mississippi. And I always have thought that would be a fun thing to do. It sounds like a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my wow. My wife's cousin was on a 35-day cruise around the world. 35 days? Yeah. and uh, That's more than a month on the water. And uh, she said she enjoyed every minute of it. Oh, did she fly? Because I knew somebody last year that took took six months to do it, but made it on water more often. I don't know. Well, they, it was in combination with two other cruise lines. Okay. They must have hooked up together somehow. For 35 days, she said she enjoyed Oh, I don't think so. Every minute. Somebody can have my ticket. Free food? I'll auction off my ticket. Free food? Free food? Free lodging, Patricia? Good grief. I don't even want to go across a lake. (laughs) (laughs) 
free food. Now, wait a minute. Now you're talking my language here, right? Free food. Free food. Mm. Free food, free lodging. I don't, no, well, it's it's not, not really free. We have to pay for it in advance. No, 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 no. You could be part of the entertainment, Patricia. You could do, you could do the <laughs> trivia question. <laughs> just, just turn me loose, the mouth of the south. Okay. All right. What kind of entertainment would you like me to deliver? What he's saying by Patricia. You could do book reviews. You could you could be the great conversationalist. Uh-huh. Or I could read the really ugly parts of fairy tales. You know, I can remember in school there was some pretty gruesome, but uh, we didn't think anything of it. Those gruesome fairy tales. I I guess the, I guess the family's going to be in a state of shock when Patricia starts reading them in this fall. The grim gruesome. Gooey it, food. It really, it really knocked my socks off. I'll tell you. Wow. Well, you know, the the, the kids of the day are so protected. You know, the, we were allowed to go out and play in the dirt, That's and true. we became immune to a lot of things that they're saying. Oh my God, you know. You are absolutely right. We were allowed to go out and play in the dirt, make mud pies, and we all uh-huh. survived. We, we drank the water out of the garden hose and think anything That's of true. it. That's true. It's one of my favorite scenes of the Fred McGee and Molly Christmas show from Christmas 46 where uh, Fibber, you know, repaired the scooter. And he said the kid will have fun all day for using the same dirt. It'll be fresh, clean dirt that they can sweep up and throw <laughs> out. dirt. Isn't that great? <laughs> but, John, you are absolutely correct. They have done definitive studies. And within the last couple of years, that kids who grow up in ultra-clean houses where moms run around with Clorox towelettes and wipe down the counters and are sicker and have more episodes of asthma than kids who grow up in what we would have considered just a normal household. Well, you know, my father, he died when he was 96, and he was holding 10 pins, the big balls. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, I know what you mean. And uh, you keep disappearing on me. Ah, well, okay. But anyway, uh, he had he contracted pneumonia. Uh-huh. And he was in the hospital. In fact, he, it turned into double pneumonia. Ooh. And they were taking, okay. uh, they came in to the hospital, and they were asking my father what medications does he have. He says, I don't have any. He said, you don't take any medications? No. <laughs> he said, not even. He, he said, do you go to doctors? He says, well, I'm sick, but I probably ever get sick. You know, he's 96. So, uh-huh. a, so they say, well, you don't get sick? He says, hardly ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he grew up, like I say, he got 96 years old. He, mm-hmm. They weren't stuck Good in the house. proof in the pudding. And with the... And I'll bet bet when he was a kid, he made mud pies, too. Sure. All right, now, I was allowed to make mud pies. What happened to me? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm a walking medical school. (laughs) 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 I I could hire myself out as a one-stop shop for residents, you know? I can remember we used to go around after Christmas. Mm -hmm. We'd go up and down all the back alleys, and we'd gather up all the Christmas trees. And they're nice and dry. And we uh-huh. had to work a field in our neighborhood, and we put them in a big pile. I mean, a huge pile. Oh, boy. Yeah. Set them things on fire, and boy, they 
light the sky up. And nobody called the police. No one called the fire department. No one said anything about it. We'd done it every, you know, after Christmas. We'd burn all the Christmas trees. When do we stop? When, when do we actually and, stop allowing people to burn trash? I don't know. We used to always burn the leaves. Everybody wanted to volunteer. I'd let me rake the leaves and burn them. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, did that end by the 60s? Or so? I don't, I don't Great know. Great question. I really don't know. Yeah. I remember when we were kids. And even as an adult, when I when I was here in Florida for several years, I had a friend in Kansas that said, who said, what can I send you? And I said, send me a little box of leaves. She had maple trees and oak trees, all the kinds of things that I miss so much from up north. I didn't want to smell the dead leaves. I wanted to set them on fire and smell no. the, the scent no, of wonder. the leaves burning. It smelled wonderful. And I did. Our, our street was lined with um, sycamores. And they, they, as much leaves as fell down, that's how much bark fell down off them trees. Wow. It was wonderful to, to sweep those up, up against the curb and set them on fire. Wow. Right. I have a question about the Christmas trees. Yeah. Did you ever, or anyone in your area, ever have a bad thing happened, like a spark get loose and set a fire to something? No. The field, the field that we use, there wasn't anything around it. It would burn itself out before it touched the house. Okay. We, we never All had right. I've, I've, You know, it just sounds like such fun. Did you there, do this at night? Well, I guess it was, yeah, I guess it was, well, not real late at night, but in the, in the wintertime it got dark early. In the dark. I, I should have said in the dark we rather than at night. We weren't allowed oh to out. Gosh. When the lamppost light come on, we had to come in. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That was the signal? That was the signal. That lamppost light come on, you've got to come home. I'll be darned. What a great marker. And, uh, you, had some, you had some wonderful experiences when you were a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I was saying about the kids, they're not immune to anything. Well, we, we were burning these Christmas trees, and we got finished. I tripped and fell on one and hit my left knee and cut it. Ew. And it was big enough to be a sutured. Right. But I went home and down, to, down in the basement, my mother kept a rag bag. She never threw anything away. Any old clothes she put in a rag bag. And then once a year, uh-huh. we'd, she would make what you call rag um Rag rugs. Uh-huh. Put them into a rag that you put by the sink or by the bathroom sink, you know. Oh, okay. Sure. And and then uh, I just go down there, took some water, scrubbed it off, took some rags out of the rag bag, wrapped it all up, forgot about it. Never got any infection, nothing. And we had swamps. We used to go into the swamps and get uh, dirty water wow. in, the, in the cuts. Didn't bother us. Didn't have any problems with that. I don't ever remember anybody ever getting an infection. <laughs> In fact, the place where we used to go swimming was called Snake Hole. Oh, no one ever. <laughs> I, I'll send you a picture sometime of, of, of it, Patricia. A snake Hole. And the water there was so polluted that we all. <gasps> we all swam. Because the shore homes around there. 
He never had sewage. He just dumped it in a river. Yeah. Mm, they all had okay. to. They never bothered. That one, that one would rattle my cage. And it what? That one would rattle my cage. Oh yeah, but uh, there was no. I never even. I never, never remember seeing a snake in it. But that's we called it snake hole. It was really called Dundalk Bathing Beach, but we called it Snake Hole. Probably the snakes left once they realized how blue yeah. it was. And we, uh, it, was really like, it was only like uh, eight or eight or ten cents to get in. But if you cut through the woods and walk along the shoreline, you could get in for nothing. You actually had to pay to get into a polluted pond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have to go out and find some polluted places where no one wants to what, swim. All right. And we'll charge them a nickel. Well, what we, oh, yeah. Great. Well, maybe we can start collecting milk bottles. Not because you're and drinking. What? Well, in the old days, didn't you collect milk bottles and turn them in? Oh, yeah. Well, so, well bottles. We go down by the streetcar line, and a lot of people down there were waiting for a streetcar. They would drink a soda. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, it, streetcar would come, they'd take the bottle and throw it over in the, the grass where the plot, where the streetcar tracks were. And we'd go over there with a wagon and we'd collect them. And how much uh, did he get? Uh, with, uh, uh, two, two cents? cents two cents for the small ones and uh, a nickel for the big ones. And then you could... You, that was a there. lot of money then. Yeah, we collected enough so we could go to movies and get a candy bar. Very cool. You helped him. You cleaned up. The, you cleaned up the mess and got and he got the goats. Have fun. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. Well, Patricia, what you? You didn't even I, have to swill, swim in sewage. <laughs> yuck! And pay, pay to do it. <sighs> what did you take the picture I sent you? The picture. In my sailor suit. Oh yeah, we we swapped. You and I swapped some emails about that. I think that is one of the neatest pictures I have ever seen. John sent me a picture when he was a little guy, and he had a sailor suit on. Oh. It, it was. It, you were just so cute. I wanted to pinch your cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Easter Sunday. But the lady, that elderly lady, there wasn't my mother. It was my aunt. My mother was. She my didn't look aunt. very elderly. <laughs> <laughs> but she was. Uh, my mother was popping guess, in the house with my grandmother, who wasn't in the picture uh, either. They were probably uh-huh. Easter dinner. Yeah, that was Easter Sunday, 1937. Wow. wow. You did tell me, in your note, you did tell me that was your aunt in the picture, not your mother. She didn't look elderly, John, maybe to a little guy who was, how old were you in, <laughs> how old were you then? I was four years old. You were four in in the picture. Maybe to a four-year-old, she looked elderly, but you got to trust me, Walden. This is not an elderly <laughs> woman. Well, yeah, sure, but it's, it's sure, it's sure to me, I, you know, my mom was, well, she's elderly, and I said, who, how do you define elderly anymore? I mean. Do you it, remember one night, and for a couple of weeks, we, we talked about that? Yeah. Yes. And what did your mom say? How did she define elderly? I think anything over 70 is elderly now, but I said, no, I disagree. You know, I, I think... Elderly for a long time, then. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think at one time, people thought people under 60 was elderly. She wasn't, and I don't... Well, I think all that's out the window now. I mean... Oh, gosh, you listen to some of the 
old-time radio shows, they refer to people in their 50s as the, the old lady upstairs. Right. <laughs> I think. You know, when we're driving well, we got a bunch the highway, of people in the world here who might uh, disagree with that. I have, I have somebody poking along, poking along, and it's they're not even doing the minimum speed. And then I said, i got to get around this person. So I get around, and my wife will look over, and she said, oh, it's an old lady. <laughs> my wife, my wife's going to be 83 in, uh, <laughs> in September. And she said, oh, it was some old lady. <laughs> I said, what do you think I've, you are? <laughs> I have gotten to the mindset that there is no such thing as elderly. There are times when your body decides it's just not going to do what it used to do. But elderly, it, it's an abstract concept. I don't think you know, it exists. When do we change, when do we change, what age do we change that definition? You know, in the 60s, in the 60s they said, you don't trust anybody over 30. You oh, know, yeah. well. so, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, when do we really... That that was that was more a social statement right. than anything else. But um, but when do we readjust? When we all hit forty or fifty, do we readjust the, the timeline? Well, sure. When we hit when we hit forty, fifty looks good. Yeah. When we were twenty, fifty didn't look so good. And when we're fifty, sixty looks good. And when we're sixty, seventy looks good. I think we're we're always just ten years behind. Okay, ten years. Well, I don't, well, I don't like being—I don't like being in the '80s. Though. <laughs> I'd rather have been in the '60s. <laughs> I didn't mind that. Well, God, no, if I'm I had a so do-over, I, I John, if you—if you had a do-over, if, and I'm—maybe I'm, this is not something even conversationally, but it's something that I think about. If you had a do-over, if you could come back, what at what age would you like to be? Well, I liked—I liked the '60s. When I was sixty. When you were sixty, you would come back as as sixty. Walden, if you had a do-over, what age would you pick? I'm happy now. I I I it's so my fifties. I'm fine. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm fine where I am. Yeah. But if I had to, if if I had to go away and then come and do a do-over. But I really wouldn't want well, to come back. I guess I, guess I, I would never ask, want to be a young person now. I what is want the to be best person. year? What is the best year you have had so far? Oh, I don't know if I could define that. Uh, let's put it this way. I'm glad I'm out of school. All the hours <laughs> are put in for studying, so I guess anything, ap- anything after you know, okay, 20, so. you know, 20 years, because I, I put a lot of hours studying. So, so I, Okay, so we... We we have at least a marker yes. of where you do not want to come back. Well, if I had to choose, I mean, boy, I spent a lot. I spent a lot of my years putting the head to the grindstone, trying to pack courses. You know, whatever. I, uh, I guess I guess I like my free time. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> well, I I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to be a young person now. I think I, I think it's a t- I think it's a tougher period to be a young person now. I I is. think you're right. I think so. They they uh, I think I'm, so. I'm glad that I'm glad I lived in the generation I did. I uh, mean, we used to get a you know we used to up and we used to get when we got a chance to go downtown, and uh, you you probably see this in New York, the electric signs up on the buildings mm-hmm. that go around. Mm-hmm. And we go up there and read the war news. Oh yeah. And people would stand there 
one of the corners reading the, the war news. And to us, that's yes. nice, you know, we could do that. But uh, they don't think anything like that anymore. I, I wouldn't want to be a young person now. I've lived my life. I had okay. a good life. I went a lot of places up in halfway around this world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, you, my I, gosh, you, you have racked up the experiences. And you started when you were a little kid. Hey, hey, anybody got to hit the Blarney Stone like John? You know, I mean, John's the only one in our family that I know of to kick the Blarney Stone. So what can I say? <laughs> I got a, brother... a paper that proves it. They sent me a, a, a paper saying that I used the Barney Stone. No I... kidding. You get, it's official. I did not know that. My brother and sister-in-law, his, obviously his wife, on September 2nd, I think they leave. They're going to Ireland, and all Jim is talking, they said, and I'm going to kiss the Blarney Stone. And I thought, there is no way I am bending over backwards and having somebody hang on oh. to my ankles while I... Stick my head in a crevice. I don't think so. I'll have to welcome the party again. It's not too far down. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) It just scares me to even think. I mean, this is like jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. Why would you do something like that? I don't know, but I kissed a Barney. I'm here, and there's Blarney Castle, and I'm going to kiss the Blarney. I did. Well, my wife. Boy, I am. They saw me from down below. They saw from me down below. I rest my case. <laughs> I just, oh my gosh! They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go <laughs> up either. Oh my know. gosh! Oh my! I'm having the shivers here. <laughs> from down I, below. With, <laughs> Swift water, swift water rafting in the Alps. Oh. I was in uh, inside the uh, Great Pyramid. Yep. Yeah. I went over and touched the Sphinx, and I was in the Cairo Museum and saw the Tutankhamun's uh, display the whole second floor. Wow. I went a lot of places. I was in the Isle of Skye, as far as you can go up in Scotland, the Isle of Skye, S-K-Y. That was nice up here. Now, that was a, a, a cool place in the summertime. We were there in July, and we had to wear sweaters. And it rained. Really? The whole time we were in the, in the United Kingdom, it must have rained every day. Yeah. But you know what it does? It doesn't stop you from doing anything. No. But there, I, didn't have a, I didn't spend enough time in London. I wanted to go to the War Museum, and I didn't do it. And a friend of mine went there, and he said, that's one place you should have. Yeah, I, I've done that one. It, it's something else. So, I, I, yeah. But I didn't get to wow. that. And I'm not going to get the chance to do it. See, I'm, I'm in a position now that if you don't do these things, you're never going to have an opportunity to do it again. Yeah. That, that's why I like to do it. And I miss going overseas <laughs> now. But, yeah. And there's a lot of things going on there, but... The places that we visited, you don't have to worry about terrorists. Right. I mean, some of the places, you wouldn't believe where we went. You, uh, it doesn't gather a lot of people, you know. My 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 uh, my great-uncle and great-aunt, my Aunt K.U., my Uncle Wad, who I was named for, Walden, they, right after the war, they traveled around the world. And she was the first white woman in several countries in Africa. I'll be and 
you know, she they bought shrunken heads. Uh, they, <laughs> they, 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 uh, she would get my uncle to go up and play the bongo drum with the African b- band. I mean, just crazy things. My Aunt Kay would have my Uncle Walter do right after the war. But, you know, those have been really early in the uh, days of traveling overseas. Well, yeah. we went to one place, and it was called Berg, B-E-R-G, mm-hmm. over Drow, over the Drow River, D-R-A-U, Drow River. Mm. And it comes out of the Alps. And uh, a friend of ours, he was, he was our, acted as our tour guide. Uh, he he wrote to them, and uh, they wrote back. They you know they gave us a package, you know deal, and we he got a bus uh, about forty of us together. No, it was close to fifty, mm-hmm. and we went over there. They they had never had people from the United States in their resort. They never had them. Wow. We 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 were going to be the first one, so she knew we were coming about. Uh, mm, six months before we left, you know. And uh, she went to night school to learn English. Wow. I mean, she did that for... So I knew my aunt was uh, worked in politics for... She would volunteer to do things. Uh-huh. And Helen Bentley, who recently died, she was a congresswoman from Maryland. And uh, she got us... Was able to get uh, for me a flag that flew over to the Capitol... They have a man there that all he does is raise and lower flags. Right. He can say it flew over the Capitol. And I got her a flag, and she cherishes that to this day, that she's got the flag that flew over the, the, the Capitol. And she cherishes it to this day. Mm. I have one. I have one when I became an Eagle Scout. That's generally pretty traditional. They present us Eagle Scout with a flag just flown over the Capitol. And it's, yeah. it's pretty nice. I still have it in this room. Yeah. yeah. But he that's all he does all day long is raise and lower flag. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it's the idea that flew over the cap. Oh, absolutely. And, uh... Absolutely. But that was, uh... She cherishes that to this day. She never forgets that when, wow. when we went over there, you know. She said people were, people were so nice. And they were... The people I traveled with were very nice. Good. They weren't the ugly Americans, we call them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We, I had a wonderful life, and I would never want to go back and live life again. I, li- I lived it. I've been so many places. God, I've been 11 cruises. I've been in cruises in the Mediterranean, cruises in the Pacific, Atlantic, wow. Caribbean. I've been to Bermuda four times. I've been to the My word. Thomas and the Virgin Islands. I've been down there twice. Uh, I've been to a lot of places, and I'll always remember. I got a, a bookcase here with nothing but pictures that we have taken over the years. It fills a whole bookcase. Wow. So, no, I don't want to go back. <laughs> I've lived my life. You've done it. You've done it, John. I try to encourage the kids, you know. Well, my one daughter, she does a lot of traveling now. Uh-huh. But uh, I try to encourage them. Go see it. Go visit. I'm in, in almost every state in the United States. I haven't been to Hawaii, but I've been to Alaska. I've been from uh, Seattle, Washington, all the way down to the end of Route 1 in the, in the Keys. Wow. 
all the way to its end. Ninety just says it's, there's a sign there. It says ninety miles to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in. Uh, uh, what was that uh, writer uh, that wrote? Uh, oh, Hemingway. Hemingway. I went to his house. He was the first person in the Florida Keys that have an in-ground pool. And uh, his, that's when he separated from his wife. She threw it. She threw a penny at him or something for building a pool there. And she, she said she didn't like the place and they got divorced or something. He took that penny and, and immersed it in the cement around the pool. So when you go down there to visit his house, you'll see a penny. And everybody asks what that penny's for. Mm. His wife threw it at him. But uh, it's, it was a nice place, Ernest Hemingway's place. Then we saw where Harry Truman. Harry, now Harry Truman, uh, he had he went. He took two weeks vacation. That's all he took when he was president. It was two weeks vacation. Says he didn't want any more. And there was a, a hotel down there where he went all the time in uh, Key West. Um. And then when when he left the White House, no Secret Service or nothing. He got in. Bess got in the car with him, and they drove to... They drove home. They drove home in a... I think it was a 52 Chrysler, I think it was. I'm not sure. No Secret Service, nothing. Nope. He just cleaned out his desk, and the movers moved uh, all their furniture out that they purchased, not the ones that the state country purchases. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was fascinating. We ran a, um, a series called Convention for Convention over a month period, looked at how the Democrats and the Republicans ran the convention. And in 1948, Truman wrote a letter to Eisenhower offering that he was he would not run as president and he'd be happy to be Eisenhower's vice president if he would run yeah. for president in the United States. And you know who else had a good reputation during the, when the war broke out? And uh, he would, it was... A troop patriot would, would only a troop patriot would do this it was Wendell Wilkie. Yep. And Wendell Wilkie told President uh, Roosevelt he'll work in any capacity yep. to get this war over with. Yep. Wendell Wilkie. It's not like today. No. Cut cutthroat politics. It's I true. hate it. It's true. I absolutely hate it. But like I say, back when I was a kid. <laughs> politics. It wasn't anything like this. You no. just accepted who was ever president. Oh, he's the president. That's it. It's amazing. Look at Franklin Delano Roosevelt. In 1933, he had three Republicans in the cabinet. During the war broke, yeah. he, he had yeah. four Republicans in the cabinet. He, yeah. it's, it's amazing. We don't have that today. We don't have... You won't see that today. All you, know? you see is cut through politics yeah. and scandals. I hate it. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. But there's nothing I can do about it. Like I say, I would never want to come back and live in this the new, the new gen, what they call it, the next generation or whatever they call it. Millennial. Millennium. Oh, millennials. The millennials. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, no, I don't. I don't want any. I had to look that up the first time I saw it. <laughs> I no idea what they were talking about. This, this was a while back, but I said, "What the heck is a millennial?" Yeah. It sounded like millennial. an animal millennial. or a pet. You know? <laughs> No, I've, I've lived a good life, and I would never want to come back. No. Hmm. I have to go home now and feed my millennial. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a pet. <laughs> and like something you 
track. <laughs> oh. Chick Willikers. So. Well, John, thank you for entertaining us again tonight. You are just so cool. Love talking to you. Well, thank you. Like I say, if you got a chance to do something, do it. Don't don't say I'm not going to do it because you're scared or do it. Yeah. That's why, well, Patricia. I, I the, the, the Blarney Stone is off the list. Oh. It's off the list. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll sit in the castle, or I, I don't even want to. I don't. Want, I don't even want to get down below and look up. Oh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am such a Charlie Chicken when it comes to stuff I like had, that. I have to tell you, so it's my experience when going behind the Iron Curtain one sometime. When That'd be fun. Take too long. Well, maybe we can do that next week or the week after we talk about the Iron Curtain. Yeah, I can tell you how we went across into, we got visas and got uh, into uh, Hungary when it was yeah. back when it was Iron okay. Country. Well, you, I have to tell you. you put, I, that on, I, put that on your list for next week because I want to hear that. It's very interesting. You bet. Okay. Thank you, right. John. That's, that's your next week's story. Okay. That's, I got a million of them, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let somebody else listen. Right. I'm going to stop talking for a while. That's okay, John. <laughs> fun to have you. All right. It's Thank so you. much fun to talk to you, John. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. In the 60s, when my grandmother, my mom, mom, uh, she would when my uncle was stationed the first time at NATO in the 60s, and uh-huh. she decided to take her granddaughter with her, and they went over to East Germany. That was the first time she really got nervous because they had to handle the passport. And mm. she was really very apprehensive mm. about that. that. That's a great word. Yeah. That would do it. Hello there, Carl. You're on with Patricia. Is this the PG-rated Patricia? <laughs> Sounds like somebody's put something in her oatmeal. <laughs> we, we may we may do a little bit bigger than PG. <laughs> oh, Dan, this is Dan from Indiana, who who keeps track of us during the week. <laughs> are you there? Are you going to be on? Are we having a show this week? You are so cool. Uh, yes, we we are going to have listener. What what is it? Um, listener discussion ad, advice. Yes. Yes. Someone's got to keep track. You you know I was just listening along last week and Bluey, there you went right out of the water. <laughs> you got censored. My, you better you better watch my, out. They were censoring you in 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 advance of what happened this week here. I I guess I guess and I did not realize that I was still on. So. I get gold stars for not saying anything bad. That was really weird. That was really weird because I called Patricia, everybody, on Skype, and uh, it was me got disconnected, and Patricia was still on. That was just a <laughs> weird thing to happen. You were no. the one with the buttons. I know. You got shut down, and I was still flying. I was flying solo here. So what, what were you planning to do if I would have left you there for a half hour? Would you have read the, book, the diary of Anne Frank or something? What would you have done? Well, if I had known I was still on all by myself, I don't know what I would have done. I hadn't thought about that. She's like, no, oh, it's like, like car. She didn't it. know what to do. <laughs> I want she got it. Well, you know what she could have done? She could she could get up her write-up of the awful shows and start reading them 
Paragraph after paragraph. That would have taken a... Well, that would have been interesting. <laughs> Truly, would have it, been it, interesting. it could have been interesting. I've got some really interesting stuff in writing. You're right. And I could to have read social... the Pooh. Mm-hmm. To, to our social media friends, we're starting a campaign. Hashtag Patricia Needs Buttons. <laughs> Patricia Needs... I forgot what the last word was. Patricia Needs... Buttons. Buttons? Buttons. 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 <laughs> Bill asked me one time if I wanted a setup. I, I don't think so. <laughs> no, thank you. It, it's really okay. Um, Walden and I are just such cool buddies. We'll leave it right as it is. That was well, a long well, time ago. He asked. And I don't even know why. Why would he? Ooh, well, he wanted scary. He wanted you to host Martin Graham's all by yourself. And well, yeah, I mean, really, that is a scary thing. Bill and I have never met. We've talked a couple of times on the phone, and I call in once in a while. But, my gosh, to say, here's the radio station. No, he trusts, he trusts you. I know, but suppose I had an evil twin. He trusted me. I know, suppose you had an evil twin. Oh, Bill's a big truster. And the nice, you know, and the nice thing about it is if an evil twin, there's, there's codes in the system. You could, do, you could block people out if you wanted to. Yeah, but it happens. You'd have to know who to. <laughs> you'd have to know who to block out. Well, no, well, no. You see, you're given a secret code if you're hosting the oh? station, and if you need, if if he didn't like you, he could change the combination. And you would never know. Oh. Like Kenny like Youngman, take the myself? please. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, Dan. Did you know this is Friendship Week? I heard that. Yes. I also, oh, uh, I heard it was National Radio Day or whatever it was that yep. you mentioned. It's National Radio Day, yes. It's not national, but it is radio day. And, and, and but Patric- they just and, the and, word national there. And, and Patricia didn't care who, who birthday it was, <laughs> you know. Because you... <laughs> it wasn't mine. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> did, did you hear who passed away this week? No, who? Uh, does the name Jack Rowley ring a bell to you? Jack Riley. Jack uh-huh. Riley or Riley? Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. Okay, Jack Riley. Yes. Um, you you uh-huh. have probably watched his, you watched the TV show he was on, and you probably have listened to his commercials. Walden, any clues? No, I was thinking of somebody else. Um, I would Do think you have it- a television show? I was trying to think, was he a, like a, a news reporter, a news host? Nope, he was on a comedy show. It was He's, not his own show, however. No, no he was a I, I'm he was a character. Something he was a character. Like Art Link Letters or the Beat the Clock or some silliness mm-hmm. like that. Um, forgive me, nope. whoever did Beat the Clock. Who did Beat the Clock? Was that Bud Collier? That was Bud Collier. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> This was an early 1970s show on CBS. I do not know. I do not know. You've got and me. He was on the original Newhart show where he was always being analyzed, and he was always the curmudgeon on the show. Was he? Oh, Mr. What's-His-Face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm hanging right in there tonight. Mr. Carlin. Was it Mr. Carlin? The, yes. the old grouch, the, the yes. tall, yes. 
tall guy with the dark hair, but then we found out it was a toupee? I don't know about that, but you you are correct. I never never knew his his real people name. He was a very good actor. He did a great job on that show. Well, in in later years, he he also uh, portrayed, um, I believe, Grandpa on the Rugrats, and he also did the Country Crock Butter commercials, too. I don't know that one. It's the... I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's margarine. Oh, okay. Oh, I know. Okay, huh? I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, kind of in the brown tubs. When you said country crock, I thought it was like a television show about a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Oh dear. No. Well, then I have oh, to this? Bit. No, I'm only kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm truly only kidding. But that, that, I'm really sad about that. He was so good. We get reruns of the Bob Newhart show and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of uh, Carol Burnett, some mm-hmm. really good old shows. And Mr. Carlin was always one of my favorite characters. He was. He was. And, he was and great some actor. other other voice work, too. He had a very distinct uh-huh. voice. Yes, he, he, he did. He did. He had a very distinct acting style as well. Mm-hmm. It was quite proprietary, not easily imitated. He was very good. I'm sorry to hear that. So to his family, we send good thoughts and thanks for lending him to us. He was a very That's good right. person. That's right. That's right. I, 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 I feel oh. that. I'm, I'm so sorry. I did not even know the man's People name, uh, and Just I, Mr. Carlin. He was Mr. Carlin to me. And I noticed an, uh, a, a one of the legendary TV newscasters just passed away last weekend. Uh, the McLa- McLaughlin. Oh, McLaughlin, yes. John McLaughlin yeah. from the McLaughlin Group. Yes. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I had not seen that show. My gosh, it must have been in four or five years. Mm-hmm. And the week before. He died. I caught the show and was just devastated with the transition. Yeah. He had this very brash, upfront, in-your-face type attitude, and he he was irritating, which was exactly what he wanted to be. He was an irritating person. And when I saw him the week before last, he was clearly struggling, and he would read his. He was reading his questions. He had zero spark, and clearly, now, this is what we were talking about in, in terms of an LJB person, but he had had at least one stroke and recovered so beautifully from that compared to what you might see with other people, and that was, I saw him the week before he died, and I'm so glad that I at least caught the show, but was so so sad at the changes that he had to deal with physically. So I agree. I agree with you. I, I caught the show a couple months ago, and and I wasn't even sure if the show was still on. And I just happened to catch it. And I thought, well, I mean, you know, uh, I hadn't probably seen it really in probably six years or more. And but I oh, watched God, it. Yes. And I, I, I watched I, I, it. I I was reading the and I, I want to give a shout out here. Uh, I was reading I got a, a classic movie article yesterday from the LA Times and they're giving the head 
that Kurt Douglas is celebrating his 100th birthday in December. Everybody. Wow. And there's somebody well, who... There's somebody who's... You can't see me, but my mouth is just dropped open. I did not know that he was that old. Yes, he's turning 100 on December 9th. And considering, you know, this, the massive stroke he had years ago... I was just going to say, he's another one who right. recovered it remarkably from a devastating stroke. He was still active until so, he was 95. I mean, I mean, I remember him being in some movie you know, or show, and it was mentioned he was 95. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if he's Remarkable. done anything recently. Didn't I know that? Uh, he, the, 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 when I saw him last, and it was several years ago, he and two of his sons were being interviewed. It was a Larry King-type setup. Who uh-huh. would have a Larry King? Oh, 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 Pierce Morgan. Right. Or, or Pierce, yeah. Right. Yeah, the, the British guy. It was Pierce Morgan. And he was so good at what he did and they fired him. I don't understand. I mean they didn't fire him, they just didn't renew, renew his show. Yeah. But he was the person who was interviewing the three Douglases, the father and the two sons. And Kirk Douglas was just so good. When especially when I found out he had had such a such an enormous stroke and he had recovered just worked so hard and recovered so beautifully. He wasn't perfect. Who no. could be perfect after a devastating stroke? And he was in his 90s on top of it. But, gosh, it was just so good to see the three of them together. By the way, happened to see the, oh. did you happen to see the clip of Dick Van Dyke singing at the Denny's? I did not, but I did see him in an interview with whom? Ever, I do not, and it's it's recent. He he's nine. How old is he now? He was ninety when he, we did the interview. I think he's ninety. He may be ninety-one. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was fairly recent, and my gosh, yeah, he oh sings and well, dances and uh, he he there. I don't know. You know he uh, he's ninety. He is not old elderly. No. Alvin. And and he's a perfect example of what I struggle with. I don't think there is such a thing as elderly. When last year, when uh, at the Spurback Convention, one of our guests was Sharon Beard, you know, the one in the mouth to tears, and they just got done celebrating a big Disney birthday, and she just couldn't get over how Dick Van Dyke just took over, sang, and entertained everybody after the lunch program. He just uh-huh. he could still do it. He he has a group of uh, three other guys. He has a quartet that he's a member of, and I forget, but they were just singing at Denny's, and I guess after they had their meal, or maybe while they were waiting for their order to come, he just broke out to, into the um, uh, song from Mary Poppins, Chim Chim Tree, I believe. It tells you something about Dick Van Dyke. He, one thing he does around here in Southern California, he volunteers his time to help be in high school productions. Really? Yes. You know, wow. there was, you know, there was a, he heard about an old school, a school, a high school doing some product, and he went and helped be, be part of the show with them. Mm-hmm. Do I know you, he had quite an ordeal with alcoholism back, all oh, I guess, in the 70s correct. and 80s. Yeah. I guess he's fought that, and I guess he's just trying to... All right, oh. I have a trivia question for both my, and, my, my panelists here. Go ahead. Okay, I, I, can I make one yes. comment yes. before you do your, your trivia? Yes. One of the more interesting things for me is that Dick Van Dyke, of course, is an alcoholic, recovering alcoholic, and 
has been just so good and, and beautiful. What a beautiful example. Mary Tyler Moore was as well. And the, yeah. the two of them battled alcohol at the same time. Uh-huh. Absolutely. My trivia... And, and the two of them, have put, they were on the same show, of course. Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting. It was just... A coincidental thing. That's that okay. I have a Dick Van Dyke. I admire so much. I have a Dick Van Dyke trivia question for both my panelists here. Okay. What well, first name we is help Dick. you? Is that the answer? Well, I, I okay. want you. I want you guys to say, can you tell me what was the first radio show he did? <gasps> no, I didn't know he did radio. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Uh, I know that I, I knew this answer at one point, and I'm trying to remember. Um, it was a day, you, it, it was a date. It was a daytime audience participation show. It was on. Uh-huh. It was Monday through Friday, and during the daytime, uh-huh. it was audience participation. So you could write in and said, "I agree to do this," and so you got on the show and you got all these prizes. Was it truth or consequences? Nope. More, 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 um, a more higher wire act than that. A more higher wire act than that. Yeah. A more, meaning the things people had to do were either sheer lunacy or really dangerous. <laughs> or, 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 both. Or, 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 or most people wouldn't do it. Uh huh. Well, I mean, <laughs> um, oh, what is the other show? Most people, most most people wouldn't do this. Most people would not do this on on national radio. Was it, it the one with Jack Smith? Oh, that's the TV show that you asked for, right? No, that not that. This is radio. Oh, oh, was it? Um, was it Candid Microphone? Alan Funt? Well, Alan Funt. Nope, nope. But you're getting you're getting warm. Yeah, I've read it, and I can't remember it. I mean, okay. I'm trying to... Let me know when you re- let me know when you both want me to give you the answer. I'm ready for the answer. I was ready for the answer as soon as you said radio. <laughs> I didn't even know he was on radio. I've I read it because, I mean, I've read it someplace, but I can't remember. I've had a long day. Yeah, it, this is in John Dunning's book, the first one. Yeah. He got married on Bride and Groom. Okay. Bride and Groom was a show, everybody, Monday through Friday, where people got married. They agreed to get married on the show, and they got all these prizes. So that's what he did. Now, before that, he was a DJ in Danville, Illinois, wasn't he? Say again, Dan. I'm sorry? He he was a DJ in Danville, Illinois, wasn't he? I would not be surprised. Okay, yeah. He was in music radio. I think he was a a DJ in... um, Probably on Voices. Wow. Yeah. Patricia, yeah. you were saying about being married on bride and groom? I've read that. Yeah. I I remember he was on some national show, yes. Yep. Yeah. I think Patricia put herself on pause. Or else we disconnected. Say what? There you go. You you put yourself on pause. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we lost her. We were going to throw out we were going to throw out a lifeline. No, I don't have any buttons but I'm still here. <laughs> I thought maybe she put us on pause while she went and got her milk, you know. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know. Milk. We, we, I, didn't, I didn't leave to 
Never mind. We we meant to get I'm a. I'm to put you on pause. We we meant to get. Moment, we click. we meant to get a show on. She knows when I go to the bathroom, and I know when she gra- goes to get something to drink. You know, it's very interesting how. And I I know when you get a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> and popcorn too. Well, I know I know her and I have been talking here on the radio, and all of a sudden it's like, where's Walton? I, oh, no, I we're driving. Yeah. Well, you see, I have complete faith and trust in both of you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I know you don't. You. you have no choice. When you gotta go, you gotta go. Well, at least I'm not doing it here. No matter of trust, matter of urgency. At least I'm not doing it here. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be responsible for that. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear Patricia's feeling better. I tell you, yeah. I think she's feeling way too much better. Hey. I mean, really? I mean, concerning the doctor gave the magic word this week, you can have your milk. She's she, oh. she, she, she been jumping up and down. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I open the refrigerator for something, and I pat my little gallon of milk. Okay, now, family, I have I have an assignment for everybody. We, we, this is everybody's assignment. Every, everybody, at least everybody every day. I want everybody to send a Patricia, Patricia an email at floridawriter at hotmail.com. Dot com, and she yes. and she she done her four exercises. That's our goal for the week. So, uh-huh. dr- drop her an email this week, everybody, at floridawriter at hotmail dot com. Patricia, I thought you were I thought you were going to do what Super Sales did that one time. Throw a pie. The kids he did everything. All the kids. <laughs> but I think he's most. I think Super <laughs> most. He was most famous for telling the kids to go into their daddy and mommy's uh, wallet or uh, purse and pull up, pull uh-huh. out a little uh, piece of paper with presidents, uh, you know, on them and send them. Uh, pull out the green stuff, piece. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He got suspended more times than any per- I think he's got the record, having been suspended from his show more times than any <laughs> other television performer. He was outrageous and so funny. Uh, he had two puppets. Dan, you're you're a Soupy Sales fan. Uh, I I I've followed Soupy Sales. The answer Sales. is uh, yes. Uh, you are a <laughs> Williker. What? The answer is yes. You are a Soupy Sales fan. And I'm going to ask you. He had two dog puppets. And all he had, he just put his hands in there. It was like a black and white glove. He had a white side and a black side. And what what were the names of the puppets? White Fang. Uh-huh. And uh, I, can't re- I can't remember the other one. Black Tooth. What now? White Fang and Black Tooth. Black Tooth. I, I didn't remember Black Tooth, no. And Walton, he would have he, he would have these two gloves on his hands, and they would bark at each other. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, Walton probably watched Walton probably watched Soupy Sales in the seventies. Was he on KTLA out there in, in Los Angeles? Probably did. Yeah, I I yeah. met I met Soupy Sales. Um, did you really? Yeah, it was. Was uh, he as crazy in person as he was on? On his show? Well, that, at that time, he was pretty much wheelchair-bound. And uh, oh, it was... Oh, oh I'm so sorry. And, and, I and, did not know. And he was 2002 Friends of Old Time Radio Convention. 
And this is how it happened. You know, it's, you guys might remember Bill Phil, who was saying here used to once a week with Bill and Mike on Thursday night. Bill was the singer on the mm-hmm. Bob Hope radio show. Well, I took we took Bill back to FOT, and he was Soupy Sale singer on his TV show when Soupy had a local show in Detroit. And it was like family reunion together to get those two guys back together. And Bill grabbed me. He said, I want you to meet Soupy. So I, we talked to Soupy. And they, those two got on the phone after the get their catch up. And it was just nice to bring two people back together that, you know, haven't seen each other in 40-some-odd years. And What fun that must yeah, have been. Yeah. Yep. But uh, he always... He always uh, attended the Friends of Old Time Radio Convention as long as he could, and mm-hmm. and uh, they would always do the he, they would do the pie routine, you know he would make sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, Soupy Sales and his pies. Oh my goodness. Are you having fun? Are you there? You just you don't like my dog invitation. <laughs> that's, that's white fang and black tooth. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz, you guys are no fun tonight. Will you throw her a steak and maybe she'll quit barking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's okay. You get the prize for tonight. <laughs> I'm glad you chose a steak and not a rock. Oh, <laughs> uh, we we have to feed our Patricia. That's true. That's yes, nice. thank you. And I have milk to go with whatever you send. Exactly. I have my milk. Oh my god! And my television. I I really I'm going to rent myself out. This is magical. I tell you, I was driving home and I was thinking, you know, it's only four months till Christmas. And I was thinking. I better start looking for some bourbon balls this year. Yeah, true. After listening, after <laughs> listening to this show, I'm thinking, no way, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, yeah. some of us, you know. It's been a good week. You can tell Patricia happy. You can. Yeah. You can. Yeah. She happy feet this yeah. week. Yeah. She has yep. happy feet. Yes, yes. I have happy well, feet. Yes. Any other okay. news in Any other news from the mouth of the South? <laughs> let, me, let me think. The mouth of the South. Is there a category you would like me to cover? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we've covered your health. You're doing well that way. Uh huh. How is how is Sister Barbara? We haven't heard from Barbara for a while. She's doing very well. She. <laughs> Her news of the night, when she calls, she put a bird feeder in her yard, and she has been inundated. She said they must have called from the next county. <laughs> she's, she's just in, and she's got hummingbirds. So that, that's yeah. her thing for the month. Well, she has well <laughs> she, yeah. she started out with a pair of cardinals, which was really nice, and then she put hummingbird goodies out, and her hummingbirds came, and all of a sudden she's got... Birds were looking up because she's never seen them before. So she's yeah. going to the, she's she's going to the birds then, huh? Uh huh. She has yeah. gone to the birds. Yep. 
Exactly, exactly. Hey, have you heard anything from Ron in Hawaii? No, it's been a couple yeah, of weeks. Not. And, and shame on me that I, I'm the person responsible for sending emails, and I have not done that. I'll, I'll do that tonight. Okay, I just haven't heard anything. Yeah. No, and, you know, he was working and continued. I mean, he was so good. He's a lot better than I am. Um, just continued with his physical therapy exercises and was doing so well. And each time he called, you could tell that his speech and his voice were getting stronger and yep. better. So you're right. I, I need to do that. And maybe I'll do the emails, Walden, and maybe you could give him a call this week. Are you able to do that? Oh, yeah. Yep. I can do mm-hmm. that. Great. If you, send me an, if, you, if you send me an email reminder this week, I will do that. Okay, I will oh. be responsible for emails. Yes. Dan, I'm I want going on Dan for, for and, 30 and, seconds. And Dan, I want you I want you send Patricia an email and I want the rest of the family send Patricia an email. Have you done your floor exercises today? Yeah, well, that's our goal for the day, the week. We need to Okay, make... that's a yes no question, which means <laughs> I think the email should say do your exercises now. <laughs> As opposed to, have you done them? Okay. And the answer is no. Okay. I have not. All right. Do your exercises today. Everybody should send an email to Patricia this week. Does, does, the, does an email saying, have you mopped your floor this week count? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not. Um, it only needs two words. Do it. Do it. <laughs> And Dan, what about you? Are, are, have you started school again? Are you and you sure in that twilight period, or where are you uh, with work? Today was freshman move-in day. Oh gosh! All six hundred and thirty-one of them. Did they know where to 631 find? Six hundred and thirty-one freshmen. Did they know how to find the library? Oh, they did. They did for a fact. Yeah, well, they do now. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! A, a great group of of young people and uh, parents and families in tow. Uh, I'd say we probably had 2,000 people through because they had to come in to sign the matriculation book. You know, yeah. I, you know I just thought of a, a scary thing. In about two years from now, the, hmm. fr- the, the freshmen will all be born next century. Well, here's a scarier thing. Yeah. This, w- this was the class of 2020. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> oh, my word. You know, I remember it's, I remember as a kid, our teacher asking, how old will you be when, when, the, when, the, when, the, uh, when the new century starts? Yeah. You know, that was, that was a question I remember in elementary school. What? Well. Right. <laughs> right. Four. Oh my. Oh my. Now, yes, I have to you, she my millennial she, now. She just stays 79 perpetually. That's true. Exactly. Ron said I could do that. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> he said. He said. And so, he never fibs. Somebody gave me a trivia, a Fred McGee and Molly question yesterday. And I think I, and I missed it. Now, now I'll give it to both of you. Okay. You missed it? I missed it. Wow. Okay. Give me a try. Let me, ha- let me have it. Let me have it. What, what was Fibber McGee and Molly's address? And you missed it? I missed it. 
You missed? 79 Wistful Vista. The answer is not. No? They gave the radio show in 1939 when George Lee, when Fibber was outside, he realized the addresses were all wrong. And well, I, I know uh, Gildersleeve's number was 81. Right. But I never, and, and 70, what? Well, both of Gildersleeve was 83, and so Fibber was supposed to be 81, so he decided to still call it 79. That's what somebody told me. I haven't gone up. To, they said it's a radio show in 1939. That well, I, I, and 83 is correct. I do remember hearing Gildersleeve's a street number. And I thought it was screwed up. Whoever whoever gave it to you, <laughs> listen to me, because I thought it was screwed up. If they were next door, it should have been 81 or 85, mm-hmm. not 79. So that's what they claim. So they really claim that Fibber did not really live at 79 with the Vista. Well, that was, they must have listened to me, because that's what I said about two years ago. So there. <laughs> hmm. so was, I am oh. famous. I Hmm? He's having all this bills sent to another to a stranger's address, huh? Oh well, sort of like, uh, sort of like the running gag on Fair McGee and Molly. You you know where the bank is? is what the bank? The address of the bank is? <laughs> everything is at Fourteenth and, and oh, Oak. Yep, everything. Yeah, the, the, everything was at Fourteenth and Oak. The, the water company, the bank, the, the drugstore, the drugstore, the yeah. department store is all at Fourteenth and Oak. Yeah, it's all at Fourteenth and Oak. Fourteenth and Oak. That was a good shtick. <laughs> and it and it kept a, um uh, what's his face Don what's his face excuse me Don Quinn I have to be more respectful shame on me. It it kept him from having to think up all different names and numbers for the streets in downtown Fourteenth and Oak. Well, it kept the continuity in check. I'll tell you that much. Yes, it did. Yes, it yeah. did. It was amazing when uh, when. Catherine Crosby uh, stayed with Don Quinn and his daughter. She was a good friend of Don Quinn's daughter, so they had an extra space. And she said, it was interesting. Every night, Don Quinn would play Scrabble. That for one night, really? a, that for one night a week. And that was the night he wrote the script. Wow. He wrote the script in one night. Right. Wow. You know, I- We've talked about this uh-huh. at different times. Writing a half-hour script for something like The Whistler would have been an all-week deal. For something like Sibber McGee and Molly, there was a continuity. The characters were already developed. The storyline was really there. He had, to, he had to change the window dressing. So writing for a series or a serial, whatever, writing for a series was much less challenging than writing for a standalone show every week. Well, I don't know. Well, writing for a comedy would have been. If I don't think everybody's gifted to write comedy, though. Well, uh, oh, I, I, he he had the gift of comedy, but there were there were some predictable things about Fibber, for example, the the kinds of silliness that he used to get himself into. He had he had a personality. And Don Quinn could build a story around the personality of Fibber. Whereas with something like The Whistler or um, Screen Guild Theater, they had to start from scratch and build characters and then build the story. And very, very challenging. Very challenging. Well, I know 
I know on the Dukes of Hazard when I spoke to James Best, uh-huh. I know in I know he said that when they would do their Roscoe and Boss Hog, you know, stick, that they just left it up to the actors. They would just put in there, you know, Boss and Roscoe talk, you know, and they would come up with <laughs> skits. And uh, there was one time, um, there was one time on the show where Roscoe was going to light him, uh, James Best and Sorrel Book. They were, you know, good. They were professional actors, and they would talk beforehand on what they would do for a little comedy routine. And there was one time when Roscoe was going to set accidentally Boss Hog Stetson, White Stetson, had on fire. So they just, James had a big lighter there and turned it up, and then he, like, soaked the Stetson hat, like, in lighter fluid, and it almost burned down the whole... uh, set when that thing went off it was just improvised oh maybe my that's what, word maybe that's what they did with uh, Fibber McGee and Molly it may have just been improvised and they just had someone watching the clock well I, I don't know I, I mean I don't think so they had they had complete scripts that they worked from and also what I'm wondering is if Patricia said us in the past Don Quinn could have worked everything out in his head throughout the whole week and just the actual writing process, yeah. he did it in one night, but the other yeah. days, he mm-hmm. could have worked it all out. Yes. Yeah. It's sure like, like when I talked to Rex Stout's daughter, uh, Rebecca, she said her dad, all he did is work 30 days out of the year. He would work oh. outside in the farm, work out the story mm-hmm. in his head, and when it got too cold to work in the farm, he would lock himself in the game until 30 days to write a new wolf story. Wow. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Blop, the mystery writer, does that as well. I, I talked to him one time in mm-hmm. my whole life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I knew his wife much better than I, and I had met him and talked with him for a little bit. And so I'm, I hope I'm correct when I tell you that he would, as you just said, plan out and plot out um, mystery. And he's a good writer. Gosh, I love his work. And he would check himself into a hotel and stay there for a couple of weeks until he wrote out everything that he had organized in his head. And then he'd go home. Wow. Works for me. As someone who's dealt with books over the years, it's fascinating to me on how people write books or scripts or, you know, differently. You know, some Mm -hmm. lost them in... In a room, some work on it each morning, some you know get up, stay up late. You know, I, I guess it's just the, the however you work. Yes, yes. And, and what has always fascinated me is the story that I have heard, and I, I guess it's true, about Ernest Hemingway. He would stop in the middle of a sentence, so that he always had a place to pick up the next day. It was not like he had to go back and. Reread eighty-eight paragraphs before he got. He stopped in the middle of a sentence, and he could pick up where he left off. Now, I think that's pretty ingenious. I don't think I could do it, but my style of writing is that I cannot write another paragraph until I'm absolutely satisfied with the one that came before. So I do my editing as I go. Other people use stream of consciousness, and they just start writing until they get to the end, and then they go back and move it around and take things out and put things in and change wording. I can't do that. I cannot go to another paragraph 
until I'm satisfied with the one that I just finished. Now, when I have written two different ways over the years, back before computers, I would just sit down with paper and write out longhand. And, mm-hmm. you know, it it was basically taking it from my mind and putting it on paper. But now with word processors, I just type it out into, you know, a document. But I find mm-hmm. if I do it that way, I will leave out certain, you know, my my sometimes my verbiage is incorrect. I'll have to go back and mm-hmm. well, I'll 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 yes, kind of I, I will leave I out and I don't like that. When we I like writing out longhand. I I have very few mistakes. Whereas if I type mm-hmm. it just directly onto the screen, I find I leave out. I'm too. I I put down the key words and sometimes the verbiage or the um, you know the con you know. It's, mm-hmm. I'm a li- I'm, I'm, I make more mistakes by not writing it out long-handed. Yes, yes, and I agree. I have said so many times, I was one of the holdouts. I just absolutely refused to get a word processor. I refused to get a computer. I just refused. And it happened as I thought it would. My work suffered terribly and still suffers mm-hmm. from the the the, the rapid creation of a paragraph that you can do on a computer Mm -hmm. I don't take the time to think about every single word that I did when I was longhanding I would Mm -hmm. longhand it and cut and paste and I I would have arrows so that I I wrote on legal you know the yellow legal pads oh sure yeah and if I needed to insert something I would draw an arrow and write on the back of the paper Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I would type it out on, you know, and then I would cut and paste, and I would type it. I used a typewriter for years. Other people were using computers. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. And, of course, I finally had to give in, but I think my work suffered terribly when I switched to a computer. Do you have writer's block worse now <laughs> using a computer or worse than when you were writing it out longhand? Oh, oh, with a computer for sure. Yeah, Never I had yeah, problems you know, when I was it, long-handing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems like I might have yeah, to sit could, back and like think for a while, but easier. the actual block, no. Yeah, no. Uh-huh. Never got intimidated by a piece of paper. Yes, exactly. I love the I love the little uh, cup that Elliot Lewis had um, on his desk. <laughs> And this is where he kept the pens, and every time somebody, a, a uh, producer or one ever wanted to talk to him about a script he wrote, he always turned the cup to, after they levied the complaint, he always moved the cup that they could see it. And the cup said, where were you when the page was blank? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and I love that line. I just love that line. You can come in and criticize anything. Where were you when the page was blank? Yep. Right. I, right. Th- that it was so good. I loved it that when you told me that, Walden. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, well, great thought. I think I will take my leave so someone else can call in, and it's so good to hear Patricia back and I know full of vim and vigor. And I know. Oh yes, my vim has returned, and white tooth and no white fang and black tooth are here as well. 
Oh, no, she's got whatever Hillary Clinton has. <laughs> what? <laughs> we, are, we are an apolitical show. You didn't hear With that caveat, you, hear, you may proceed. You, you didn't hear Hillary bark a few months back? No. Oh, okay, you, you must have missed it. Did you uh, well, hear that, Walt? I did if I didn't hear it. Nope, I, I didn't hear it. I did not hear Great it, Dan. Deduction. Probably up on YouTube, right? Yes, yes. You can see Hillary Clinton bark. But Patricia okay. barks much better. I know. She, well, Patricia's more talented. Yeah, she's got more pup in her eyes. You know. Yes, I can I can do it in two languages. <laughs> see? I'm, 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 what I, do you I, call it? By, by, by doggy? By doggy. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you know, I'm no, yeah, by doggy. <laughs> You know, I'm now, now, yes. Walden, you're my witness. I haven't sent her bourbon balls in many months now. No, it's been, it's been nine I'm months. I'm sober. I am completely sober. <laughs> you, and I don't drink. You're right. Well, see, I... Uh, see, I have come to, to anything alcoholic with bourbon balls. <laughs> see, what I'm thinking... They last a long time. What I'm thinking is, hmm? you, you know, Patricia has never done her, her alligator crawl, it, cry, too. So <gasps> she... Oh, no, I have to close all the windows for that one. <laughs> oh, alligator cry? Yep, she, she, can, she can bark like an alligator. Do alligators bark? Yeah. Well, they, they grunt. They have this really deep, throaty um, sound that comes, um, it must come out of their gut. It is so, room, it, it's rumbling. And I did not realize it. I, I mean, you know, I talk about my stupid days being in with a mountain lion yeah. and stuff like that. I was in a nature preserve, and I heard the grunts, in the and I would grunt, and he would grunt back, and I grunted. I did not know at the time that the only time alligators grunt is and during mating humorous? season, and it's the male looking for a female, and they will fight. That they're territorial, so they will fight anything that crosses into their town. I was barking and grunting at a at a bull alligator. I you were fighting. You that. were flirting with well an alligator. I know. Well, boy, I know that now. So I'm going to close the window. <laughs> we had a little alligator in the lake in the back, but not a big one. But, yes, one night I will close all the windows and I will do an alligator grunt for you. It's a humdinger. Well, I know what I'm going to email her later on in the week and want to say, have you done your exercises and have you, have you quit flirting with the alligator? There you go. That's... And, and, and have you been practicing? Yes. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> oh, yes, my alligator grunt. <laughs> yes, we can do that. Just how close do you have to be to an alligator here at Grunt? Gee, I, that's a great question. I really I, don't I, know. It, I know the answer. I, too close. Do you really? Too close. <laughs> too close. Oh, <laughs> if you can hear it, it's too close. Yes. Yes. I have the sense, and I don't know this for sure. Um, for somebody who's living in Florida, I should know this kind of stuff. I have the sense somewhere in my brain I read that it's like a like a dolphin sound, it, the dolphin sounds can go forever, and whale sounds can be heard for up to a mile away. I have the sense that the alligator grunts can be heard because of the particular level of vibrations they make can probably be heard at great distances. 
So I, I, I have no idea if the alligator I was grunting at was under the under the walkway. You know, this is a really nice walkway. Do you know if you remember the, a lot? You can hear a lion about a half mile away. I want to say a lion when a lion when a lion roars. It could be a half yeah. mile away. I think. I I would bet it's even more than that. Yeah. But a half a mile that's a lot. That's well, we've covered, we covered a lot of territory here tonight. Yeah, true. Alligator yeah, Alligator, Maui, and writing. What a good stuff. Exactly. This show is nothing if not education. That is true. That's right. That is true. Because, Ed, remember I said Ed will help me out and send me yes. information about the rivers? Well, by golly, he did. Ooh. Here it is. Okay. Oh. Well, it's going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> he is so good. I mean, he's really, he gives me details and everything. So, well, Dan, thank you for calling. Thank you for grunting at me <laughs> and barking with white fang and black tooth and, or white tooth and black, yeah, white, white fang and black tooth. Yes, it's more rhythmic. So, well, you have yourself a wonderful day. And with your 2,000 people, I'm having apoplexy here. Phew. Yes, yes. It was a and, and you're able to sit up, take nourishment, and call us on top of it. Woohoo. Exactly, exactly. So good on you. Everybody good on have you. a good week. You too, Dan. Talk you to too, you Dan. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye. Well we okay. put we put Patricia on we put everybody on pause. We wanna you wanna wrap it up, Patricia? Oh, I have to see what the missus I better do this later because it he really did give Okay. Us okay. Some detailed and from thank you ed you are i just knew i could depend on you to keep me on track here so this uh, is, and there is a wonderful children's book about the mississippi river and a snapping turtle who travels it Ooh, ooh, paddle to the sea tree in the trail books that he grew up with and go to the library and take these out and just just read them by himself. So let me see if I can find something. These they, they sound a whole lot better than throwing Goldilocks out the second story. Window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a horrible thing. Just horrible. Uh. Anyway, I was hoping Celeste would call. She's probably listening, but I do have something for her tonight. Okay. Celeste, I'm trusting that you are listening. Terrible car crash that happened in a residential neighborhood, and as always, the news teams go out and stick a microphone under somebody's nose and say, how do you feel that yeah. you know, there are dead bodies all over the place? But one of, one of the people they interviewed said the cars were going so fastly, F-A-S-T-L-Y, not quickly, but fastly. Uh-huh. So I thought Celeste would, Very would good. appreciate that one. Very good. That's a good one. That's the only one I have for this week. I I should have well, of course my television was out for a while. That's right. I have to I have to get credit for that, right? Absolutely. Oh thank you. Absolutely. Oh thank you. Okay, I have something for you before we go. All right, my dear. I, I actually have a couple of questions for you. Okay. So maybe you and I could just have a little bit of time. Yeah, together. we'll ha- we'll have some time together. So family, hold off. We're gonna we're gonna have Patricia do her her her, her uh, town and dance and jump rope and then everybody <laughs> I want everybody to send, send it, Patricia an email have you done your exercises that that's the, the mantra of the week well I have a baseball question and I'm I have I need just a second to 
be able to frame this correctly because it's just a, a really wonderful piece of information mm -hmm. and I need to shape it into a question. Um, Nolan Ryan, of course, yep. you know, strikeout leader. He yep. was nicknamed the Ryan Express. Right. Dick Sharon, I'm assuming he was also a baseball player, is that correct? I suppose last name. S-H-A-R-O-N. Sharon? Sharon? Sharon, I think, uh-huh. Dick Sharon. Okay. Okay. He he made a comment about Nolan Ryan that is just so cool and probably has lived in baseball a lot longer than I have. Do you know what the comment was? I do not. Dick Sharon called Nolan Ryan. He said he's baseball's ex exorcist, you know, because he scares the devil out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Teddy Roosevelt. What, what were the circumstances? Hmm? Let's see. Teddy Roosevelt was the first one to fly in a plane, and I think he was the first one in a car. So let's go with Teddy. It was William McKinley. Ah. And he was the first to ride in a self-propelled vehicle, which was an electric-powered ambulance. And the circumstances were that the electric ambulance took him to the hospital when he had been shot. Oh. Wow. I mean what a, what um wow. what a peculiar collection of circumstances. Yeah. So okay, who was Leslie Lynch King Junior? I do not know. Yes you do. It was Gerald Ford's name before oh. he was adopted. Okay. Um, that was his name before he was adopted. Remarkable man. So, and let me see. I have a, I oh, have, and I also. I have, a, I have a presidential question for you. For me? Uh-huh. And you trust me with it? I do. Okay. I'm ready. Who, what president, former president, was shot and refused to go to the hospital until he could finish his speech? Oh, gosh, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I always get my presidents mixed up. I know he was shot in the chest. Yes. And he refused. Yes, he, he refused, refused to, to give it the speech. Because he wanted to give it a speech, and then the, the hospital it was 90 minutes away or something. He had to tra travel to get and there. Had, and the speech was so important yeah. to him. <laughs> he, was, was he campaigning? Was this a campaign yes. speech? At a I, I, th I think it was. Uh-huh. I think it was at a whistle stop. Now, see, I remember all of this stuff, and I can't remember who it was. Who was our most colorful president we ever had? Well, Teddy was the most colorful. That's right. It was Teddy Roosevelt. It was Teddy? Yes. Teddy Roosevelt, President Teddy Roosevelt. I'll tell you, we have had some just presidents who have left bits of history that are so extraordinary. One thing, I mean, you know, I... I thought what would be fun to do some night, you know, people sort of do one-person one shows, or they mm -hmm. go to a speaking group, and, they, you know, they dress up as the characters. It'd be fun to have somebody, oh, yeah. it'd be fun to have somebody who d does Teddy Roosevelt, and you can interview Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, 
I need to get in touch with Patrick Henry. I know, but I'm just thinking ahead. You know, Patrick yes, Kenny and Kenny got And I never followed up they, because I I did, you know, of course, that we had contact with the person who was going to get us to the right people. Oh, yeah. And the right people never got back to us. And my life turned upside down and I never got back to well, them. Well, guess what? Shame on me. Guess future parts. See, that's the one thing, Patricia. You're, you're never going to pass away because you got so many projects <laughs> to go. <laughs> If God really did place us on earth to accomplish a particular number of things, I'm never going to die because I'm so far behind. I will never die. This is true. I will never die. Um, she's always just going to say something. Mm, never mind. But any, oh, I know what I wanted to tell you. The uh, television comedy show, Frasier, uh-huh. with... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Lynn, yeah. Lynn's, um, grammar. Yeah, grammar. Kelsey. Kelsey Grammar. Kelsey Grammar, yes. And, of course, he and his brother, it, it, it was a wonderful comedy. Both of them were psychiatrists, and they played off each other. But they were so, um, they tried to be so upper crust. And one night, uh, Frazier gave a costume party, and everybody was supposed to come as their hero. And one of the women showed up as Wonder Woman. And they, they, you know, they came in really creative costumes, and he showed up as Sigmund Freud. <laughs> he just looked. It was, it was kind of a, 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 kind of a little bit pudgy. And Sigmund Freud, I don't know how tall he was, but I always had the sense that he was a rather short man. And he had this beard, and he was talking like Sigmund Freud. Uh-huh. Everybody else is having a great time, and he's walking around like Sigmund Freud. <laughs> so anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Perfect. Are we finished? Oh, I did have other stuff for you. Okay. I'll have to hold it. Okay. I'll have to, no, I'll have to save it. All righty. Oh, who was the only president who had a license as a bartender? I do. Gerald Ford. <laughs> no. <laughs> He'll be so pleased or would be so pleased, <laughs> would have been so pleased to know that. Was it been Victor Dixon? No, <laughs> no, he was he was the gambler. I know, and I had forgotten that you mentioned that last yeah, week, and yeah. I had forgotten that. Yeah, I don't know. Who was I... the one who bet the White House china? Who was it? Harding? Who? Yes. I have to go look. I think it was Harding. It it, it was Harding. I think it was. He, he was he he was a a gambler holic, and um, let's see. No, that was not it. Um, here's somewhere. Anyway, um, it was President Lincoln who had a license as a bartender. Wow. And he was co-owner of a bar. You know, up like, yep, like a pub. a tavern. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He, he was co-owner. Wow. And um, I thought that was kind of cool. That's pretty nice. We had a bartender and a peanut farmer. And a haberdasher. Hey, we we just have such a rich history. Yes, amen. And you know, I I think of that. You know how emotional I get about this. I mean, I, yeah. I just love our country so much. Yeah. And anyhow, that's my story. I have to go to bed now. All I'm right. Sent to bed, right? 
Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I, as I said before the show, I'm giving you two options. Either what you do, that? either you do your exercises, or you go, you, you go to bed. Either one. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving me that kind of a choice, Art. I mean, that's like saying, "Would you like chocolate ice cream or chocolate?" No, no, no. That's wrong. Uh, that's a, that's an incorrect analogy. That's like saying, "Would you like?" Brussels sprouts or chocolate ice cream? <laughs> I'll take the chocolate ice cream, please. Uh, all right. Um, <clears throat> yes. No. You're you're right. Just the the really short ones, like getting on the floor and getting up from yep, the floor. That's yep. the Just, one that I really and and I'll I'll do that one. You okay? do that one, and then that way you can stay up. You can you, uh, do that <laughs> that one. You do do, and then you go read a book or something. Okay. And then I can read a book. I found a Tony Hellerman book uh, online okay. for. Like a really reasonable price. Okay. Some of these are ten and twelve dollars, and I, you know, I just can't do that for a book. I'll go to the library. Yeah. But this one was really, and I love Tony Hillerman, and so. Okay. That's what I do, would do 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 you exercise it first, then go read Tony? Yeah. And then I can read. Yes. 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 I you, like you. Boy, you're <laughs> a, you're a good taskmaster. This is cool. Okay. I have to say good night, everybody. And I promise you I will return next week, and I'll have my milk with me, and my television will work, and my coffee pot is still working. And and we got Nolan Kenner as our special guest next week. And Nolan Kenner. Oh, gosh. And I told him I would email your phone numbers to him, and I will do that as soon as we hang up. Yep, and, then so. I, need, and I need Nolan's phone number that we got you for next week. So, so. Again? Do well, you keep track of these? Things? Yes, I do. Of course I, will. I do. But you know, I don't know no, which I'm one. Not, of course I will. No, I mean those those kinds of things just slide to the bottom of emails. I do have it. I will email it to you. Good. Everyone has to email me this week and say, <laughs> "Did you do your exercises?" And if not, do them now. And I'll be back next week. Good night, everybody. Good uh, night, Walden. Good night, adorable. All right. All right, everybody. We're gonna play some radio shows. Sound Forge Pro 11.0, data window to hear the JAWS help all tab, JAWS professional. Windows M, JAWS updates available, Windows M, desktop, oh, one man's family, enter. File exp, not selected, 12, what, page, 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 page down, OMF 43-page, page down, OMF 49-04-0, page down, OMF 49-07-11, left, OMF 49-0, OMF 49-07-25, left, OMF 49-08-0, unloading job, can't, okay, enter, one man. One man's family for a while. Let's share a prayer first. Dear Lord, thank you for all the good news for Patricia this week. We're, we're so grateful for all the good good reports. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Looking after our friends and our family, Lord. Help our country. Help us choose the right leader. Help us the opportunities to make other people's life better, Lord. Look after the needy, the poor the hungry, and the homeless. We ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here is one man fanboy, everybody.
This is One Man's Family. One Man's Family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Today, transcribed, we present Chapter 5, Book 71, entitled Father Barber's Aching Bones. The Sky Ranch vacation is in full swing, and with the exception of Pinky, working out his destination in the lumber camp for the summer, and Joan staying in town with Paul and working through vacation at the airfield, with these three exceptions, everyone is up in the high country, 40 miles down the peninsula from San Francisco. Paul and Joan were down for the weekend, but are now back in the city, and here at the Sky Ranch are Hazel and Mother Barber and the morning mail. Margaret just brought the mail up from the mailbox, Mother. Lots of letters and magazines. Well, it's early today. The rural free delivery must be improving. Anything for me? We'll see. Magazines for Nikki and Claudia, forwarded from Seacliff. A bill. Bill. Another bill. Who are the bills for? Another bill. Nikki, poor darling. Bill. I'll bet this one's for the electric dishwasher. I don't care how much that dishwasher cost. It was worth it. <laughs> It'll be worth it, even if I had to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki's popularity has reached a new high with these women folk. Bill. Bill, letter for Nicolette, one for Betty, two for Jack, business letters, letter for Cliff. Mmm, smells good. Oh, it's from Loretta Evans. Oh, Cliff's out at the horseshoe court. I'll call him. Two more bills for Nicky. <laughs> These improvements up here must have set him back a pretty penny. Oh, Cliff! Yeah, Mom? Letter, letter for you. Mail just came. I'll be right there. Does anybody ever get time to read all these magazines? Well, I do, from cover to cover. Say, there's a letter for me? Right here, Cliff. There it is. Oh, thanks. Mmm, from Roberta. Here's one from Pinky. Oh, it isn't for me. What's for Father? That one, too. Where is Father? Hmm, I took him a tray this morning. He's still upstairs. He would ride that motor scooter last night. I knew it would happen. That's all. Nothing from Pinky for me. Did I hear you say the mayor is here? His hearing wasn't impaired. Yes, Henry, are you coming down? Anything for me? Letter for you. Do you think you can get down the stairs, Henry? Do you want me to bring it up to you? I'm coming, Fanny. I'm coming up perfectly all right. He's so stiff he can hardly move. Man his age falling off a motor scooter. Why, that could have been serious at his age. Oh, Cliff, what's the matter? What? Oh. Oh, it's nothing, really, except... uh... Roberta says she can't come back this weekend. Oh, that's too bad, Fred. But why not? Seems to have some sort of a job at the university for the summer. Well, not weekends, too. It's doggone funny. Seems to be a little vague about the weekend. Here comes your father. Watch him coming downstairs pretending he isn't sore and stiff. (laughs) Sore in flesh and spirit both. Huh? Everyone's staring at me? Don't stare at me, Fanny. No hurry this morning, is there? We're on vacation, I believe. No reason to dash up and down the stairs two steps at a time. Nor any danger of it. Oh, is he? Miss Evans isn't coming to Sky Ranch this weekend. Huh? Oh, Skippy did a good job. Oh, oh, good morning, Chris. Skippy did a good job. What do you mean? My, look at these home and garden magazines in color. If lawns would only actually look the way they do in pictures. Dad, what about Andy? Has he anything to do with this? Andy? Did I say Andrew? You said Skippy did a good job. Huh? Yes, yes, yes. He, he polishes that motor scooter night and morning. <laughs> now, now, there's a tip for fathers, Clifford. When a father wants to win the undying loyalty and affection of his son, you just give him a shiny red motor scooter. 
Here, you say there's a letter here for me, Fanny? I'm jealous, Father. Huh? A nice fat letter from Pinky. For me, eh? Well, well. Oh, uh, Clifford, don't you want to stay in here? No, thank you, Dan. I haven't seen Andy this morning. I think I'd better have a little chat with him. You'll need another scooter to catch him. Well, let's take this letter someplace where there's a reasonable chance of being uninterrupted. For all the children at the swimming pool in the patio, how about the front porch? Wait for me. I'm going to send somebody around with all this mail. Yes, yes. We'll just get settled out for it. Uh, go ahead, Fanny. Go ahead. I'm in no hurry. Henry, I want you to answer me. Yes, you what? Do you hurt somewhere? Fanny, will you not keep at me, please? I'm all right. You might have broken your neck getting on a motor scooter. Worse than that, I'll never hear the end of it. Showing off at your age. I wasn't showing off. Well, I don't know what else you'd call it. Picking the steepest hill on a motor scooter and then falling off. Fanny, I did not fall off. It, it skidded. Perfectly ridiculous performance. Well, aren't you going to sit down? Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you? Henry, if it hurt you to sit down, you'd better send for Dr. Thompson and have him take some x-rays. I'm not going to have any x-rays, Fanny. Can't a man just stand and look at the scenery without having to have an x-ray? Well, the scenery's even prettier sitting down. Oh, very well. Oh! oh. Henry, you've broken something. Well, I think I'll go back to Seacliff this afternoon and stay with Paul and Joan. I'll not be hammered at that, Fanny. I'll, I'll not have it. Well, she'll go back and see Dr. Thompson have him take some x-rays of your hip, Henry. I'm well, sure... Well, what do you have to say? Well, he hasn't opened it yet, Hazel. He spent all this time just lowering himself into the chair. I think he's broken his head. Well, you're funny enough, Hazel. Why, Father? Um, um, um. No wonder there are twice as many widows as widowers in this country. The average American male is verbally hammered into his grave. Uh Uh-oh, maybe I'd better come back later. Well, sit down, Hazel. He'll simmer down and apologize presently. Open Pinky's letter, Father. That should take your mind off your troubles. Yes, yes. Newspaper clipping. No letter? Letter to. Here are your glasses, Father. Hey. Uh, what's this clipping all about? Yeah. Well, I was telling Hazel the other day, Fanny, that, <clears throat> that I think Daniel has done the proper thing when a 16-year-old boy insists on leaving home for the summer. His parents are exceedingly wise to get him the most unglamorous job that can be found. Then, when it's over, he'll appreciate his home. Are you speaking to me, Henry? I was, yes. Usually, Hazel, he apologized before he tries to start another conversation. Isn't that what I said, Hazel? You agreed with me finally, I believe. I still don't think it had to be a lumber camp or peeling potatoes. I told her, Fanny, I said when it comes to the rigorous business of earning a living, she should let Daniel guide the boys. You women know nothing whatever about earning a living. He's trying to butter me up with compliments, Hazel. Father, would you mind reading Pinky's letter? Uh, oh, oh. What's the matter, Henry? Move too suddenly? Mother, leave the poor man alone. Go on, Father, read it. Yes, yes. <clears throat> now, let's see. Let's see first what this clipping has to say. Hmm. Oh, insurance mortality rate for lumberjacks. Oh. Oh. Why, I never realized that lumbering was such a dangerous occupation. I wonder where Pinky found this. Oh, lumberman's journal. Yes. Well, Henry, don't be so provoking. Huh? Stop muttering. Never mind the clipping, Father. Read Pinky's letter. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Dear Godfather, I have been lying here. Oh. Oh. Where, where, where? Oh, my. Henry. Uh, yeah? Father, read the letter out loud. Huh? Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. 
Well, this poor boy is really going through it. Let him read, Hazel. Then we'll get hold of it and read it ourselves. I'm going to read it to you, Fanny. Now, listen to this. Dear Godfather, I have been lying here on my army cot with no mattress on it, thinking about you. But the ropes I've woven on the cot, instead of a mattress, cut into my back, and I can't get to sleep right away unless I'm completely exhausted. So I decided to get up and write this letter because I think about you practically all the time. Well, I find that rather touching. I think it's terrible. Well, what are they doing to the boy? I keep remembering what you told me about when you started in business, but it couldn't have been as bad as this. The title I got... Second assistant cook means I'm the one who peels bushels and bushels of potatoes and washes all the dishes for 36 men and sweeps out the bunkhouses and uh, mops all the floors. <laughs> His grammar seems a bit spotty. Oh, poor child. The cook is named Mr. Osati and hates boys. I only get 17 a week, and my take-home pay is 14.10. They deduct stuff from my check for the welfare funds and three or four other things, and by the time I get it, it looks like mice have been chewing on it. What kind of slavery is that? I'd just like to get my hands on that, Mr. Osati. He seems to have retained a sense of humor. Indeed. Today, Mr. Osati told me to use more soap on the floor. And I slipped and bumped into the shelf with all the dishes on it. Oh. Mr. Osadi says it's my fault the shelf caved in, but only about three-quarters of the plates broke and the handles on 27 cups. Mr. Osadi is going to take new china out of my check, which means I won't get even my 1410 until some Saturday towards the end of August. Oh, what in the world? All of that isn't fair. Yeah, now listen to this. Whenever I eat fried potatoes, which is three times a day, I think about the wonderful meals at Sky Ranch, and I certainly love everybody in the family, and you especially, Grandfather. I dream at night about the times you've slipped me a little money without without anybody... Oh, so forth and so forth. And down here it says, you see, <clears throat> I appreciate having you for a grandfather more than I ever did, especially since I found out how hard it is to earn 17 with the mice cutting it down to 1410. With love to you, Grandfather Pinky. <sighs> nice letter. I don't know what Daniel Murray was thinking of getting him a job like that. Oh, hold on. There's another envelope in here. It's sealed. Uh, it, it's for you, Hazel. It says to Mother. Well, I wondered if I was being neglected. Well, such a way to treat a boy. That Mr. Osati ought to be horsewhipped. What does he say in his letter to you, Hazel? Oh, uh, uh, this is just a personal note to me. Huh? Aren't you going to read it to us? Hmm? Oh, no, it, it's just a thank you note for a, oh, for a little something I sent him. Oh. Well, such... Oh! Oh! <sighs> well, such a nice letter deserves a good long answer. I think I'll go in... Oh. Now, Henry, Bobby, you listen to me. You're to go home this afternoon, sign into the hospital, and have x-rays from head to toe. Annie, I'm all right. I'm sore, but I'm all right. I'm not so sure. Well, I am, and I'll make a deal with you. What kind of a deal? You stop hammering at me, and I'll apologize for what I said. Huh? <laughs> come on. Come on, Annie. I was an old fool to ride that scooter. A silly, ridiculous old fool. Huh? Now, show me any other wife who's had a confession like that from her husband. Huh? Yes, <laughs> Annie. You hit the jackpot. <laughs> oh, uh, what was that that took Clifford off in such a hurry? Where did he say he was going? He said he hadn't seen Skippy this morning. Said he wanted to have a little talk with him. Oh, hello, Andy. Here you are, parked around by the back door. Hi, Dad. Just keeping out of the way of the little kids. Look, 
Look at her gleam. Oh, it's wonderful, fellow. It looks great. Gosh. Guy doesn't realize what he misses when he lives with relatives instead of with his own father. Oh. Oh, there's a little smudge of dust there under the fender. Where? Oh. You know another thing I'm glad about? I'm glad you've given me a regular name. I'd rather be called Andy, if people could remember. Well, thank you, Andy. Say, uh, did you uh, happen to see Miss Evans just before she left here so suddenly the other day? Yeah. You were, uh, alone with her? Sure. I see. Um, nice girl, don't you think? Pretty nice, yeah. You didn't have any disagreement with her or anything, did you, Andy? Oh, no. We got along okay. That's good. You see, um, we all expected to stay for several more days. It was kind of surprising when she left so suddenly. Hmm? I just wondered if maybe, um... Andy, uh, do you mind telling me what you talked about? Why, you mostly, I guess. But uh, what about me? Oh, I just told her how it used to be when you were too busy to pay any attention to me and how swell it is now. All I said was I sure hoped you wouldn't get married again. You said that, huh? Just mentioned it. Uh-huh, I see. I said I like things fine the way they were right now. That's how it is. Uh, uh, Andy. Yeah? Uh, did you say anything else? No, not very much. Yeah, but what? Um, what'd you talk about after that? House guests. House guests? Yeah. House guests and grandfather. What? You know how he doesn't like house guests, but only our regular family and nobody else. That sort of slipped out. Hey, Dad, where are you going? i got to make a long-distance phone call. I didn't say anything wrong, did I? Oh, forget it. We'll talk about it later. Oh, there you are, Cliff. Nikki and Claudia are looking for you. Oh, thanks, Hazel. i got to make a phone call first. Long distance? Uh, person to person, please. Miss Roberta Evans at San Mateo 43361. Yeah, Simon Teo. Yeah, uh -huh, way. This is Elmore 16011. Oh. Hello. Hello, brother. It's Cliff. Yeah, I got your letter. Yeah, you just this morning. Hey, I was never so disappointed. Everybody is. Dad said that... Yeah. No, Dad was especially upset. And Andy, too. Well, look, Roberta, I've got to run into town this afternoon, so how about dinner? Oh, sure, I'm up to it. I'm all right now, but I won't be if you don't have dinner with me. And today? Swell. How about 7.15 your house? Okay, it's a deal. How oh, wonderful. And now we turn from the Sky Ranch to the family home in Seacliff where Joan is just getting home from her daily stint of work at the San Francisco airport. Paul! I'm in here, Joan. Oh, the library? Yeah. Okay, coming. Well, you got home all right, huh? Ken, bring you. Uh-huh. I got your message that you were leaving the airport early. Well, sit down rest your bones. You're tired after slaving all day? Oh, I should say not. I feel wonderful. Sorry I didn't get a chance to come in and see you before I left the airfield, but I was in a hurry to get to the bank before closing. I had to stop to make in South San Francisco on my way in. Oh, sure, that's okay. Then I wanted to be home early, but that was a false alarm because they haven't arrived even now. Oh, is somebody coming? Oh, didn't I tell you that? Oh, that's right, I haven't seen you. Your grandfather's coming down. Cliff is bringing him down from the Sky Ranch. 
What's the matter? Anything wrong? Oh, not really, I don't think. Your grandmother called me at the field and said she thought Dad ought to have a checkup. Said he was pretty lame after falling off that scooter. Remember, just before we left yesterday? But he seemed all right when we left. Well, your grandmother said he's grunting and groaning, so she wanted me to call Dr. Thompson. Go and take him out and have some x-rays made as soon as he gets here. Hmm. Clifford's driving him down, you said? Mm-hmm. Cliff was coming in anyway, and he has a dinner date with Roberta Evans. Gee, I was hoping we could go down to Fisherman's Wharf and eat tonight. Well, maybe we can. We'll see what goes with your grandfather after Dr. Thompson looks him over. Shouldn't take very long. Is it all right if I go with you? Certainly. I haven't got a date tonight, huh? No, I told Ken you and I were going out. Oh, that would have been fine. Sorry this came up. Oh, that's okay. I didn't feel like a movie tonight anyway. Besides, I think a couple of nights out a week is enough when I'm working, even though it is only going to an early movie. Why are you looking at me in that funny way? You're beginning to read my mind, aren't you? Oh, not exactly. You kind of hinted something like that to me the other day, remember? Did I? That's why I like you so much, Paul. You don't say, now you can't do this or you can't do that. You just kind of suggest something. I find myself wanting to do it. I didn't used to be that way. You're growing up, that's why. It's always much more satisfying to make your own decisions and feel that they're the right ones. Mm, hmm? It really is. Gosh, I just don't know how I'm ever going to be able to... I hear the front door? Oh, I guess that's Grandfather and Clifford. Claire? Yeah. Oh, we're in the library. Okay, that's your two. All right, Dad, how are you feeling? Good. Thought you'd be here sooner than this. Well, we expected to, but I had to talk to Andy, and Mom was giving all sorts of instructions, and you know. Hi, Joan. Oh, hello, Clifford. Oh, you don't you want to sit down, Grandfather? This is fine, right here. Oh. What is it, your leg that hurts, Dan? Oh, a lot of nonsense. It's just a little stiff, and your mother's trying to make an invalid of me. Oh, she just wanted to make sure there were no bones broken, that's all, Dan. I wouldn't be up and walking around if there were any bones broken, would I? Ridiculous. Did you make an appointment with Dr. Thompson, Paul? Oh, yeah, I better phone him right now. He said to call him since you got here. Uh, that old Phil Peddler want to put me in the hospital sure as fate. Hand me the phone there, Joan, please. Oh, yeah, here, Paul. Uh, either that or amputate. <laughs> Go to him. He wants to start a to start a major project. Okay. Mm, two, two. Dad, you admitted you were miserable all the way down in the car. Hello, uh, may I speak to Doc Thompson, please? Thank you. I, I admitted nothing, Clifford. I simply said I felt a little cramped from riding. I always feel that way in an automobile. Hello, Doctor. Uh, it's Paul Barber. Yeah, he just got here. Now, tell him I refuse to go to the hospital. Well, he says he feels all right. A little stiff, but otherwise. Uh, well, I think so too. Fine. Okay, doctor. I'll see you in about half an hour, then. Bye. What did he say? We'll be down at the X-ray laboratory in half an hour. No, don't fall to See, that means I'll leave him about uh, ten minutes or so. Well, I think I'll go up and take a shower. You'll take care of running Dad down and everything, huh, Paul? Oh, sure. You go ahead and make yourself pretty for Roberta. Where are you going to eat dinner, Clifford? Oh, I wanted to ask you about that, Paul. Uh, have you been to Pierre's lately? Where? You know, that French restaurant on Pine Street, Pierre's. Oh, Pierre's hasn't been open for at least five years, Clifford. Oh, hey, my 11-year blank's closing me up again. Back in 1938, Piers was the place to go. There's a new restaurant there now called Camille's. Oh, by the way, there's an excellent French place out at the beach, Madame Romaine's. Good spot to take Roberta for dinner, Tino? Oh, perfect. Very romantic. You can eat and look at the ocean. She'll love it. There'll be moonlight, too, if the fog doesn't roll in. The Madame Romaine's it is. Uh, Yes, yes, I'll probably end up without any dinner. Be down there in that laboratory half the night with that quack medic, Fred Thompson, thumping me around, trying to find something extra to put in the bill. <laughs> you don't think we're going to take you down there and leave you, do you? Huh? 
Dr. Thompson doesn't find anything wrong, doesn't think you have to go to bed or to the hospital, right? I told you I was not going to any hospital, Fred Thompson, to the contrary, notwithstanding. But, Dad, if there's a... You go ahead, Cliff, you're in a hurry. We'll make out with Dad. Okay. Hope everything's all right, Dad. Mm-hmm. I'll see you tonight when I get in. I won't be late. Okay, Cliff. Good luck, Dad. Huh? He said good luck. What I started to say, Dad, was that if everything's okay, you and Joe and I could go out to dinner. That is, if you feel up to it. You're as bad as your mother, Paul. Is this a conspiracy to get me flat on my back or something? Well, certainly I feel up to it. I only came in because Clifford was coming anyway. Everyone kept asking me how I felt until I took this way out to avoid further persecution. Poor Grandfather. Hmm? Would you like to go down to Fisherman's Wharf, Grandfather? Would it be fun to eat down there? Oh, immaterial to me. Probably won't be able to eat anything anyway when that sawbones gets through with me. Well, we're about to leave. You want to go in and wash up before we go? Yes. Oh. Oh. Hurts when you get up, huh? One leg's a little stiff. Can I help you, Grandfather? Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Perfectly all right. Perfectly all right. Gosh, he seems cross, doesn't he? Do you think there's something awful wrong with him, Paul? I don't think so. Why are you smiling? Something funny? I've been watching my father about 50 years now, and I've come to learn that the more he gripes, the less we have to worry about his physical condition. I'll start to be concerned when he becomes very quiet and easy to handle. (laughs) Back up at the Sky Ranch, no one was very worried about Father Barber's aches and pains until the hours passed and still no report came, no telephone calls. Hazel, I'm really beginning to worry. It's after nine o'clock. But if everything wasn't all right, Mother, Paul would have called you. Well, I can't understand why somebody hasn't called. Even your father is all right. Seems to me they'd realize I'd fret if I didn't get word. Well, it is thoughtless, of course. You think we should call home again? Maybe they've come in by now. Well, it's only been five minutes since I tried, Mother. Let's wait a bit. Well, let's try to get Dr. Thompson again. There's no use in that. We left word with his exchange to have him call the minute they locate him. And you know he will. Oh, dear, I suppose so. I'll be reasonable, Mother. You know perfectly well there can't be anything seriously wrong with Father. He wouldn't have been up and around today if there had been. I know, but he's not a young man, Hazel, and he took a nasty fall. That can be dangerous when you get along in years and your bones are brittle. And the way he was huffing and puffing around here before he left... I think a lot of that was because at the last minute he didn't want to go off without you. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Your father can be an awful baby at times, Hazel. No doubt about that. He'd be the last man to admit it, though. Well, can you imagine not having any more sense than to get on a motor scooter of all things? <laughs> if I did anything as silly as that, I wouldn't hear the last of it to my dying day. Well, you won't have... Oh, oh there they are. I'll answer it, Hazel. Now, don't hurry, Mother. If that's Henry, I'm going to give him... Hello? Uh, Is that you, Paul? Well, how's your father? And why didn't you call me sooner? I was beginning to get worried that something was the matter. Oh, no, everything's fine, Mom. We've been out to dinner. We've got home. Dr. Thompson went with it. (laughs) Really? Well, I tried to call you from a phone booth in the restaurant once, but your line was busy. I see. No, no, the doctor said there wasn't a thing wrong. Dad's been on top of the world. Uh, he and the doctor had a great time at dinner, <laughs> taking each other apart. <laughs> okay, Mom. Now, Joan's here with us. Oh, just a minute. Dad wants to talk to you. Here. Hey. Yeah. She's a little put out. We didn't call sooner. Hello, Fanny, my dear. Huh? Oh, well, Paul tried at the restaurant, but he couldn't get you. We called the minute we, we got home. Oh, pretty well. No bones broken. 
No, but I still have considerable pain. The doctor said I had quite a shock. Oh, well, I had to keep up my end at dinner, Fanny. I didn't didn't want to be a wet blanket. Yes, yes. All right, my dear. Good night. I will. Goodbye. Is grandmother sore, grandfather? If you mean by sore, was he, was she perturbed, then the answer is yes. I'm the one who is sore, using the word in its pure sense. The result of abrasions and confusion. Okay, grandfather. <laughs> well, I think I'll go up to bed, Paul. All right. I'll be turning in for too long. Good night. Good night. Good night, grandfather. Good night, my dear. Oh, thanks for going to Fisherman's Wharf. It was a lot of fun. Yes, yes. I'll see you in the morning, Uncle Paul. Fine. Wake me up. I will. Did she call you Uncle Paul? Yeah, she calls me that every once in a while now. Never heard her do that before. What's she up to now? She's not up to anything, Dan. She called me that because she feels like it and for no other reason, I'm sure. Trying to get around you in some way, more than likely. Dad, must you be so suspicious of Joan? You don't give her a chance to show you what wonderful qualities she's got. When I see them, I'll be very happy to recognize them. Honestly, Dad, for a man who's been around children as much as you, I'm amazed, really amazed at how little understanding you have sometimes. Very well, for. But your understanding, as you prefer to think of it, is simply indulgence. Overindulgence. And I'll warrant you'll see it my way before this summer is over. But, Dad, can't you see the change in her? Everybody else is noticing. Claudia and Nick, you're delighted. Well, she seems happier, of course. Why shouldn't she? She's down here, away from her parents and the restraints that parents impose. She comes and goes a will. She does nothing of the sort. She never steps foot out of this house, and I don't know where she is. And where is she gone? To a few movies. Yes, with a with a grease monkey. All right, he's a grease monkey, but he's earning a good, honest living, and he's a good, honest kid. Kid? Well, I thought you said he was 21 or two. And that's another thing. He's too old for Joan. Well, I'd rather have some sensible fellow his age taking her out than one of these show-off, smart-alecky kids who don't know anything. They're out to find out everything they can just to show what devils they are. Do you know where this Ken took Joan the other night? To a church social. That's the way they spent the evening. Joan said she had a wonderful time. Now, you can't tell me that a boy who does that isn't pretty darn good. Very well, Paul, very well. All I maintain is that Joan belongs with her parents. Then, if something happens, they're responsible. If Joan gets involved in an unpleasant situation this summer, you're going to be a very sorry man. And you'll have no one to blame but yourself because you engineered the whole thing. I accept full and complete responsibility because I have the utmost confidence in Joan. She's got all the fine qualities to make a wonderful woman, and nothing is going to shake my faith in her. She just needs a chance, that's all. Yes, yes, have it your own way. Hi! Well, Clifford, you home? That's right. Light's the front door, Cliff. We left it open for you. Yeah, I did, Paul. What's the report from the doctor? Just what I said it would be. Nothing, nothing at all but a few bruises. Well, good for you, Dad. Aren't you home a little early? Yeah, a little bit. Roberta has to get up at the crack of dawn, so I took her home. Oh, had a swell dinner. So did we. Dr. Thompson went with us. He and Dad had some great laughs. We called Mom. She was a little miffed that we hadn't called sooner, but I think we squared ourselves. Yeah, you might have. I'm not so sure I did. <laughs> Dad had a marvelous time all through dinner, and the minute he got on the phone to Mom, you'd have thought he'd broken every bone in his body. Very <laughs> <laughs> <he> funny. <laughs> well, did you patch up everything with Roberta? Oh, I got a great idea. She's keen about it. I'm going to bring Skippy down, and the three of us are going to have a picnic at the beach. Oh. Huh? What's the matter with that? See, um... The big trouble is that Skippy doesn't really know her. When he sees what a swell person she is, he'll forget all this feeling he's had against her. I think that's an excellent idea, Clifford. What they need is to get acquainted. Sure, and a picnic at the beach, gosh, kids love that. It, 
What's the matter? You look skeptical, Paul. Uh, Paul's in an argumentative mood tonight. Don't tell me you two have been going around again. No, no, just a little forensic tilt, that's all. Well, how about it, Paul? Don't you think the picnic's okay? Look, Cliff, if you think a picnic will bring you and Roberta together, then I'd have a picnic. For a girl like that, you should be willing to move mountains. just heard Chapter 5, Book 71 of One Man's Family, written, produced, and transcribed under the direction of Carlton E. Morse. Chapter 6, entitled Father Barber Predicts the Worst, will come to you next week at this same hour. One Man's Family comes to you from California. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. August 1, 1949. A one-man family. We're going to play the next one. So the following Sunday, August the 8th, 1949. This is One Man's Family. One Man's Family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Today, transcribed, we present Chapter 6, Book 71, entitled, Father Barber Predicts the Worst. All the barbers are at the Sky Ranch for the summer. Except for Pinky, working in a lumber camp, Joan working at the airfield with Paul, and at the moment, Father Barber, who came down to have his bones x-rayed by Dr. Thompson after he fell off Skippy's new motor scooter. And now, here's Clifford and his 11-year-old son, Skippy. Andy, that is. Also back from the Sky Ranch for a day at the beach with Roberta Evans. The boy, jealous of his father's interest in the lovely Miss Evans, hadn't been exactly cordial. And Clifford, an amateur child psychologist, if there ever was one, conceived the idea of bringing them together on a picnic. Now it's 8 o'clock in the evening. Cliff and the boy have returned to the family home at Seacliff, and Cliff, less buoyant than usual, has just joined Paul and Father Barber on the terrace. Yeah, we had quite a day. Where's Joan this evening? Having dinner with a girlfriend. Come on, sit down. Thanks. Are you looking down your nose, Dad? Huh? I said, are you looking... I heard you. Joan's girlfriend has the improbable name of Mary Smith, if you must know. No one has ever met her. We don't even know where she lives. Okay, Dan, have it your way. How'd the picnic go, Cliff? I want to hear all about it. Some picnic. Started off well enough. Roberta had fried chicken. I'm responsible for a young girl Joan's age, and goodness knows that's a responsibility. I check up on it when she steps out with a girl named Mary Smith. Suppose there's no such person as Mary Smith, hmm? Suppose Mary Smith turns out to be that greasy young man... Uh, you mean grease monkey, Dad. What a name for a human being. Paul is taking frightful chances this summer, Clifford. I wouldn't give Joan her head for five minutes. Nicky and Claudia tried restraints, Dad, and that didn't work. She's headstrong and willful, like Claudia at the same age. I kept a sharp rein on Claudia. We had to. And she eloped with Johnny Roberts right under your nose. She might have done worse. Of course, Dad. 
Please, now, I want to hear about the picnic. Yes, yes. I can't have an easy moment with Joan out at night with people like Mary Smith. Are you warm enough, Dan? Huh? Don't you think you'd better get a sweater? Paul, I know whether I'm warm or cold. I'll get a sweater when I need one. Mary Smith. As soon as I heard the name, I knew Joan was dissembling. It's the sort of name you'll make up. It's the first name that occurs to you when you... Hey, Dad, I think, I think you should get it. It's, a, it's just an allergy. Hey, Dad, may I come down and say goodnight? Huh? Skippy? Yeah, but where is he? Sunport's window upstairs. Oh. Sure, come on. Oh, hey, Andy. Yes, Dad? Bring the jacket for your grandfather on the way. Okay. I'd have gone back to the Sky Ranch this morning, except that at breakfast, where Joan said she was having dinner with an improbable Mary Smith, I knew I'd worry about it until she was safe at home again. I don't like having the family scattered some here and some of the Sky Ranch. I like to have everybody in one place so I know what's happening. I'll get it. If it's for me, that car will reach out here, Skippy. Okay. Only my real name is Andy. I'm oh, sorry. I'll try to remember. Here's your jacket, Grandfather. Oh, hey, fella. Don't throw it. Here you are, Dad. That isn't my jacket at all. I, I couldn't begin to get into it. It's your... Bu- <coughs> I'll put it around your shoulders. It's for you, Uncle Paul. Who is it? He didn't say. Oh, here, son. Snuggle down here. You warm enough in that robe? Sure, Dad. It's heavy. Hello. See my new robe, Grandfather? Huh? Hey, hold it, fella. This Paul Barber. Who is this, please? Arthur? Oh, oh yes, Ken. It's the grease monkey, Ken Arthur's dad. Ken, uh, Joan isn't here. She's having dinner with... Uh, Mary Smith. With a girl named Mary Smith. Do you know Mary? Oh, you do, huh? Oh, works in transportation. Uh, transportation, indeed. I see. We're... Yes, they're having dinner together, but she should be along any time. <laughs> What's that? You'll pick her up at Mary's? Oh, good enough. Oh, fine. Not too late, huh? Bye. Yeah, you satisfied, Dad? She wasn't with Ken, and there is a girl named Mary Smith. She works at the airport. Well, this jacket won't do it all. I'll go get my own. <laughs> Grease monkey. Mary Smith. I still have my own opinion. Paul, he acts terribly unreasonable sometimes. Oh, he's all right, Cliff. Caught a little cold this morning, won't admit it. Well, stand up, Andy, and let me look at you, huh? Grandfather would admit he was hurt when he fell off my motor scooter, either. Uh, your grandfather's a man with a hot, fierce pride. Never underestimate him. He's as sound as a dollar. Here, turn around. Hey, you're pretty snappy. My dad bought me a new robe and new pajamas and a lot of new clothes. Yeah, very smart. Got a little sunburn, too, didn't you? Yeah. I'd rather stay at Sky Ranch and ride my scooter than go to any old beach picnics. See? These are new slippers, too. Woolly bedroom slippers. See? Mmm. Handsome. Dad... Are we going to read a chapter from Treasure Island? Oh, tonight? Well, aren't we? Sure. Sure, I'll be right up. King, I'll go up and get ready. That's an idea. Don't be too long. Night, Uncle Paul. Night, Andy. See you in a little while, Dad. Okay, Andy. Well, I'd better get up and start looking for Treasure Island. Hmm. I suppose we still have a copy around someplace. Oh, I think so. I'll come in with you. Oh, i better bring the phone along. You know, Paul, Andy talked a mile a minute all the way down here this morning. Go ahead, Paul. He's starved for exactly the sort of relationship we've got now. I hope we can keep it. Hmm. We might as well look here in the library first. Yeah, sounds logical. <laughs> no kidding, Paul. It was pretty revealing talk. I found out plenty about the missing 11 years. 
I can imagine juvenile books are on that upper shelf. Mom's got them all arranged. Might be there, except Treasure Island really belongs to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what sort of revelations did Skippy make? Oh, all sorts of things. How I acted, what I did and didn't do. Well, just remember, when you listen to Skippy, you're seeing those last years through the eyes of a child. Hmm? What's that mean? Well, if Skip comes to you with a story today, you'll listen to it with reservations, knowing the tendency of an 11-year-old to exaggerate. Yeah, well, I suppose so. Well, so it'll be with anything out of the past, a little garbled and twisted to meet the limitations of an immature mind. Well, all I know is I've got 11 years to make up, and I'm going to get at it. Mm. The picnic wasn't a smash hit, I gather. It didn't go the way I thought it would. Oh, Roberta was swell, gay, friendly... Had the sort of a lunch a boy ought to like. Brought him a little sailboat, which he left down at the beach, deliberately. Oh, it was a bust. Just lousy, Paul. What did the boy do? Nothing. Just sat. Gave us yes and no and uh-huh, maybe. Oh, here we are. Oliver Twist, Huckleberry Finn, the wind in the willows. You mean he wouldn't talk to Roberta? Oh, he didn't mean to be rude, Paul. He just froze up, that's all. Oh, that's too bad. On the way down, I told him, I said... I said, Roberta was a close friend of mine. I made it clear I hadn't any immediate plans for getting married, but, well, I said she was important to me and that I wanted my son to be friends with her. You went over his head, maybe. Well, something went sour. It was a complete 100% bust. What are you going to do about it? What do you think? What can I do? I've ignored my son for 11 years. It's his turn now. Besides, he's a swell kid. Isn't he? Mm, he's a good boy, Clem. You bet your life he is. I had to get a knock on the head to see it, but he's an elegant kid. Oh, here we are. Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Have you talked this over with Roberta? Oh, we skirted around it. I'll have to lay it on the line, I guess. Why don't you just let it cook a while? That isn't fair to her. Nonsense. If you're the man she wants, you wait. If I can help... Oh, no, you don't. You've got Joan on your hands. I'm not going to load you down with my problems, too. Oh, I thrive on them. You'd let me help, wouldn't you? If you get some blazing inspiration, sure. Okay, just keep your shirt on. I don't promise a blazing inspiration, but there's something to do. Um, Joan and I are coming up to the ranch tomorrow. Oh, just a moment. Yes? Joan? Oh, yes. You're where? I'm married. Uh-huh. Well, all right, Joan. Uh, how late will you and Ken be? Uh, I was just telling Cliff we'd come to the ranch over the weekend. We might leave here rather early. Mm-hmm. Well, Joan, you're your own boss, you know. You got your key? Thanks for calling me about it. I'll see you later. Trouble? I hope not, Cliff. But if I, if I didn't have considerable faith... Oh, well, I have. It is trouble, huh? Actually not, but Dad's uneasy about Joan, and maybe that's upset me. Well, when did this Ken Arthur turn up, anyhow? Yeah, I'm not going to load you down with my qualms. You've got your own. You having breakfast with us in the morning? No, I think we'll dig out of here for the Sky Ranch at the crack of dawn. Well, I'll get the lights and go upstairs with you. Um, Cliff, walk gently with Roberta for a little, huh? She's good for you. She'd be good for anybody. But you can't carry water on both shoulders. Who says you can? Everybody does it all the time. Some people manage to balance a bucket on top of their heads. This <laughs> hey, Dad, I'm ready to listen. And I'm ready to read, Andy. I'll be right there. Hi, Paul. Hi. Good night, Clifford. I'm here. I'm in bed. Good night, Dad. We'll be leaving early in the morning. Are you coming up to the Sky Ranch with us? I don't think so, Clifford. 
I've got this allergy, and your mother would put me in bed with a hot mustard plaster. I'll stay here until I get over it. Uh, shut my door there, will you? Night. Well, here I come, fella. And you're going to hear one of the finest books a boy ever read. Yeah, finally. That's right, finally. Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson, Chapter 1. And just one chapter tonight, because we're getting up with the birds tomorrow morning. Guess we're all set, Andy. Oh, boy, 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. We should get 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 an early start. It's still dark out. Yeah, but it'll be nice driving. We'll get up there in time to have breakfast in the patio beside the swimming pool. I like it where you're like this. After I'm off. You hungry? Not now, but I will be. Oh, me too. Now, let's see. Got everything? I got all my stuff. We've made our beds and picked up our dirty clothes. I got my toothbrush and pajamas. Okay, then. Oh, um, let's be quiet when we get out in the hall so we won't wake your grandfather. Sure. Come on. Go ahead. Hey, Dad. There's a light on in Grandfather's room. Well, I wonder if he really is sick. I'd better take a peek in. Why, Dad, what are you doing awake so early? Come in, Clifford. Come in. What's the matter? That cold bothering you? No, no. Been wakeful all night. Oh, morning, young man. Morning, Grandfather. We're starting for the Sky Ranch. We were trying to go out without waking you, and then Andy here saw the light under your door. Yes, yes. Been awake most of the night. Seems to me I've heard somebody going up and down this hall off and on since one o'clock in the morning. Well, it wasn't Skippy or me. We slept right through. Yeah. Maybe it was Joan. Yeah, Dad probably was. She might have been out kind of late. Yes, that's what I'm afraid of. I don't know what Paul can be thinking of letting that girl run around the way he does, getting it at all hours. But Dad, Paul knows what he's doing. I doubt that. Paul's too easy on her, and I think she's pulling the wool over his eyes. Well, it's too early in the morning to argue. Why don't you turn out your light and try to get some sleep? Skippy and I have to get started. Oh, could I make you a cup of coffee before we No, no, you run along. No, uh, hand me my robes there, please. I'll get it. You're not going to get up, are you? I'm going up to the third floor and see if everything is all right up there. Paul and Joan are probably still asleep. Well, it won't hurt to look in on their rooms. I, I swear I heard somebody going up and down this hall all night. Do you want me to go up and see? No, no, you get on your way. I, I probably won't go up after all. I've been wanting to investigate what's been going on all night, but I restrain myself. I can wait a little longer. Paul has made it very clear that he wants to handle this in his own way. Yeah, I do think if he had any trouble last night, it'd be wiser to let him handle it alone. Has Joan done something, Dad? Oh, of course not. Your grandfather's a little upset. And uh, don't you say anything about this when you get up to the sky there. That's right, Andy. This is none of our business, and it might bother your Uncle Nick and Aunt Claudia. Understand? Sure. I won't say anything. Are you sure you don't? Well, we'll shove off. You'll be driving up with Paul and Joan later, I suppose? Yes, yes. I'll walk out to the hall with you. Come on, Skip. we got to hit the road. Yeah. Back to my good old motor scooter. We'll be seeing you at the Sky Ranch, Dad. So long. Bye, Grandfather. Goodbye. Go up to that studio and see if everything's all right. Yes. I can't understand why anybody would want to be stuck off way up in an attic like this. Our house. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Paul. Yes. Come in, Dad. Are you up and dressed already? What's the matter, Paul? You look distraught. I've had a rough night, Dad. Joan? Yeah. Where is she? I don't know. You don't know? You mean she didn't come home last night? No. Good grief. 
I told you this would happen. I knew that girl was up to no good. I warned... Just a minute now. You don't know anything about it. What more do I have to know? You say she didn't come home. She was out with that, 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 that grease monkey, wasn't she? As far as I know, yes. Ken Arthur. Well, well, what? So you're jumping to the conclusion that she's done something wrong, is that it? I'm not jumping to any conclusions at all. The facts speak for themselves. She went out with this boy and you haven't heard from her all night, isn't that right? Yes. Well, it's happened that just as I predicted it would happen. You take this girl in hand, a willful, headstrong girl who needs the strong reins of her parents, and now she's in a mess. How do you know she's in a mess? I think something's happened, making it impossible for her to get in touch with me. Have you called this, this Ken boy's home? Yes. Mother said he hadn't come home. No word from him either. And the blame falls directly on you. A girl of Joan's age out all night. And the only thing that comes to your mind is that she's done something to be ashamed of. Is that it? It hasn't entered your mind, I suppose. No, it hasn't. I believe in that girl completely, and I'm going to continue to believe in her until I find good, solid proof that she isn't worthy of my confidence. Very well, Paul, but you've got her parents to answer to. You must know that. I've already called Nikki at the Sky Ranch. She and Claudia are coming down. What did you tell them? I told them the truth, that Joan hasn't come home. But I also told them what I've told you, that I'm positive we'll find this has happened because of something over which Joan had no control. Huh? An accident? Well, that's my greatest concern. I've checked with Lieutenant Greer down to police headquarters, and so far we found nothing at any of the emergency hospitals around the bay. He's checking the emergencies down the peninsula and over in Marin County for me. Were you talking to him when I came in? No, I've been trying to get the phone number of that Mary Smith. Yeah, Mary Smith. Yeah. Ken picked Joan up over at her house, the way I understood it. Did you get her number? There are a million Smiths in the phone book. Well, don't they have her number at the airport where she works? Yeah, it's five o'clock in the morning. The girl at the switchboard didn't have it, and the transportation office isn't open till late. They're going to call me as soon as the Smith girl comes in. Yeah, she might have been out all night, too. Well, was this after... Hello. Yeah. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. Yes, I see. Uh, what is it for? That, please, that. Uh, what was that again, Lieutenant? Ah. Yeah. Well, I'll be right down. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Is that the police station? Yes, Dan. Is he in jail? I haven't time to talk now, Dan. I've got to get out of here. Is anything wrong? What's it about? All I can say is I don't know anything more than I did, but this call may lead to something. But Claudia and Nicholas will be here. They'll want to know. I'll call here the very moment I have anything definite. Tell them to wait here till they hear from me. Tell me this before you leave. Was this phone call good news or bad? I don't know. It could be either. That's what I'm going to find out now. Meanwhile, we pick up Clifford and Skippy just about at the end of their 40-mile skyline ride through the first bleary, fog-drenched light of a San Francisco dawn. I like mountains better than the beach, don't you, Dan? No. Mm-hmm. I guess Miss Evans thought I was pretty young. Anybody old enough to have a motor scooter is too old to play with sailboats. Oh, is that so? Women don't know much about boys. She wanted to be friends with you, Andy. Mm-hmm. Say, Dad. Yeah? I'd like to try... I'd like to try yesterday all over again. How do you mean, Phil? Oh, it was kind of hard to talk much yesterday. I know. It was just kind of hard to, to talk. You, um, you like Miss Evans? That was pretty good fried chicken she cut. Say, are you getting hungry? Oh, you're a good boy, Andy. Huh? What do you mean? We'll get along all right, you and I. <laughs> I can like the girl and you can like her fried chicken. We'll get along. You're laughing at me. No, I'm not, Andy. We'll have another date with Roberta. Take her to a show or something. How about that? Yeah. A show would be better, Dad. Then I wouldn't have to think of stuff to talk about. Hey, don't you want to stop at the Sky Ranch mailbox? This early? Maybe they didn't pick the mail up yesterday afternoon. I bet they did. But we'll see. I'll get it. 
Lots of it. Hey, you dropped a couple. Lots of letters again. Oh, boy. Bill's for Uncle Nicky. Your poor uncle's still paying for the improvements on the ranch. Hey, come on, get him. Is Uncle Nicky rich? Now, that's a question that a polite kid doesn't ask. Oh, well, he's probably rich. Hey, here's a letter from Pinky. Pinky's going to be quite a correspondent. Who's that one to? To Mr. Daniel Murray Esquire. Here's a business letter for Uncle Jack. Well, there he is on the porch. Hiya, Jackson. Hi, Cliff. Hi there, Skippy. Did you get the mail? Just got it. Where is everybody? Uh, most people are still in the hay. After all, it's only quarter of seven. What'd you do? Get up with the chickens? I'm hungry. When do we eat? <laughs> a good question. I'm waiting for Dan and Hazel. We're going to have a dip in the pool and then breakfast. Hey, anything for me? One letter from Time Magazine. Oh, goody. That all? That's all for you. There's lots for other people. Oh, Skip, you deliver the mail and I'll put the car. Okay. Uh, Cliff, Paul just phoned. He won't be out this weekend. Oh? Something came up at the airport. Didn't say what. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Andy? Shall I deliver the mail on my motor scooter? I think you'll do it faster on foot. Well, get at it, fella. See you in a minute, Jack. Mailman, here comes the mailman. Oh, Uncle Jack. Yes, Andy? Where's Uncle Dan? In his room, I think. Okay. Mailman, here comes the mailman. Special delivery letters. Special delivery. Yes, who is it? Mail for Daniel Murray Esquire. Mailman. Oh, you and Clifford back so early? He's in here, Andy. Andy? (laughs) (laughs) Andy, I mean. What have you got? It's from Pinky. Wonderful. Your Uncle Dan's putting up a mirror for me. Come on in. No, thanks. I'm in a hurry to get my good old motor scooter. Mailman, special delivery letters. Mailman. Dan. Uh, How's this mirror now? Dan, it's from Pinky. Good, good. Uh, This mirror straight? Look, in the left-hand corner. William Herbert Murray, second assistant cook, Wilderness Lumber Company, Camp 4. Oh, Dan. He's having the time of his life. Don't worry about him. Say, how about this mirror? Left side. Up or down? Huh? Oh, uh, down a little. Uh, there. Now come and read it. Uh, wait till I wash my hands. I wonder if we couldn't get Pinky on the telephone. Why? Oh, Dan, I'd feel much better about him if I could phone him once a week or so. Hazel, the boy wanted to spend the summer on his own. Let him take it the way it comes. I know, but he's homesick yeah, and... That's good for him. I think everybody's writing him too often. Let him get homesick. It'll toughen him up. <laughs> you see, my dear, you'll undo the whole thing if you go soft on me now. A rough, hard, homesick summer will do that boy more good than anything that ever happened to him. It's addressed to you. I opened it. Do you mind? Oh, go ahead. Oh, wait, I stick my head out the window and call down to Jack. Hey, Jack. Hey, down there. Hi, Dan. You ready? Yeah, we got a Duncan paraphernalia on. We'll be down in a minute. No rush. We'll read our letter and then be right out. It's a deal. Here it is now, Dan. Read it. Good. Dear, Dear Dan. Well? Well, Dan, is it bad news? What is it? Listen to this. Dear Dan, have you got a good big picture of you and Mom I could tack up over my army cot here in the bunkhouse? Oh. <laughs> I, I've been away so long, I'm beginning to forget what everybody looks like, and I, I sure don't want to forget you and Mom. Dan, that's awful. <laughs> the cook has quit speaking to me since he accidentally bumped into me with a pan of scrambled eggs two days ago. And the men just call me kid and don't talk to me much either. What I need now is a big picture of you both. Dan, we haven't one. Hmm? No, he says, I dream about the Sky Ranch all night, but when I wake up in the morning, it seems a million miles away, and I can't even remember what the swimming pool looks like. I want a 
picture with both of you in it, and please send it airmail. Is that all? Love to you both. From Pinky. What are we going to do? Poor kid. That's touching, you know. But what are we going to do, Dan? We haven't a good picture. I know. We could have one taken in Redwood City. It's Saturday. We could have it done this morning. No, no, no. Now, wait, Hazel. Oh, Dan, we can't ignore a request like that. Well, look, will you keep it dark, Hazel? Will you not tell anybody about it? Oh, yes, Dan, I promise. (laughs) Imagine him wanting a picture of me. Oh, Jack! Jack! Hi, when are you coming? You go ahead without us, Jack. Something's come up. We've got to have breakfast and drive into Redwood City. Hey, that's too bad. Sky Ranch is going to be practically deserted today now that Dickie and Claudia have to meet Paul in the city. Oh, what a trip into town. We've left the door open, Claudius. Go ahead, Claudia. Claudia! Uh, yes, Dad? I'm in here, in the library. Coming, sir. We practically flew down from the Sky Ranch. No word from Joan? Nothing. Oh, dear. Joe. Where's Paul? He's gone out. He said for you to wait here until we heard from him. Something about Joan? I I assume so. Paul didn't tell us a great deal on the telephone, other than to say that she went out with his Ken lad and hadn't come home. That's about all the information we have. Where's Paul going? I don't know. He didn't want to tell me, apparently. He got a call from someone he called Lieutenant, so I presumed it must have been the police. Police? What could that mean? What does the whole thing mean? That's what I'd like to know. I hope this will teach Paul a lesson not to meddle in other people's affairs. That's being a bit hard on him, isn't it? We haven't felt he's been meddling, Father Barber. He took Joan without full consent. And it was very foolish of you to give it. What has taken place is eloquent proof of that. This is no time to begin fixing blame. The important thing is to find out about Joan. There must be something we could do. It's horrible to be just sitting here. Take it easy, my dear. No point in letting ourselves get overwrought. This, this being gone all night could only mean an accident. You think so? Well, see here, of course. Isn't that what Paul thinks has happened? Paul said he had checked with the emergency hospitals. Yes, I'm sure Paul's doing everything he can, but what I meant was... It's all right, old girl. The boy hasn't shown up at home, have him. Paul said. Yeah, might have known what would happen. I warned Paul about that fellow. But Paul told us he was a fine clean lad. He's a grease monkey, Nicholas, a grease monkey. What could you expect? Why Paul ever permitted Joan ever to step foot out the door with him is beyond me. But Paul gave us the impression that he went to church and was very nice. He even took Joan to his church. Didn't Paul tell you that, Nicky? Exactly. The fellow did that to throw you off, no doubt. A subterfuge on his part. And Joan's, too, probably, to pave the way for this this present escapade. Oh, look here, sir. You don't think Joan would let us down that way, do you? Oh, Paul. Besides, she's been so happy. Why would she want to do anything to spoil this relationship that she wanted to bring about so much? Quite. I've never seen Joan when she seemed so well-adjusted. So completely in harmony with people and her surroundings. I gave Paul the answer to that. She's had freedom from parental restraint. Don't you feel that Paul has been looking after her properly? Do you? After what's happened? Well, that's, that's not quite fair to Paul. Regardless of how upset we are over this, and whatever might be the outcome, neither Claudia nor myself will ever feel that it happened through any fault of Paul's. Oh, no. Why, he's looked after Joan like a mothering hen. How do you know? You haven't been down here. Dad, how can you talk like that? When Paul had Joan up at the ranch, I could see the pride he had in her. Every time she did something that showed her improvement, his eyes lighted up with pure joy. No, you'll never make me believe that he hasn't been conscientious. I don't mean to imply that he didn't do everything with the best of intentions. I'm sure he did. All I say is that he had no right to assume the responsibility for a girl of her age. But he's been so good for her. We've seen that with our own eyes. Whatever has happened last night hasn't been good for her. That's beside the point. Very well, my dear. She's your child. But I tell you this. If she were mine, I would get her back under my wing as soon as possible. That would be a terrible slap at Paul. 
and would probably break Joan's heart. Mm, there's time enough to settle that after we found it. Just one more thing, and I'll have done with my say on the matter. Yes, dear. Paul has a lot of theories about children. People without children usually but do. But they're not crazy theories, and Paul's got a wonderful mind. You didn't hear me out. I'm sorry, Dad. What I want to say is that when he gets an idea, he never rests until he explores the idea to the limit. Now, he's had some theory about Joan for a long time, and he couldn't contain himself until he experimented with it. Now, that's all well and good, but I don't believe in experimenting with other people's children. A child belongs with his parents, and if they want to make mistakes, that's something between the parent and child. But he's transformed Joan from a petulant girl into a happy, loving one. That isn't an experiment. That's an accomplished fact. And I, for one, am grateful to Maybe it. my ideas are old-fashioned. I don't... Oh, I, I've got it. Hello? Yes, Paul? Just a few minutes ago. Oh, don't be silly, darling. Well, that's the way we feel, too. Yes. I see. Well, that's something, anyway. You what? Oh, I'm sure, too, Paul. And Nikki feels the same way about it. Yes, we'll wait right here. No, no, we hadn't said a word to anybody. No, just Dad. I agree with you. Well, Mickey and I want you to know we don't blame you one little bit. All right. Goodbye. Any news of her? Not really, no. What do you mean, not really? Well, he simply called to say that what he went out to see about turned out all right. He feels that he's practically eliminated the possibility of an accident, which is a great relief. Is it indeed? Yes, it is, Father Barber. Personally, I prefer the accident theory myself. Dad, how can you? Uh, well, where's Paul going now? He didn't say. But he said to hold tight in our faith in Joan. That's what he wanted to impress on us. Hang on and don't lose faith in Joan, no matter what. Amen. I go for that hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> You've just heard Chapter 6, Book 71 of One Man's Family, written, produced, and transcribed under the direction of Carlton E. Morse. Chapter 7, entitled The Return of Joan Roberts Lacey, will come to you next week at this same hour. One Man's Family comes to you from California. is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And now it's August 8th, 1949. Let's move up the following week, August the 15th, 1949, for one man family. This is One Man's Family.
one man's family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Today, transcribed, we present Chapter 6, Book 71, entitled, Father Barber Predicts the Worst. It's very, very early in the morning at the family home in Seacliff, San Francisco, and grim anxiety hangs over the library where Father Barber sits with Nicholas and Claudia Lacey waiting some word from Paul. Waiting some word that will give some inkling of what has become of 16-year-old Joan and her young friend Ken Arthur. All the rest of the family is at the Sky Ranch, and utterly unaware of the fact that Joan went riding last night, and now at 6 o'clock the next morning still has not returned. At 4 a.m., Paul felt it necessary to call Nathan and Claudia secretly and bring them down from the ranch. Before they arrived, he dashed out on the possible clue. And now, on arrival, there is nothing to do but sit with Father Barber and wait. Nicky? Dad? Yes, Claudia? I've got some coffee ready. You and Dad want to come in here and have it in the kitchen? Right on. Come along, Father Barber. It'd be good for you to get a good hot cup of coffee. I thought it would be simpler just to have it here on the kitchen table. Don't really feel as if I want anything. Now sit down, Dad. This will make you feel better. Yes, yes. Sit down, Nicky. Right up. Uh, take your arm off the table, Dad. This is steaming hot. Mm, smells wonderful. I wish you'd let me fix your little breakfast, Dad. No, no. Don't even feel like drinking this. Oh, you drink it. I'll hold your cup, Nicky. Thank you. Oh. Beginning to get light out. There was a bright moon all the way in from the Sky Ranch. Paul didn't say when he was coming home when he called? Yes, he's on his way. Yes, and we don't know any more than we did. Well, he did say the possibility of an accident to Joan was almost certainly eliminated, Father Barber. Well, how would he know that? Every emergency hospital in the San Francisco Bay Area has been covered by the police. And that one John Doe case, I think that's what he called it. Huh? John Doe case? Maybe I got it wrong over the phone. No, that's quite right, my dear. Anyone brought into the emergency with no identification is booked as a John Doe case until he's identified. Oh. And that's what Paul went down to see about, some case of that kind? Yes, Dad. Let's not talk about it. Yes, yes. Won't you drink a little more coffee, Dan? No, no more. My stomach doesn't seem to be very receptive. I know. Try not worrying. He had very little sleep. wakeful. It seemed as if someone went up and down the hall every half hour or so. Paul, I guess. I wanted to get up, but Paul had made it clear to me that he didn't want me interfering with him and Joan, so I restrained myself. I assumed that she was late getting in, and I thought I'd let them work it out in their own way. Paul probably hasn't had any sleep at all. Brutal. I don't want him to feel responsible. Well, how can he help but feel that he is? If he hadn't talked you into this arrangement, the whole thing would never have happened. No, Claudia, I said from the very beginning that no good would come out. Now, Dad, we're not going to go into that again. Yes. How soon do you think we should notify your mother and the rest of them up at Skyrim? Notify them of what? What's there to tell? Easy, Claudia. I suggest we should wait at least until Paul gets here. No use causing a lot of unnecessary anxiety. Yes, yes. More bad news. I'm hanging on to the thought that it isn't bad news. Stop, girl. Now you know, Claudia, how your family felt that night 17 years ago when you eloped to Reno with Johnny Roberts. Oh, Dad, you don't think... You're not suggesting... How do I know what to think? Listen, what's that? How is the front door? Paul? That you, Paul? Yes, Nicky. Huh? We're in the kitchen. All right. Right he sounds tired. Yes. Now, please don't say anything to upset him any more than he is, Dad. It won't do any good and we... Oh, hello, Paul, dear. Come on and have a cup of coffee. Oh, thanks, Claudia. I think I could use one, all right. Hi, Dan. Oof. Oh, sit down, Paul. Must be pretty well pegged out. Here, Paul, drink this. I hope it's hot enough. Oh, fine, thanks. Yeah. No further news, I suppose? No, oh, Dan. Oh, yes, I finally got hold of Mary Smith's phone number. The girl who saw Joan and Ken Arthur last talked to her on the phone. The girl Joan had dinner with last night. Yeah. Nothing there? Uh, got her out of bed. She knew nothing. 
Said that Ken had picked Joan up in his car around 8.30 or so, and she understood they were going for a little drive, and then Ken was going to bring Joan home. Well, isn't that exactly what Ken gave you to understand they were going to do when you talked to him on the phone last night? That's right. He called Ken's mother again, too. She'd had no word from the boy. Mm, nothing. You know of what this reminds Dad? Claudia. No, what? My elopement with Johnny Robinson. Well, same ages and same worries. Oh, That's Dad. not true. I was 18. Jones just passed 16. Oh, forget it. It hasn't happened. Nevertheless, Claudia, I want you and Nikki to know how dreadfully sorry I am that I've brought all this anxiety to you. Oh, look here, old man. You've brought on nothing. Paul, we know how much you love Jones. Quite wonderfully unselfish. Yes, Paul. Whatever this is, Nikki and I believe you came the closest of any of us to reaching Jones. Thank you. Yeah. It's true, Dad, no matter what. I know sincerely that Paul was on the right track. Did I say anything? Your grunts are so eloquent. <laughs> Paul, at least the police are working on this, aren't they? Descriptions of the pair, the boy's car number, highway patrolman, note of... Somebody's doing something, isn't he? Yes, from the beginning, Dad. Wait, Paul. What? I thought I heard the phone. Oh, it is. Please wait here. I'll get it. Hello. Now, this is Barbara. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. Huh? You found the car? Uh-huh. Yeah. I see. Oh. That's all? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go right down. Thank you, Lieutenant. Right. Nikki. Yes, Paul. Coming. Paul, who was it? It's all right, Claude. I'll be with you in a minute. What is it, Paul? Listen, Nikki. They found Ken's car undamaged, parked down at Flyshacker Pool at the beach. Oh, all nice. No sign of Joan or the boy? Keep this much from Claudia. They found Joan and Ken's clothes in lockers at the Flyshacker swimming pool. What's this? You mean they've vanished in a pair of bathing suits? They're searching the beach now. There's a tunnel, you know, running under the highway from the pool to the beach. Yes, I know. They might have gone from the pool out to swim in the ocean. Oh, Joe, now what? I don't know. We've got to get out there. Or do you want to stay with Dad and Claudia? Don't you think I should? Oh, can't stand it. What are you talking yeah, about? Why not, children? What is it? Was it something about Joan? Yes, old girl. It was about Joan. Well, good heavens, man, is she all right? They found Ken's car parked down by Flyshacker Pool at the beach. That's all? No sign of Joan? I told you, Paul, I told you, flying in the face of from the beginning. Even with Father Barber away in Seacliff, the hammock at Sky Ranch is continually occupied. When Henry selected the two madrone trees in the lawn as the place to spend his summer visits, he had an eye to beauty, of course. The view from the hammock is spectacularly lovely, but also he foresaw that this particular spot would offer a sanctuary. It's far enough off the beaten path to the creek and the stables so that what he calls the vibrant voices of the children are heard from a distance, if at all. On this cool and pleasant Saturday, the Sky Ranch contingent, unaware of the situation at the family home in Seacliff, is making the most of their holiday. At the moment, Cliff has taken over the hammock, and Jack, coming down from the house with books and magazines under his arms, finds him there and tries to conceal his disappointment. Oh, oh, hi, Cliff. Quite a spot, isn't it? You wanted it. The hammock, huh, Jack? Well, you know, seeing from the house, there's always a sag in the hammock, whether anybody's in it or not. Never mind. No, no, stay there. I wasn't going to get up. Just getting comfortable. Oh, pardon me. I thought you were going to be polite. You know me better than that. <laughs> Sit down. You want a magazine? Got a lot of them? No, this is my day for thinking. Golly, it's quiet, isn't it? Except for the birds. You have you swim? Mm, yeah, with Betty and three of my sextetted daughters. Dan and Hazel hightailed to dinner Redwood City for something or other. Oh, yeah? Big mystery. 
Place is lousy with mysteries this morning. What's this about Nicky and Claudia? Hmm? Claudia couldn't sleep, I guess. There was a note on the breakfast table. Hey, hey, look at this. Here's a family reunion with 138 people. Wow, they got the barber clan skinned all hollow. Look at this beaten up little husband and father. See? This one. He's got five daughters. He's a piker. Yeah. I ought to get my picture in the magazines. Young lawyer, father of six daughters, wonders where his next gigantic fee is coming from. How is it, Miss Jeff? It's all right. It's got to be. See this mark on my forehead? That's from the grindstone. I keep my whole face down on it. <laughs> I brought work up here with me. Feel guilty when I take an hour off. Let's see. With six daughters, say when they grow up and get married, they have three children each. That's uh, six times three, 18 grandchildren. You'll get your picture in a magazine someday, fella. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Ah, uh, cute gal. They wrap themselves around your heart, one by one. Oh, I know. I look at Andy and I see in him something of Anne, something of myself, something of Dad, Mom, and something that's individual and his own. And the whole mystery of life sweeps over me. <laughs> it's great stuff, Jack. Never a dull moment. Somebody drive in? Yeah, Dan and Hazel, back from Redwood City. wonder what they went there for. I asked them point blank and got a swell answer. What? Mind my own business. <laughs> they aren't under the impression, surely, that it's possible to keep a secret in this family. You work on it. I got the cold and fishy eye. Hey, Dan, Hazel, come on down. What? What'd they say? I couldn't hear it. Now, if you want a mystery to mull over, what the dickens made Claudia so restless she and Nicky had to dig out of here in the middle of the night? How do you know it was the middle of the night? It must have been. I got up early, round five, came down for some coffee, and there was the note. What did it say? Oh, something about Claudia was restless. Nicky was taking her to San Francisco for a couple of days. <laughs> What's funny? Oh, I see why Dad likes this hammock. You can lie here and watch the blue summer sky and pick up all the family gossip without moving a muscle. The fewer details you get, the more interesting it is. It's like a suspense novel. You call me, Jack? Hi, Dan. Come on down. It's a pleasure. Thanks for the invite. We were wondering what you went to Redwood City for. Oh, curious, huh? Yeah, we were hoping you or Hazel would come down and tell us all about it. Is that so? Well, how do you feel, Cliff? Fine, Dan, now that you're changing the subject. Yeah, you got a burn yesterday. Why'd you go for your picnic? Smooth article, isn't he, Cliff? Didn't you hear my question? <laughs> what Hazel and I did in Redwood City, gentlemen, is top secret. You mean not even the Senate Quiz Committee knows it? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows it. Nobody's ever going to know it. And I don't want any more prying, my boy, if you please. Kind of a tough guy, isn't he? You know what Dad said when Daniel here joined the family, Cliff? Mm, I'm afraid that's one of the things I don't remember. Well, Dad finally said. Yeah, he put up the usual resistance in the beginning, of course. <laughs> sure. And then he decided, when it was a foregone conclusion anyway, that Hazel would marry Dan. Oh, yeah. Well, he finally said he liked the cut of Dan's jaw. He said nobody will ever push that man around, and nobody ever has. When did your father say that? Oh, at the last minute, when he was getting on the bandwagon. You should have heard the family councils, Dan. <laughs> you know, I've been in the family long enough now, Cliff, to have a pretty good idea what went on. <clears throat> uh, uh, who is this uh, this Daniel Murray, after all? Eh? Uh, what, what do we really know about him, huh? Yes, yes. Uh, are you sure he'll be kind to Margaret and Pinky and Hack? Yes. Uh, what guarantee? Hey, 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 hey. Right. Wonderful. you got to do that at dinner sometime. Oh, no. Your father's a magnificent character. Really, he is, and I mean that. I've grown to love him. That's completely on the level. But I don't think he's the man to take a joke on himself. Hey, here comes Hazel. Hey, Hazel, hurry up. Ah, oh, Jack, cut it out. Oh, that's wonderful. The man's an actor. What's all this? Have you ever heard Dan do his imitation of Dad? An imitation of Father? Look, I wish I hadn't. Forget it. <laughs> 
And I think I'll go up and change my clothes and go for a ride. Oh, hey, Ben, now Hazel thinks it was something more than it was. Are you people sitting here criticizing the head of the house of Barber, lying in his own private hammock and making fun of him? I knew it. You see, Jack? You knew what, Dan? Oh, Hazel, it was a perfectly innocent imitation of Dad's tone of voice, that's all. You got him down to perfection. It's a mistake for a son-in-law to imitate his father-in-law. I knew it at the time. Wait till Mom hears it. Oh, nobody's going to hear it. Well, anyone want, want to go riding with me? Not me. I got the hammock. What's more, I plan to keep it. Get Hank or Margaret. Hazel? No, thanks, Dan. Dan, has Papa said something to you? Has he been sharp or anything? Believe me, my dear, no. Now, that's enough of that. It was nothing whatever, really. See you later. Hey, Dan, wait. I, I got 40 minutes before I go back to work. I'll change, too. I'll see you later, kids. Uh, Father and Dan haven't had trouble, have they, Cliff? Oh, of course not. Don't make something of it, Hazel. Dan was embarrassed, that's all. He didn't expect to be such a hit. Hey, um, I'll make a deal with you. What? I'll tell you exactly what we were talking about, word for word, if you'll tell me what you and Dan were doing in Redwood City. Oh, I can't. Why not? I wouldn't mind telling Cliff. Nothing to make a big secret about, but Dan got me to promise. Oh? Has something to do with Pinky. And it's certainly nothing to be ashamed of. It's just that Dan made such a point of having Pinky stand on his own two feet this summer. As long as he insisted on going to work. Oh, dear, I can tell by the look on your face I've already said too much. I said it once and I say it again. No wonder Dad likes this hammer. Lying here's better than reading a whodunit. You get a little clue here and another there. You mean uh, Dan softened up on Pinky? I don't mean anything. You sent Pinky airplane tickets, I bet, to come home, huh? Am I right? I'm not talking. Uh, you finally decided to look up too tough for him, so you sent him dope. Now, don't start a rumor like that, Cliff, because it isn't true. Yes. No. Cold, huh? Cold. Will you tell me when I'm warm? I won't tell you anything. I've said too much already. And, Cliff, I want to know why Dan was imitating Father. Oh, no, you don't. I offered you a first-rate proposition, and you can take it or leave it. I'll have to leave it, then. Oh, please don't quote a word I've said. Promise? Okay. But I'm getting curiouser and curiouser. <laughs> you know, I often try to see this family from Dan's point of view. It's pretty hard for a son-in-law sometimes, I think. For Dan and Nicky. It's especially hard for Dan. Nicky has the Sky Ranch, and we all use it as if it were our own. But Dan, well... If he weren't a person of real size and generosity and intelligence, oh, he couldn't have entered into the family life the way he has. He's a... He's a nice person, Cliff. I like him. Must have been a shock to him when I first came out of the hospital and didn't know him, expecting to find Bill Herbert still married to well, you. Well, of course it was. Isn't anything coming back to you at all, Cliff, these whole 11 years? Oh, funny things happened. A minute ago when Dan was sitting there, I had a sort of stirring of memory. It was somewhere else. There were mountains and gigantic waterfall, and I felt terribly worried. Mountains, waterfall, worry. Does that make any sense to you? No. Oh, we went to Montana last summer. We did. Oh, don't you know about that yet? Nikki and Claudia bought a ranch up near the Canadian border. Well, for guys' sakes, what for? Oh, it's beautiful. Fishing and hunting and really in the last wilderness of this country. Would you say the family went there and that I went there? Yes. You have no memory of it? No, Hazel. Nothing. Try to think. Montana. Montana. Last summer. Montana. That's enough. That's enough. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Now, I don't know why I said that. I shouldn't have spoken that way. Oh, that's all right, Cliff. Montana. Montana. Nikki's other ranch. Nikki's other ranch. Nikki's. Oh, it's no good. Doesn't mean a thing. Let's talk about something else. Why, surely, Cliff. 
Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> doggone disturbing when you can't trust your own memory. Well, just leave it alone. If it returns, it will. If not, well, what of it? And there he is. Hmm? What's that? My son, Andrew, in his motor scooter. Oh. Andy. I wish everybody would make a real effort to call him Andy. Skippy. Oh. Oh? young fellow like that is entitled to a good, sound American name of his own. Anybody who'd let his son grow up with nothing but a nickname. Hi there. He didn't hear you. That isn't a motor scooter at all, you know. It isn't? No, I should say not. That's a jet-propelled plane, the latest design. Oh, I see. It goes over 2,000 miles an hour, and it'll take you to Paris for dinner, if you leave right now. I haven't the slightest doubt of it. <laughs> He's a boy with imagination. Oh, uh, Hazel. Yes, Cliff? When you were thinking of marrying Dan, how old were the kids? Oh, my goodness. That's so far back. Let's see. Uh, Hank and Pinky were 12. Well, what I want to know is, uh, did they resent Dan? Well, at first, maybe. But when they got to know him, they championed him, Cliff. However many aunts and uncles they have, youngsters still need a father. They were glad when I married Dan. They said so? Or what? Oh, no. You just have to judge by the way they act. I see. Well, tell me, if if they'd tried to make you think they liked Dan, but really didn't, uh, what would you have done? Well, that's pretty hard to answer, Cliff. You see, I was sure it'd work. Dan loves children. And we were all good friends by then. You're thinking about Skippy and Roberta Evans, aren't you? Uh, Andy, I mean. Andy and Roberta? Yeah. Picnic... Wasn't a great success, huh? Hmm, hardly. Oh, maybe, Cliff, it wasn't a good idea in the first place. I know. Paul wondered if it was a good idea, but I'd made a date with Roberta and I'd talked it up to Andy. So there we were, a man, a woman, and a little boy, sitting in the sand, trying to make conversation. Mm-hmm. You know how it is when a boy's resentful. He just says, uh-huh, yes, sir, no, ma'am, and... Oh, dear. Oh, he's sorry now about the way things went. He even volunteered to try it again. But that's no good, Hazel. I just wondered what you did when you had the same problem. Well, if I remember, I didn't hurry it, Cliff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Roberta's a lovely girl. We're all just crazy about her, and surely... I hope I'm not interrupting. Oh, you haven't been riding already, Jack. No, I'm in trouble. Serious trouble. What's wrong? Oh, I brought these magazines down here, and Mom hasn't read any of them. She's been looking for him for over an hour. Shame on you. Where's Dan? Waiting for me up at the house. I'll go up with you. Now, hold on. I'll go along, too. I'm getting kind of hungry. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't mean to ask you. Yes, Dad? What were you and Dan doing in Redwood City this morning? Snoopy, isn't he, Cliff? Yeah, it's disgraceful. Well, if it is, there's a lot of us in disgrace. Oh, who else is Snoopy? Mom and Nicolette and Betty and Hank and Margaret and Ben. Let's see. Somebody else. The triplets? Yeah, the triplets want to know. Worst words they've ever said. Ooh, really astonishing. There I was putting on my riding pants, and all three of them sat up in their cribs and said, Where the dickens did Aunt Hazel and Uncle Dan go this morning? Oh, oh it is. On the level. Said they wouldn't swallow a drop of the noon feeding until they found out. <laughs> oh, why didn't they ask their Uncle Dan? They did. They yelled downstairs and said... Oh, no. It's no use, Jack. You might as well give up. Hazel, how can you can you and Dan have secrets? Why, my life's an open book. You'll never find out, Jack. I try to. Well, I almost know already. How do you like that? Almost know what? Hey, where'd you pop from, Dan? Dan, he says he almost knows why we went to Redwood City this morning. Hazel? No, Dan, she didn't tell me. Hank says she got a letter from Pinky and hightailed it out of here. So we think Pinky's coming back. Well, you're wrong. Cliff, what do you know about it? I guess that, too, but Hazel says it's wrong. 
You know something? Maybe it would be a good idea if somebody in this family could have some little sideline that every blessed Tom, Dick, and Harry didn't know all about. A noble sentiment, Clifford. However, before I go in and prepare something delectable out of the latest gourmet magazine, there's one thing I want to know. Why, Why Daniel was imitating Dad. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Well, you're not going to find out, Hazel. Nor you, Clifford. Nor you, Jack. Because Daniel will never be guilty of doing such a thing again. I don't know what in the world he was thinking of, imitating me. The very idea. That's just really. Oh. <laughs> Are you satisfied, my love? Oh, Dan, you're wonderful. Uh, come on, Jack. We're going to ride. Let's ride. Yeah? Now, take these magazines into Montclair, will you? Sure. See you later, Hazel. Yes, dear. Have a good ride. Yeah, that's what it was, you know, just fooling. Of course. That's well, guy, I like him. Uh-huh. Say, Hazel. Yes, Cliff? Darn it, I keep forgetting. Will you answer one important question for me? Why, of course, Cliff. What were you and Dan doing in Redwood City this morning? Oh. Okay. I'll go to work on Dan. He's not so tough after all. He just acts tough. How right you are. Back at Seacliff, there is still no word from Joan and her escort, Ken Arthur. In fact, no word from Paul, since he raced out to the beach to join the searching police. And Father Barber and Claudia and Nicholas just sit and wait and wait and sit. Nicky, if that phone doesn't ring pretty soon with some word from Paul, I think I'll go out of my mind. Easy, old girl. It would be much less of a strain if we had gone with him. Oh, see here, there was no point in that. There's nothing we could have done. It seems to me that we've been under some kind of stress for weeks on end. All that with Clifford and now this. And we thought we were going to have such a peaceful summer. Come here, Claudia. Yes, there it is, the phone, Nicky. Yes, my dear, I've got it right here. Hello. Yes, Paul. What? What did he say? Wonderful. He's found it? Well, just a second, Paul, let me tell them. Paul has to. Oh, she's all right? Yes, Claudia, completely unharmed. Oh, yours now. Wonderful, wonderful. Tell me, Paul, where did you... Oh, oh, of course. I'll talk to her, Nicky. Let me have the phone. Oh, just a second, Claude. I'm trying to listen to Paul. Oh, well, is Joan there with him? I'm sorry, Paul. I can't hear a word. Claudia's talking to me and... Hmm? All right, fine. Just tell him I want to talk to him. Hurry on. Blessings on you. Nicky. Bye-bye. What did he say, Nicky? He's bringing you home. Where was she all this time? Here, yeah, yeah, one at a time. Wait a minute. I'm sorry, but I'm so excited. Nicky, darling, can't you talk faster? Yes, in heaven's name, man, speak up. Did you or did you not say that Joan is safe and with Paul? Exactly. Be here in five minutes or less. And that boy, that, 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 that grease monkey. He's taking his car and he's on the way to his own home. And I hope he stays there from now on. Well, we can't condemn him until we get the facts. We can at least give him the benefit of the doubt. And it's mostly doubt as far as I'm concerned. But, Nicky, where were they? What did Paul say? Why didn't you phone or send word or something? Exactly. I don't know any more than you do of the details. Paul said he was in a hurry to get Joan home and that he'd tell us all about it when he got here. You didn't talk to Joan? No, Paul said she was dressing. Mickey, what? Did you say dressing? Well, that's easily explained. You see, there was something that we didn't tell you when Paul got that phone call. At that time, all the police knew was that they'd found the car. But you told us that. But what I didn't tell you was that they'd also found Ken and Joan's clothes at Flashacre Pool. What? And the first thing Paul asked about was that they'd gone through the tunnel that runs from the pool under the highway to the beach. People who go swimming down there often do that on a nice night. You mean they had gone out to swim in the ocean? Oh, I don't know. Paul didn't say. That's what crossed our minds. And we were afraid they might have been caught in a riptide or something like that. Nicky, drown? My dear, they didn't drown. They're safe and sound. I'm simply saying that Paul and I thought of that, and we believe the wise thing to do is not to disclose that part of it until we knew for sure. As it turned out, we were right. At least you and Father Barber were said that were uh, treated like children and in my own house. Oh, see, yes, sir. Best intentions and all that. Well, I'm glad that you and Claudia are feeling so lighthearted about all this. But, Dad, aren't you? That she's not hurt, certainly. But I still would like to have explained to me what she was doing out all night long and why we had no word from her. 
If she went out to the beach and swam, why were her clothes left all night in the locker room at the pool? Who knows? Maybe the pool was locked when they finished swimming on the beach and they couldn't get back in to drift. But they could have gone back to the car and driven home in their bathing suits at the very least. Dad, must you give the worst implication to everything Joan does? And besides, Father Barbara, Paul seemed very happy, so there must be some explanation. Yes, yes. Paul's inclined to be very easily satisfied where Joan is concerned, I'm afraid. Now, Dad. Hello? Oh. Hello? Oh, Claudia. Oh, Claudia, I'm so glad to see you. Darling, darling. You got a kiss for me, too. Oh, yes, Mickey. Oh, are you all right, Joan? Oh, I'm a little weary. Hello, Grandfather. And where do you pretend to have been all night? She's all in, poor kid. She's had a night of it. What was that crack, Grandfather? Never mind, Joan. Oh, well. Claudia and Father Papa know about the clothes found in the lockers. Go on from there. You did leave the pool and go through the tunnel to the beach? Yes. It was early and a beautiful moon. Yes, I know. Nikki and I commented on it coming from the Sky Ranch early this morning. Oh, I'm sorry, Claudia. I didn't mean to cause all this fuss and worry. Really, I didn't. I know, darling. But what happened? In heaven's name, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds silly and stupid, but anyway, we started walking along the beach, and it was so nice and warm, we kept on walking for, oh, I don't know, a couple of miles, I guess. Anyway, we walked down to where the beach stops and the cliffs rise up to the Skyline Boulevard. You know the place? Yes. Well, can't if I'd ever seen the caves and the cliffs there. I hadn't, so we rounded a point and started to climb up under the cliffs. At nine or ten o'clock at night? Well, I said it was silly. We've all done silly things, even your grandfather. Go on. Hmm. Well, we finally got up on a ledge, and it was a wonderful sight in the moonlight. We stood and watched a ship slipping along the water going out to sea. I don't know how long we stayed there, just looking out and talking. Maybe an hour. It, it still wasn't awfully late. I got to thinking that Paul might be worried, so I said we ought to go back to Flyshecker and get our clothes and get home. Oh, I see what happened. What? Go on, Joan. Well, suddenly we came back to Earth, and there were the waves pounding in against the cliffs right underneath us. Golly, I was scared, and so was Ken. Of course. The tide had come in. You've been trapped on a ledge on the beach all night? And if you don't think it was cold toward morning in those swimsuits... Yes. Well, there was nothing we could do. We couldn't go down. It was impossible for us to climb up, so... Well, we just had to sit there, that's all. Oh, what a terrible night. Darling, you must be dead. Joan, why don't you run upstairs and take a nice hot bath and then get a good sleep, huh? Go ahead. Oh, okay. That's a wonderful idea, and I'll bring you some hot breakfast when you're tucked in. Oh, Keen. Now that I've told Paul how sorry I am it happened, I hope you and Nikki realize it, too. Of course, darling. Quite. Yes. Yeah. Nothing like it'll ever happen again, I can tell you that. <sighs> well, all's well, and all the rest of it. Uh, what an experience. A valuable experience, I hope. What do you mean, Dad? Now I hope you've learned your lesson, Claudia, and will get that girl up to the Sky Ranch as fast as you can. just heard Chapter 7, Book 71 of One Man's Family, written, produced, and transcribed under the direction of Carlton E. Morse. Chapter 8, entitled, A Very, Very Tough Stepfather Indeed, will come to you next week at this same hour.
Man's Family comes to you from California. is NBC, the national broadcasting company. August 15, 1949. Larry's upgrading all the one-man family, so we'll be having an upgrade of the sound quality, and that's great news. We'll play one more, and then we'll play something else. So we'll play another one, and that way we'll get up to the time of the year, because today is... Saturday night, August 20th of 2016. So why don't we move up to August 22nd, 1949. That way we'll be in sync. This is One Man's Family. One Man's Family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Today, transcribed, we present Chapter 6, Book 71, entitled, A Very, Very Tough Stepfather Indeed. All unaware of the night of tension and anxiety in the city, the vacationing barbers at the Sky Ranch awake to utter peace and relaxation. It's early morning at the family home in Seacliff also with breakfast just out of the way and Paul gone somewhere on a mission of his own. Father Barber left to his own devices, while Claudia and Nicky relax in the warm morning sun on the terrace where it overlooks the Golden Gate and across to the brown California hills of Marin County. Oh, yes, and Jones upstairs, still sleeping 13 to the dozen. Look out over the seawall, Nicky. The day is pure emerald this morning. With a million sparkles dancing on it. It's going to be too warm here on the terrace before long. Oh, not for me. When you get days like this in San Francisco, it's a shame to be inside. Oh, oh. yes. You beginning to unwind, too, after all that tension over Joan yesterday? Mm, quite. And speaking of Joan, how exhausted can a girl get? She slept almost around the clock. <laughs> I looked in on her before I came out. There were little beads of perspiration all around her hairline, and she was simply dead to the world. And probably a bit of emotional upset along with the physical hardship in her experience. Of course. Imagine being trapped all night on that ledge. Nothing but bathing suits to protect them from the cold morning fog. And all the time, the waves reaching up for them. Quite. The ocean can be a very frightening playfellow if he gets you at a disadvantage. And nothing to do but wait and worry and shiver. Quite. She said it was only because of the Arthur boy that she stood up as well as she did. Oh, yes, Ken Arthur. Headedly a pretty solid lad. That's what I tried to tell Dad. Honestly, Nicky, his attitude toward Joan is anything but helpful. I know. He still seems to have some doubt about the whole thing. If he keeps on, I think Paul may really tell him off. I'm glad you're able to contain yourself. Oh, I don't want to quarrel with Dad. Besides, with Paul beginning to burn at Dad's attitude. I... Yes. I sensed the tension between them when Paul left this morning. I wanted Paul to sleep late. He needed it. But he had something on his mind. Well, he's planning to go up to the Sky Ranch, isn't he? I think so. It would be good, you Nicky, know. Nicky, isn't that the telephone? I didn't hear it. That's the second time I thought I heard it ring. It's hard to hear it out here. Well, Father Barber's in the library. The phone's right beside him. He'll answer it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we shouldn't call up the Sky Ranch. They haven't any idea what we've been through down here. Then why disturb them? 
You had to put in a call if you think it's any good. Okay, but I do want to call before we go back. See if I should pick up any supplies. No, oh, that'll come later. I'm too lazy to move just now. Oh. <laughs> you know, that's a very becoming dress. What do you call that? Oh, just a little cotton off the shoulder sundress. You've seen it before. Yes, but I... Ah, Father Barber. Oh, come on out, Dad. Uh, How can you sit in the house when it's so perfect out here? Oh, I've been reading the paper. <sighs> It is pleasant, isn't it? Almost too warm. Dad, did the phone ring a little while ago? Yes, yes. Who was it? Huh? Well, I was wondering if someone had called from the Sky Ranch. Oh, oh, hadn't thought of that. What? I say, I hadn't thought of that. It might have been. Might? Didn't you answer it? No, Claudia, I didn't ask. But, Dad, why not? I assumed that it was that, that uh, grease monkey again. Who? You mean Ken Arthur? Yeah, whatever his name is. You mean you've already talked to him once this morning? I did, yes. Can you imagine the effrontery of that fellow to call here after what he's done? But what has he done? Yes, Father Barber, nothing happened last night for which he could be held to account. Or do you know something beyond our knowledge? You know as many facts as I do. That's what I thought. But why did he call? And what did you say to him then? I said very little. I couldn't trust myself. Well, you did find out what he wanted, though, didn't you? He wanted to talk to Joan, actually. What did you say to I him? I told him Joan was asleep. I was tempted to say a good deal more, but I restrained myself. I was afraid if I heard his voice once more, however, that I wouldn't be so successful in controlling my tongue. And so you just didn't answer the phone? That's one way to avoid unpleasantness. Dad, that, that's ridiculous. Huh? Are you approve of that fellow having anything further to do with Joan? Oh, see here, Father Barber. Claudia and I rather admire the boy. Huh? Well, certainly. It was just one of those things. It wasn't his fault any more than it was Joan's. It was silly for them to get trapped by the tide, but beyond that, I think they both acted like pretty responsible citizens. Responsible citizens. Sitting on a rock all night in bathing garb, too insignificant to be called a garment, and you say responsible citizens. Father Barber, just who are you mad at? Joan and Ken Arthur are the latest accepted styles in swimming paraphernalia. Beach attire is downright scandalous. I disagree, Dad, but what's all that got to do with Ken Arthur? Get rid of him. Don't let him put any more temptation in Joan's way. Temptation? That's what I said, temptation. That girl needs surveillance and a tight rein. But what she has just been through should tell you that farther plater than anything I can say. Oh, Dad. And if that fellow was so wise and good and thoughtful, why did he get Joan and himself in such a fix in the beginning? No one's claiming the boy's infallible. And once they were trapped, no other course was open. Uh, perhaps not, but there's a course open to you now. You can make sure it doesn't happen again. You mean take her back up to the Sky Ranch with Exactly. You? Well, she's going to rebel against that. Has she ever been anything but rebellious? Yes. These few weeks she's been here with Paul. She's demonstrated that she's capable of being a very cooperative and loving girl. Nicholas, how can you and Claudia be so blind? She's had her way. Paul has indulged her, and she's led a carefree life. Naturally, she feels cooperative and loving. Well, what child wouldn't? She's not a child. I say she is. The law says she is. Oh, dear, you've got me so confused. I don't know what to think. Oh, see here, my dear. Well... She's your daughter, and you do as you see fit. But if she were mine, I'd put an end to this, this experiment of Paul's, and I wouldn't hesitate a minute about it either. And slap Paul square in the face? Yes, Dad. If we take Joan back now, it's saying, in effect, to Paul that we can't trust him with Joan. And so you can't. Dad, that's ridiculous. Well, he's really toiled in the vineyard where Joan's concerned. We couldn't do this to him. Are his feelings of more concern to you than your own child's welfare? But there's Joan's feelings, too. She'll be in complete rebellion if we sever this relationship now. Can't you see, Dad, that it's like saying we don't trust her anymore? That maybe we don't believe her story about what happened. Because if we do believe it, and I have no reason not to, then we have to hold her blameless. Precisely. So we say, 
We know what you did couldn't be helped, but just the same, you come on home with this. Well, it doesn't make sense. And what happens next time when she's not so blameless, huh? Have you ever tried locking these particular barn doors after the horse is stolen? Oh, I don't know, Nicky. I don't know. I do. I say that in the face of the proof we've had to date, I'll gamble that we have no reason either to lock the barn doors nor to fear for the safety of the horses. Uh, he's willing to gamble. Good morning, everybody. Oh, Joan, darling. Good morning. We're on the terrace. Yes, I saw you while I was dressing. Morning, Joan. My name, get enough sleep? Oh, I thought I'd never wake up. Hello, Grandfather. Good morning, Joan. Why didn't you wake me up, Claudia? When you were so tired? I should think not. Oh, where's Paul? He had to go out. He said he'd be back before too long. How about breakfast? Are you starved? Oh, I'll get myself something pretty quick. What's the matter, Grandfather? Huh? You've got such a fierce expression on your face. Uh, fierce? Oh, did Ken call me this morning? I'm kind of anxious to talk to him since, uh, since our adventure. I wonder if he slept as much as I did. Well, I imagine he was pretty tired, too, Jim. I guess maybe I'd better phone him. Maybe he's been afraid to call here. No, he called while you were asleep. Your grandfather talked to him. Oh, what did he say, grandfather? As for you, I told him you were sleeping. Well, how's he feeling? I haven't the faintest idea. I didn't ask him. Well, didn't he say anything? Well, uh, he said he'd call back later. How long ago did he call? Oh, so, I guess. He hasn't called back? We don't know, John. That's funny. Well, I think it's only fair to tell you, John, that the telephone rang a couple of times and no one answered it. It may have been here. You didn't answer it because you didn't want to talk to him, is that it? It wasn't, Nicky. We were out here on the terrace. I was the one who didn't answer, young lady. And for the precise reason you gave. Because I didn't want to talk to him. If your parents won't tell you, I will. The sooner you break off with that, that uh, man, the better it's going to be for everyone concerned. What has he done? Joan, darling. I'm talking to Grandfather. What has Ken done? Well, answer me, Grandfather. Isn't that a pretty ridiculous question in view of what has taken place? No, it's not. And I don't know what you're talking about. I have no intention of arguing. You'll have to settle this with your mother, Nicholas. Settle what, Claudia? What's there to settle? Your grandfather feels that you should come back up to the Sky Ranch with us. And leave Paul in my job? It's quite all right, Joan, dear. We've made no decision yet. Have you told Paul this? No, we were just talking it over now before you came out. I see. Joan, where are you going? I'm going in the house. I don't want to say anything that'll make Paul ashamed of me. And I sure I will if I stay out here. No, no, please don't come in, Claudia. Yes, yes. Headstrong. Headstrong and willful. On the wide new porch at Sky Ranch this Sunday morning, a few of the less enterprising barbers are lingering over their coffee, glancing at the Sunday papers. Except for Andrew called Skippy and his motor scooter, the children are out in the swimming pool. Mother Barbara has gone back upstairs with the Sunday magazine. Betty has just gone to help Nicolette with the triplets' bath, leaving Jack, Dan, and Hazel on the porch. There's a strange feeling this morning. What is it? Sunday, that's all, Hazel. There's always a queer atmosphere about Sunday. No, I don't know what it is. It seems quieter than usual. Hazel, my lovely. You want something, do you, Dan? How'd you guess? I've been married to you long enough to recognize an especially endearing tone. You want your coffee warmed up? Mind reader. <laughs> Jack, whenever he says, Hazel, my lovely, in just that tone, yeah. I know he wants his slippers or a match or another cup of coffee. If that doesn't sound cynical, now give me a kiss. Mm. <laughs> what are you reading with such absorption, Jack? Um, you say something, Dan? Why, well, he's reading the women's page. Oh, I'm looking at these pictures of bridegrooms. 
Look at this happy, silly face, Dan. <laughs> yeah. And this one. Isn't that a carefree, unsuspecting face? And look at these. Four of them with their brides. Happy and smug as larks. Now, that'd be something to see. A smug lark. Well, don't you think they should look happy? Those are wedding pictures. Oh, sure. But I was just wondering. What? I was wondering how I looked on my wedding day. Did I have a silly-ass grin on my puss like these, do you suppose? Well, you certainly had a happy expression. <laughs> What's eating you? It's a good thing we can't see into the future, you know what? I suppose a guy getting married knew in advance he was going to have six daughters. You suppose he could grin like that and look happy as a lark? A uh, smug lark, that is. Jack, you aren't sorry you have six daughters. Oh, certainly not. But I was just thinking, six weddings coming up, all at my expense. <laughs> You're worrying a little early, aren't you? You've got 15 or 20 years to get ready for the first one. Oh, I'll be able to swing the first one. It's the other five I'm worrying about. <laughs> oh, good morning, Cliff. Hi. Where's the sports section? Anybody know? I got a Cliff right here. Hmm. He hasn't been reading it, however. He's studying the women's section. Well, why shouldn't he? He's a ladies' man, aren't you, fella? I'll say I am. Six daughters, a wife, and Nicolette. One lone male surrounded by eight dames. When you get in that state of mind, my boy, you need to go off on a fishing trip. I can't afford it. Coffee, Clifford? Have you got plenty? I think so. What's the matter, Hazel? I don't know. Everything seems sort of odd this morning. Yeah, I've been thinking to it. Oh, thank you. Anybody here, Nicky and Claudia, pull out of here for the city before dawn? What got into them? Don't know. Didn't hear any notions like that when they said goodnight last evening. Somebody said they left a note. Yeah, they did. They just said Claudia was restless, and they decided to go into the city for a couple of days. Hazel, maybe you've got something. I wonder if everything's all right at home. Well, don't you think they'd call up if it wasn't? Maybe somebody did call. Maybe that's why Claudia was restless. What time did you leave San Francisco, Claire? Andy and I pulled out of there just about dawn. We saw Dad for just a moment, still in bed. Is everything all right the night before? Yeah, Joan was out with some guy, and Dad had a summer cold. He called it an allergy, I don't know. Let's put in a call and see if everything's all right. I've tried twice to call them, but there's been no answer. Well, let's try it again. Well, the operator said she'd call me in 20 minutes. Hey, look, haven't you guys got enough to worry about without whipping up something? Everything's all right. Everything's all right in the city. It's just Sunday. Hey, I know what's the matter with you, Hazel. I wish you'd tell me. No mail today. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Hazel just lives from one mail delivery to another, waiting for a letter from Pinky. I'm not that bad, I hope. How about that, Dan? You expect me to make it come? <laughs> <laughs> the Germans have a word for it. Fluttermutter. Uh, that's pronounced Flutermutter. As a matter of fact, there is no such German word. I looked it up once. Flutermutter is a Midwestern colloquialism. It means hysterical mother. Well, how'd you have to look it up? Someone else called me a flutter-mooter. Why, that's nasty. Who'd do a thing like that? Ah, uh, yes. Not an old husband of yours. Daniel, you mustn't call your wife a flutter-mooter. Them's fighting words, pal. Let her brothers do what you mean? Now, look, all of you. I have only a perfectly natural concern about Pinky. When a boy's hundreds of miles from, away from his home with a bunch of, of rough characters like lumberjacks, homesick and underpaid and overworked, well, well, any person with any sensitivity would worry about him. Maybe we better go, Jack. Yeah. No, I'm not going to say any more. You men. What do you mean, you men? Oh, this notion you have of toughening a boy up. Putting him right out where it's really good and rugged. I don't know why it's necessary to break his heart just to make a man of him. Hey, we don't want to break his heart. No, we didn't send him up there. Well, you all agreed with Dan. You know you did. Dan doesn't even think we should write him letters. He wants him to get really homesick. Uh, at the risk of getting a swift poke in the eye, I still think it was a good idea. Why, sure, Hazel. When he's peeled his last potato and come home again, that lumber camp will be the biggest thing that ever happened to him. Dan, get in there and pitch. We're fighting your battles for you. Everybody does the best he can, Hazel. 
I know, Dan. I'm sorry. I just don't want Avis to soften up now. I think it'd be bad for Pinky if we did. He wanted to get away from all of us this summer. Well, let him see what it's like. As Father Barber says, it's cold outside. Let him find that out. Just a tough stepfather. Okay, okay. I'll get it, I'll get it. Okay, thanks, Andy. Who's that? Andrew called Skippy, son of Clifford. You getting it? Yeah, Dad. And my scooter broke down. I need some help. Uh, hello? Oh, just a minute. Hey, somebody, it's long distance. That's my call. I'm coming, Skippy. It's for me. It's Colette. Colette. See, Cliff? See, Cliff? That's odd. Hey, that's completely haywire. Why would anybody do that? Let me take it, Skippy. Uh, Andy, I'm sorry. I never can remember. Hello? Yes? Yes? Yes, this is Mrs. Murray. A collect call from where? Wilderness Lumber Camp, Siskiyou County? Oh, certainly. We'll accept it. Siskiyou County. That's Pinky. Yeah, we should have known. Hello? Hello? Hello, darling. Well, Pinky, is everything all right? How's that cut on your... What? Oh, we're fine. Yes, Dan and Cliff and Jack are right here. They'll all want to speak... What? Yes, we had one taken yesterday, dear. Yes, both of us. Uh-oh. You want to speak to Dan? Oh, just a minute. Come here, Dan. It's Pinky. He wants to speak to you. Coming. Excuse me. Oh, no. We'll come along and get in on this, too. Sure, let's all get in on it. You have my permission. Yes, Pinky, dear. Here's Dan now. Here. Thanks. <laughs> Hello, Pinky, old boy. How are you? Ah, you bet we did. We got your letter yesterday, went right down to the photographer's. In the mail by Tuesday. We got a guarantee on it. Yes. Well, how you doing, anyhow? Yeah? Hazel, what's this photographer business? Yes, Pinky. Pinky wanted a picture of Dan and me. Oh, is that so now? You and Dan went down and had one taken? Have to be tough with the boy, you know, Claire. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Pinky. People are talking. Uh, what did you say, Pinky? Let me speak to him. Hey, hey. Sure, don't be selfish. Hey, Pinky. Hi. Something's just happened your old man's never going to hear the last of. Let me take it. Hi. Pink? Hiya, son. It's Uncle Cliff. You want a picture of me, too, fella? Hey, yeah, just thought of a cute remark. Oh, no, wait, I'm not through. Come on, come on. Hey, which one of you is the biggest kid? My goodness, yes. Now, you two run along. We want to talk to Pinky. Give me that phone. She grabbed the receiver right out of my hand. Hello, Pinky. How's your stub toe? Oh, well, how much horseplay can you have? Sure. Let's get out of here. Wait till I tell the family about this. Spatial pictures taken to send to Pinky. Oh, hi, Andy. What's wrong in your department? My motor scooter broke down. I can't fix it. Oh, that's pretty tough. All of a sudden, it just won't run. You can't have that. Come on, we'll see what we can do about it. Don't you want to come too, Uncle Jack? Uh, sorry, Skippy. I'm a father myself. i got to go upstairs and see how my six little dames are doing. I wheeled it down from the stable. Quit up there at the stable. Well, let's see now. Ignition. Plenty of gas? Sure. I had a full tank yesterday. Register's half full. Huh? Well, um, I'll try the starter. That's the way it sounds all the time now. Just kind of dead. Well, don't you worry, fella. We'll fix it. Do you understand all about motors? Not a heck of a lot, but if I can't do it, somebody can. Oh, hey, hey. Hey, look here. What? See this little wire? Yeah. It slipped off right there. You see? He weren't getting any spark. Will that fix it, Dad? I think so. Gee, does it? Well, hold everything. There, now. Right now, now try it. Yeah, thanks a million. Thank you, Dad. You're welcome, Andy. So long. See you later. I got it fixed, huh? 
Loose, loose connection. <laughs> Have you got an old picture of yourself anywhere? Well, I guess so. What? We ought to get a picture from everybody in the family. Have him autographed and hang him on Dan's wall. <laughs> He's a tough guy, isn't he? Did you see his face when he was talking to Pinky? Mushy. Yeah, it's kind of nice at that, Jack. Oh, sure, but we oughtn't let him get away with it entirely. <laughs> Didn't even want people to write Pinky letters. Oh, no? <laughs> I guess Pinky kind of buttered him up. Hey, he isn't still talking. Sure, person to person collect. It'll cost nine dollars. Oh, here comes Hazel. Got a few stars in her eyes, too, looks like. Oh, he sounded just wonderful. He's gained three pounds. Well, potatoes will do it every time. Oh, stop laughing, Jack. You don't know what this has done for me. Oh, Nicolette. Nicolette, wait a minute. I'll go up to the nursery with you. We've just been talking to Pinky. But that poor child's been through. <laughs> Here comes the Sky Ranch Motor Scooter Taxi Service. All rides free. Oh, are they free? They are, if you don't happen to have any money in your pocket. I had a free ride to the mailbox yesterday. Hey, uh, I hear your picnic with Roberta Evans wasn't a howling success. Oh, anything but. Too bad. She's a nice gal. Am I blind? Well, well I'm just getting acquainted with my son. I'm not going to upset the apple cart now. Sounds okay. Looking for any ideas? No. No, Jack. It's my problem. I, I got to work it out myself. Well, we all liked her. Don't miss out on that deal. You going for a swim? Later. I'll see what Andy's got in mind. Well, I'm going to go get in my trunk. You want to ride anywhere? Might. Mm, you got any ideas? Yeah. I was just thinking something, Dan. Well, if you want me to... Well, like you said, if... No, come on. What's on your mind? Well, if you want me to go with you and Miss Evans to a show, well, I'd go, and I'd, I'd try to talk to her more this time. Well, what brought this on? Well, you do stuff for me, and... Well, I just assume... Do you mean it? Sure. You want to go in now and call her up and make a date with her? Huh? You want me to? No, you know what you're getting in for, don't you? If we have one date with her, we'll, we'll have some more. That's okay, Dan. Well, come on. What are we waiting for? I'll leave the scooter right here. Well, now, don't let anybody push you around, Pinky. Well, I'll be doggone. Well, hello. Hello, operator. Don't cut me off. Is Uncle Dan still talking to Pinky long distance? Collect. Uh, hello, Pinky. Uh, all right. Uh, well, you do your work, give them their money's worth, and, and stick it out. But you tell that big cook, Orsati, if he uses that kind of language again, he'll hear from the front office, and I'll guarantee it. That's right, son. You do your work now, and... Oh, Pinky, how are you fixed for money? Hey, Andy. Yeah? Let's tiptoe out and come back in again when this is all over. Why? It isn't polite to listen to a rough, tough Daniel Murray talking to his stepson. Long distance. Collect. <laughs> And a few minutes later, after Dan had finally hung up, the phone rang again. It was Claudia in the city calling Mother Barber. Hello. Hello, is that you, Mom? Claudia. Well, I thought you might be worried. That's why I called. No, no, everybody's fine. Oh, Nikki and I just thought it would be nice to get down to town for a day or so. We're here with Dad. Oh, you did? Well, we were out on the terrace. I guess we didn't hear it ring. Hmm? Oh, Dad's fine. We'll drive up later today and bring him with us. Paul and Joan? Well, I don't know. Paul's out right now. And I... Oh, what? I just heard the front door. Yes, he's just coming in. Hi. 
How are yourself? I'm talking to Mom at the Sky Ranch. Uh, just a minute, Mom. I'm talking to Paul. Hmm? All right. She wants to know if you're coming up. I think so, yeah. I want to talk to Joan first. He says he thinks so. All right, Mom. Say hello to Penny and Skippy. Tell them we'll be up sometime after lunch. All right. Bye. Joan's still sleeping? No, she's up. Where is she? She went to her room. Dad and Nicky are out on the terrace. I'm glad you're home, Paul. Dad has got me in a tizzy over Joan. Hmm? What's he up to now? Well, he's making us perfectly miserable over leaving Joan down here. He won't leave it alone. Honestly, I'm so confused, I don't really know what's best now. What does Nicky think about it? He's all for you. And so am I, really. But believe me, Paul, if Joan does come back up with us, it isn't because we don't feel that you've been good for Joan. It's just that, well... That you feel after what happened, I'm not qualified to look after her. <laughs> I don't feel that at all. I... Oh, Paul, what do you think is best? Well, under the circumstances, I don't think my opinion is worth very much. You're angry. Of course not, Claude. I'm disappointed, that's all. I had such high hopes for Joan and felt so good about it, and suddenly it all seems to have blown up. Why? Because of a per- perfectly innocent lark? Because of something they couldn't help? Surely you don't think it was anything but innocent, do you? No, I don't. Still, you want to make Joan feel guilty by carting her off up to the Sky Ranch. You might just as well come right out and say you don't trust her. If you take her now, that's what it's going to mean to Joan. And I shudder to think how it's going to affect her. I do trust her, and I want her love, but I'd, I'd never forgive myself if anything happened to her. Don't you see? I'm trying to do what's best for her. Well, what has just happened gave you some terrible anxiety, and I don't want to influence you if you feel that you should take Joan. You're a mother, after all. I don't want you to do anything against your wishes or your better judgment. But I don't know what to do. You mean, then, it's only the, what Dad has said that mixed you up? I'm afraid so. He say anything to Joan? Yes. As a matter of fact, he's been pretty awful all morning. That why Joan went up to her room? She was pretty upset. I told her we'd been talking about having her come up to the Sky Ranch with us for the rest of the summer. Look, Claude, if you and Nikki decide that's what you want to do, I'll not have another word to say on the matter. But if you do this because you feel that's what Dad wants, that's something else again. I wish you'd talk to him, Paul. I want to get this cleared up once and for all. It, it, it's too wearing on everybody to keep going round and round about it. You're right. You say they're out in the terrace? Yes. Let's go. Come on. Let's try to settle it as amicably as possible. Well, sometimes it's a little hard to be amicable when Dad gets going. Go ahead. Thank you. Oh, oh. Just back from your jaunt. Uh, you look comfortable. I talked to Mom. Ah, everything blooming up there, I hope. Uh, you tell your mother I was coming up with you today? Yes, Dad. Uh, better begin getting ready pretty soon, I imagine. You going up, Paul? Well, I don't know. That depends on what's decided about Joan. I just told Paul about our discussion with Dad, Nicky. And I think we should decide what to do right now. I agree with you. I don't think that we should have anything to say about it, Paul. Joan is Nicholas and Claudia's problem, not ours. You seem to have been making it your problem all morning, if I understood Claudia correctly. She tells me that you're doing your level best to make them take Joan away from here. I know how you felt right from the start, but now I find you've got Claudia so disturbed, she doesn't know what to do. Well, I've given them my opinion, yes, just as I've given it to you. Is there anything wrong in that? Not in giving an opinion, no. But there's something very definitely wrong in hurting Joan is going to happen if your opinion is followed. Yes, yes, there's no use in our going over this, Paul. We'll never see eye to eye on this. That doesn't interest me in the least. My only concern is Joan. That girl's life can be ruined right here in these next few minutes if the wrong step is made. If she ever needed trust and affection and a real show of love, it's now. Good grief, the girl hasn't done anything. Are you going to punish her for something she hasn't done? Why talk of punishment? Is being here with her own mother and Nicholas here instead of you so dreadful? You know very well that'll be her interpretation of it. To her, it'll be a punishing act. 
She's innocent of any wrongdoing, and yet the axe falls just the same. Think of the warped feelings that'll bring about. I think Paul's absolutely right, Claudia. So do I. I don't know how I could have been so stupid not to see it. Yes, well, I'm still stupid then because my mind is unchanged despite Paul's emotional outburst. Now, Dad, let's not... One moment, if you please. Has the oracle spoken and there can be no reply? My ears should entitle me to a word or two, even if you don't have any respect for my opinion. Go ahead, Dan. Yes. I don't know whether Joan has cast some kind of spell over Paul that he is so blind to her blandishments or what. Now, Dad, I'm not going to sit here and have you talk as though Joan has done something sly or underhanded or furtive. Because it's simply not the truth. There has not been one single instance from the time she moved into this house with me that she hasn't been completely honest and forthright. She has never covered up nor tried any kind of dodge. Now, I know, Dad, and you don't. Because you haven't been here most of the time. So let's keep prejudices that you formed in the past out of this present situation. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I just wanted to get that straight. Go ahead. No, thank you. I have nothing more to say. Nicholas, you might let me know when you're ready to leave for the Sky Ranch. You'll find me in my room. Well, here we go again. Same old thing. I'm sorry, but times when I just can't take it. I know. Well, let's just forget it. Joan is going to stay here with you, and that is that. Right, her. And if she doesn't come off with flying colors, just put me down as the worst prophet that ever opened his big mouth. just heard Chapter 8, Book 71 of One Man's Family, written, produced, and transcribed under the direction of Carlton E. Morse. Chapter 9, entitled Father Barber's Rampage and What Came of It, will come to you next week at this same hour. family comes to you from California. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And there are four episodes of One Man Family. The last one was August 22nd, 1949. We'll look for something to play next. Here on Yesterday USA, I'm Wong Hughes. Hope you're doing well. JAWS Professional Desktop F Windows M Desk F FS Read F Friday Night Center Friday 06-1010 A Friday Night A Fright A Fright America Beat the Band American Family Saga Carlton Beat Bell Telephone Beverly Wash Bob Hastings Fold Breakfast with Dorothy and Dick Kathy and Elliot Lewis Onstitch Cavalcade of CBS New Chesterfield Supper, Chick Carter, Claudia, Couple Next, December of Dick Hames Show, Double or Nuff, DR Christian. Enter DR Radio Shows. Enter Radio 1942-1943. 1944-1945. Enter 90 DR Chris Page Down.
Number, DR Christian 45-02-14 left parent 325 right parent golden bells. Unloading job, can't OK, enter 9. Dr. Christian's office? Oh, Mr. Hogan, is it? Well, it's glad I am to hear your voice. The Vaseline Program, presenting a new prize play called Golden Bells by Charles Ben Davis of Knoxville, Tennessee, starring Gene Hershold as Dr. Christian with Helen Clare in the role of Judy Price. Is that so, Mr. Hogan? Well, I'm glad you like your new job. Uh, what did you say about sore hands? Oh, that happens to lots of people in war plants. Their hands get sore from handling chemicals and dyes and machine oils, things like that. But why not let Vaseline Petroleum Jelly help? Now, here's what you do. Before beginning work, give your hands a light coating of Vaseline Petroleum Jelly. That helps keep grime and grit from grinding into the skin and safeguards against infection. Yes, and it makes dirt and grease lots easier to remove, less apt to irritate, too. And then after the wash-up, smooth on Vaseline Petroleum Jelly again to supplement natural skin oils, which strong cleansers sometimes scour away. It'll relieve sting and help promote quick healing of minor nicks and cuts. You'll see, Mr. Hogan, your hands will feel lots better with this double protection of Vaseline Petroleum Jelly. You get a 10-cent jar or a convenient tube to carry in your pocket. Oh, not at all. You're welcome, I'm sure. We have something rather special for you tonight, a different kind of story than you've ever heard before on this program. It is, in fact, a delightful flight of fancy by an author who admits openly to being a screwball at heart. The story begins, however, in a familiar enough setting, the pleasant old office of Dr. Christian in River's End. There is the pretty and efficient Judy Price tapping away on her typewriter. Oh, good morning, Dr. Christian. Good morning, Judy. Oh, Dr. Christian, you look worn out. I know. I was up all night with the Anderson child. But I think she'll, she'll be well over it now. Oh, Doctor, why don't you rest a while before you start out again? Well, you know, Judy, I'd take you up on that if it wasn't for the St. Valentine party and the children's ward this afternoon. Well, everything's all set. Don't you give it another thought. Well, you forgot I, <laughs> I promised to tell him a story. Oh, you know thousands of stories. What are you worrying about? Oh, yes, but the children have heard the same old stories over and over. I was supposed to think up something new. <laughs> they like hearing the old stories over again. Now go on in your office and relax. All right, my easy boss, I will. But uh, watch out. Don't let me rest too long. My patients might forget me. Mm, that's one thing I don't think you'll ever have to worry about in River's End, Dr. Christian. <laughs> uh, you're the ideal secretary, Judy. You always make the boss feel like a big shot. Uh, but right now I'm so tired, I'll admit I am just a big blank. Christian, you feel a little better now? Yes, but is my watch right, Judy? 
Have I just been in here ten minutes? Oh, let me check mine. Yes, that's right. Just about ten minutes, Doctor. Why? And did anyone come into my office while I was in there? Why, of course not. Why? What's wrong? Well, I don't know, Judy. But it seems that the Lord does provide. You're just finding that out? Who do you think's looked after you all these years? But what's this all about? Well, I promise you won't be calling for a straitjacket if I tell you. Mm, now you have got my curiosity aroused. Well, all but... right, out with it. <laughs> when I went into the office a while ago, I, I was so awfully tired. I thought I'd try to snatch a few wings while sitting in the chair. And first thing you know, I... seems to be... Good heavens! Oh, bother! Haven't you ever seen a second planer before? Uh, a what? A second planer. You know, you human beings live on the first plane. We live on the second plane. The godlies live on the third, and the big ones live on the fourth. It's all very simple, you see. Oh, I, I see, yes. So I'm from the second plane, where we have all the fairies, elves, and sprites. But none can visit a higher plane except on personal invitation. And that's why I was sent after you. Sent after me? Oh, yes, Doctor. And we do so hope you can help us. You see, it's His Majesty, Prince Idri Fidri. Why, what, uh, what seems to be the trouble? Oh, we just don't know. Oh, the court physician has been saying all kinds of spirit-dispelling charms for hours. And it hasn't done the least good. Poor Prince Idri Fidri keeps moaning and groaning something terrible. And King Fopple is worried frantic. Then if you think I could help him, I... Oh, we were so hoping you could. You see, Idri Fidri was taken ill right after a visit here to the first plane. And the illness is entirely unfamiliar to all of us. Would you come? Why, certainly, Miss... Uh... Luola. Just Luola. I'm one of the Woodleys. Oh, but please, hurry. Uh, uh, just a moment till I get my bag. I... I believe I have everything in it that I'll need. Uh, this way, Miss Laura. Oh, no, Doctor. This way. Huh? Which way? I'll show you. Just a moment. Oh, what beautiful little bells. They look like gold. Why, of course. We all carry them. They're our signal to the operator. The operator? Yes. He's the one who carries us from plane to plane. Ah. Now we're moving. See? Are you sure this is the way? Why, of course. Just look at your walls. Goodness. They're fading away. It won't be but a second, Doctor. Ah, oh, here we are. Well, what a beautiful place. This way, Doctor. I left my carpet over by the tree. Everything seems so lovely, so green and so peaceful. Hold it a minute, sister. Mercy, Laura. Who was that? I am the operator, Bud. What's it to you? But where, where are you? I, I don't see anyone. Of course not. I'm the operator. Since I'm all over the plane, 
Naturally. I'm nowhere at all. It's very simple, as any fool can plainly see. Oh, yes. I, I must have forgotten. Well, what about it, sister? That pass of yours expired with the last ride. You buying another, or do you want I should have a harpy pull your hair out? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot all about buying another pass. I was so worried about Prince Idri Fidri. I don't care if you're worried about the price of sauerkraut or the number of newts in a knit-knack. Oh. Do I get my dough or don't I? Oh, now, listen. You don't need to be so... You can't talk back to the operator or he'll blacklist you forever. I'm awfully sorry I forgot, operator. Here you are. There, now. That's better. The coins. They just disappeared. Oh, yes, naturally. Here's your new pass. And mind you, don't forget again. Or I'll let the harpies get in some first-class hair pulling. Oh, I promise, I promise. Come, doctor, hurry. Ah, here's the carpet, just where I left it. Now, just sit down here, doctor. Luola, don't tell me this is the magic carpet. The magic carpet? Oh, you silly person. Why, there must be millions of them here. But why didn't you fly it right into my office? Oh, I couldn't do that. Now, wait. I'll get it started. Ooh, da doo da da doo da You see, the only way we can go from plane to plane is through the operator. But how did you know where my office was located in, in relation to your plane? Oh, I didn't. But, of course, the operator did. Oh, mercy. What is it? Yonder, a flying troll. Heavens, what's that? Oh, they hate us woodlies like everything. Maybe he won't see us. Oh, I'm afraid he already has. He's wearing this way. Oh, dear, oh, dear, this would happen. Maybe I can outspeed him. Oodla la doodla doodla Oodla doodla doodla Oh, it's just no use. He's getting nearer all the time. What a pretty little Woodley. Trying to outfly the big bad troll. <laughs> well, how I love you, little Woodley. How about a kiss, huh, babe? Now, listen here, you. Now, pipe down, fat boy. <laughs> and listen to you, pretty little Woodley. Say, what's a first player doing up here anyway? Well, King Bobble sent me after him. We hope he can do something for poor Idri Fidri. <laughs> what a weakling first planer doing something for us. <laughs> Did you say Idri Fidri? Yes. The poor dear is terribly ill. Oh, gosh. Oh, why, that's, that's awful. Why, I fish in a gilla who like with him most every week. Ah, oh, gee. Oh, what are we waiting here for? Let's go, Woodley. I'll hook my claws in your carpet and we'll get some real speed. Heavens, Luella. What's happening? I can't imagine. Troll, why are we stopping? Well, look what's coming. Oh, mercy, a fairy. One of the Nigerians. I don't say a word now. Let me do the talking. I beg your pardon, but... Can I presume to ask uh, where you're going? We're heading for the palace to see Prince Idri Fidri. Well, I don't wish to appear dictatorial, but y'all has got he to go back to the way. He means trouble. 
I'm sorry. Uh, he was just admiring the ebony sheen of your face. Oh, thank you, sir. Us uh, Fulginius fairies is most proud of our unfair complexion. But as I says, I don't wish to appear dictatorial. But I beg to advise that you all is trespassing. We are what? Well, who says we are? Oh, begging your pardon, sir. I does. But trespassing? What do you mean? Don't you all know you is flying right smack dab over the province of Fairyland? Why, of course. But it's the shortest way to the palace. Mm-mm. Begging your pardon again. But this is one time that it ain't. Why, why what do you mean? I mean that just around the next bend in the clouds, we is holding a special meeting of the Nigerian fairies, local number 806. And we is not permitting visitors to adjacent upon our premises. But now listen here. I have spoken. Well, if you was en route to the palace, you was having to make a slight detour. Uh, begging your pardon, that is. Oh, mercy, but which way will we go? Well, now, I'll lay out a course for you that'll skip the meeting place. Wait till I get out my lightning wand. Now you go this way to the end of the lightning. Then you point yonder. That away to where the fireball is resting in the sky. Then you keeps on going. Now, again, begging your pardon, I'm got to be getting back to the meeting. We is white ball and a prospective member. Oh, dear, all that time lost. Troll, you must hurry. Oh, the door, the door, the door. At this rate, babe, we'll get there in a breeze. Breeze? We'll get there in a tornado. Oh, I do hope nothing else happens. You mean something else could happen? Good heavens. Troll! Don't worry, babe. Now, watch me and take it easy. See? what I tell you? Phew. What kind of mileage do you get out of these carpets? Oh, we have to have them rebaked once in a while, but the surface never wears out. This one is seven eons old. and still pretty serviceable. Yes, I can see that it is. Look, babe. Yonder she is. Oh, look, Doctor. The palace. Oh, it looks like pure gold in the sunlight. Oh, it is. Except for the windows, of course. We had to cut the window panes from diamonds. Hey, would you look at the mob around the joint? Oh, yes. Everybody is so worried about poor Idris Idris. I, uh, I hope I'll be able to help him. Oh, I'm sure you can, Doctor. Troll, you may unhook your claws now. I'll glide into the courtyard from here. And thanks for the extra speed. Ah, uh, that's okay, babe. And say, Doctor, you better get the prince well. Or I might be eating you for breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> this way, Doctor. Everybody, please stand back. Give the doctor room. What is he, a pixie? Oh, mercy, no, Doctor. He's an elf. Hereditary monarch of the second plane. Hello, 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 Luola. Oh, dear, dear, dear. I've been so worried. Is this the doctor, doctor, doctor? Oh, yes, Your Majesty. How, how is the little prince? Worse, 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 worse. Oh, dear, dear, oh. dear. Oh my, oh, my manners, my manners, my manners. Welcome to our castle, doctor, doctor, doctor. Uh, thank you, Your Majesty. Uh, where's the stricken prince? Oh, yes, this way, way, way. Come, doctor. <laughs> We are, 
Yeah, doctor, doctor, doctor. In this room, room, room. Good heavens. The child must be in terrible pain. Here, let's see. Hold out your tongue, your highness. Hmm. You say this attack happened immediately after the prince had visited our first place? Yes, I don't know what could have happened, happened, happened. Prince Itri-Fitri, maybe I could help you more if I knew just what happened. Now, what did you do on the first plane? Oh, nothing much, Doctor. Oh, I just went into a forest where they had lots of trees and even roads. And they had a nice round fruit on them. Oh, and after I had fun frightening some first planers who were nearby... I ate some of the fruit. Aha, and uh, was the fruit about uh, so big? And did the leaves in the tree look like, uh, uh, like this? Yes, Doctor. Oh. Aha, then I believe I can help you, Your Highness. Oh. Now, just swallow this like a good little man. I mean, like a, like a good little elf. You really think that will help him, help him, help him? You know, Your Majesty, I'm almost positive of it. It'll take a little time, though. Oh, well, then I must show you my palace. Yes, yes, yes. After all, you know I'm your host, host, host. Well, well, well. Well, right now he's out in the courtyard playing dunkle ball with a bunch of brownie boys. I thought that would cure him. Oh, you wonderful, magical man, man, man. It was really very simple. You see, Prince Adri Fitri visited an apple orchard, and I'm afraid the apples were green. What he had was an elementary abdominal seizure. An elementary... What? Uh, well, <laughs> your majesty on the first plane, we just called it a... A tummy ache. Oh, you wonderful man, man, man. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Doctor, here's where I take you back to your office. Right about here, I think it was. Now to call the operator. Okay, sister, show your pass. Here it is. All right. But you're two feet off the spot. A little to the left. Okay, hold it. Oh, Doctor, we're so terribly glad you came. Oh, but I'm glad you came after me. It's the most unusual trip I've ever made. And, yes, I think the most enjoyable. Thank you, Doctor. Well, here's your office again. Almost full strength. Goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye, Luola. Uh, Any time that uh, I can help you again. Oh, you are the first one we'll call on, you can be sure. Well, I have to go now. But before I leave, King Papal asked me to give you this souvenir in appreciation. Oh, it's useless to you, but it's something to remember us by. To remind you of the second place. And there you are, Judy. <laughs> what do you think of my uh, little adventure? Personally, I think it's about the loveliest, screwballiest, dreamy nightmare I ever heard of. And I think the kids will love it. Yes, but do you think their parents will say I'm nuts? Why should they? It's just a fairy story you dreamed of. 
If it was all just a dream. Yes. Well, of course it was. Well, then, Judy, what about this? the curtain descends on another Dr. Christian prize play with our star waiting to greet you. Comic valentines can be very funny. Except, of course, to one person, the victim. Like this one. I like your looks. I like your line. I'd gladly be your valentine. Just one fault stands in true love's way. Your hair looks like a stack of hay. Of course, you'll never receive such an uncomplimentary note if you take this simple precaution. At the first sign of dry scalp, whether it's unruly hair, loose dandruff, or itchy tightness, use Vaseline hair tonic. Vaseline hair tonic checks dry scalp, supplements natural scalp oils. It contains no alcohol or other drying ingredients. Just five drops of Vaseline hair tonic a day, that's all that's necessary. Shake it on your comb or apply directly to the scalp. You'll check dryness, groom hair neatly. And then before each shampoo, give your scalp a brisk Vaseline hair tonic massage to loosen dandruff, stop itchy tightness. Yes, for hair that looks good and a scalp that feels good, get Vaseline hair tonic. Vaseline hair tonic is one of the many Vaseline brand products made by the Cheesebro Manufacturing Company, owners of the trademark Vaseline. And now, here is Gene Herschel. Thank you very much. The delightful fantasy you heard tonight was a prize-winning play from last year's competition written by Charles Ben Davis of Knoxville, Tennessee, now employed as regional radio officer of the OPA, operating from headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. This play, Golden Bells, is different from anything we ever did on the Dr. Christian program. And it serves to demonstrate again the fertility of ideas and the writing talent in America. We're proud to say that the annual Dr. Christian Award is bringing this talent to the networks. If you would like the thrill of having your play produced in this program over the complete CBS network, why not enter a script for the $2,000 Dr. Christian Award for 1945? Even if you don't win the big award, your script might be chosen, and if it is, you'll receive not less than $150, nor more than $350 for your play. Full details are given in the folder of rules. Write for your copy to Dr. Christian Award, 17 State Street, New York, for New York. Next week, we'll be back in Hollywood, and our presentation on that occasion will be George Washington Jenks by Ruth Cornwall Woodman of Rye, New York. We invite you all to listen again next week to the Vaseline program, same time and same station. And until then, I'll say good night.
Want a tip for chapped lips? Try Vaseline Lip Ice. Healing begins almost immediately. In two sizes at 10 and 25 cents, Vaseline Lip Ice. Remember, if you want to try for the $2,000 Dr. Christian Award for script writing, send for the folder of rules to Dr. Christian Award, 17 State Street, New York, for New York. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right. We're going to play one more Dr. Christian before we get out of here, so stand by. Jaws Professional, 1944-19, Radio Show, 1945-1946, Enter, Items View, DR Christian 45-09-19, Left Parent 356, Right Parent, Our Daughter Barbara. DR Christian 45-09-12, Left Parent 355, Right Parent, Right Parent, Room Clerk. Unloading Jaw, Can't, OK, Enter, 19. Dr. Christian's office, Judy speaking. Oh, hello, Mrs. D'Angelo. How's young Carlo? Did he enjoy going away to camp? It's the Vaseline Program, the only show in radio where the audience writes the script. Tonight, the spotlight is on Louisville, Kentucky, and the prize goes to William W. Douglas for his comedy, Room Clerk. Starring Gene Hersholt as Dr. Christian, with Rosemary DeCamp as Judy Price. Really? Little Carlo helped fight a brush fire, hmm? Well, that was a brave thing to do. Burned? He... Oh, my. Oh, I see. Well, thank heavens it was a minor burn. It's almost completely healed already, hmm? <sighs> Who was the camp doctor? Oh, he's very good. Vaseline petroleum jelly, hmm? Oh, that's grand. No wonder it healed so quickly. Yes, there's nothing better for minor burns than Vaseline petroleum jelly. Medical reports on serious burn cases overseas tell about ever so many remarkable recoveries, thanks to a new treatment that includes the local application of petroleum jelly. Yes, that's right. Vaseline petroleum jelly is the world's leading brand. Oh, it's ideal for household burns. You just cover the burn with Vaseline petroleum jelly spread on fine mesh gauze. Then bandage firmly, but not tightly. If the burn is deep or covers a wide area, always call the doctor. Mm-hmm. I'd keep Vaseline petroleum jelly right in the medicine chest. It comes in both jars and handy tubes. Well, call again soon. Goodbye. And so to our prize play, Room Clerk. The curtain rises on a warm afternoon in River's End with Dr. Christian and the perfect secretary, Judy Price, in the doctor's office just finishing the day's work. Dr. Christian's office. This here is George, ma'am. I'm the bellhop over here at the United States Hotel. Uh, the room clerk's done passed out on me. Hmm? Oh, almost. Uh, he's sick, ma'am. He's plenty sick. You say it's the room clerk of the United States Hotel. 
He is ill? Yes, I'm mean, sure is. He's Mr. Charlie, and he asked me to call Dr. Christian. He wants a doctor to come right over. Over where? Over at the hotel. Mr. Charlie was working, but he ain't now. He fell over. Something wrong with his heart, is say. Well, now, don't worry. I'll tell Dr. Christian right away. Oh, thank you, ma'am, and thank you, but please hurry. Dr. Christian? Yes, Judy? One of the bellboys at the hotel just phoned. He said that the room clerk just had a heart attack. He wants you to come right over. Room clerk? At the United States Hotel? <laughs> now, you know we have only one hotel. It's a man named Charlie somebody or other. Oh, then it must be my old friend Charlie Stubbs. I'll drive right over. Hmm. Heart attack again, eh? Well, Charlie's getting pretty old to be doing night work with that bad heart, too. Still... Clerking in a hotel isn't hard work. In fact, uh, it should be an easy job. Oh, uh, boy. Boy. I'm Dr. Christian. Yes, I'm sure glad you're here. Where's the patient? Where's Charlie Stubbs? Oh, Willie and me, we helped Mr. Charlie over to the van in the lobby so he could lie down, Doctor. I see. That was good work. Uh, George? Uh, yes, sir. That's me. I'm George. Well, George, we must get all those people away. Those people crowded around Mr. Charlie. Yes, I know that. I know they shouldn't crowd up on him, but they wouldn't pay no attention to me. I'm sorry, but you'll, uh, you'll have to ask your people to move away. We have a very sick man here, and he needs plenty of air. Uh, please move back. Uh, what's the matter with him? Is he drunk? Not any more than you are, sir. He's ill. Apparently, he has just had a heart attack. Now, will you please move back with the others? Oh, George. Yes, sir. George, uh, get me a little water and a glass, will you? About uh, one-fourth of a glass, I should say. Yes, sir. Coming right up, doctor. Well, George, I've done all I can for your Mr. Charlie here. Yes, sir. That uh, hypodermic will hold things for a while. I've called the hospital, and they're sending an ambulance for him. He'll have to spend but about... But, Doctor, who's going to take care of the desk till Mr. Alex come in for the next trick? The next trick? Yes, sir. You see, we all work three shifts around here. Mr. Charlie, who works from 3 to 11. Then Mr. Alex come on and work from 11 to 7. Then Mr. Clarence work from 7 to 3 when Mr. Charlie is supposed to show up again. Now, that's the way it is. But who's going to work out the rest of Mr. Charlie's trick tonight if you send him to the hospital? Why, where's the manager? Well, he's Mr. Thomas. He's going to Chicago for an important conference. But that don't leave nobody because Mr. Alex ain't coming in till 12. He, he's out on a party or something. I mean, Mr. Charlie was going to work extra for him. Well, uh, why don't you get behind the desk and give out the keys and mail yourself? That's all there is to do, isn't it? Yes, yeah, sir, that's about all. But me or Willie wouldn't go behind that desk for a million dollars, boss. Well, uh... And the guests is getting pretty riled up. They can't get their keys or their mail or nothing. Hmm. Mr. Charlie's sure going to get in trouble about this. There's going to be one awful mix-up. Uh, couldn't you go back to the desk, boss, and give out the mail and the keys so the guests will quit fussing and hollering? Me? Why, I don't know Mr. the first Charlie thing. sure appreciate it. Keep him out of a jam, boss. Well, uh, what has to be done? Oh, he just sorts out the mail and put in them little boxes on the back wall and give out the keys so the guests can get in their rooms and maybe answer the phone and tell everybody we're full up, tight. That, that's all, boss. You can do it easy. Please do it, boss, for Mr. Charlie. Mm. 
All right, George, I'll do it. Oh, that's fine. But you'll have to stay close by to help me. Oh, I'll do that, boss. I'll stick right with you on the outside of the desk. Hey, come on around back this way. Now, that's the door to the back office. Now, be sure to shut it after you're inside. It locks itself. Mm -hmm. Now, Mr. Charlie done left it open when he staggered out and called for me and Willie. Uh, Willie, here's the elevator boy. Uh, oh, oh, there you are. Give me the key to 308, will you? I've uh, got to get up to my room and shave. Just a minute, please. Uh, that's the box. Right there. No, no, no. Over to the left. There, there, there. That's it. Now, any mail? Uh, what's the name, please? Noble. C.H. Noble. Hey, uh, look for mine, too, will you? Charles B. Stewart. Yeah, yeah mine, too. Look, I'm expecting a telegram coming Now, now, just a minute, please. Please, just a minute. Uh, this mail will have to be sorted. I... I'll give you your room keys now, so you can all get into your rooms, but the mail will have to wait until late on the evening, when I have time to sort it out and place it in your boxes. Now we... 312, if you don't mind. Yeah, 312. Here you are, sir. That's fine. You give me 316, please. 314 and 316. Now, uh... Uh, 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 Judy, drop everything. Come right over here. Where are you? At the United States Hotel in hurry. Is it an emergency? Do you need anything? It's an emergency, all right. I'm in an awful jam. I'll be right over. I'm sorry. We haven't any rooms. Room? Oh, what's the room? I don't want a room. I'm sorry. We have filled up. Filled up? <laughs> That's a house phone you're talking over, boss. Oh, and uh, what is it you want, uh, 402? Uh, what's the vice? There's a lot of ice and uh, a ginger ale. Uh, send an ice and send it right up, will you? Yes, we will. We'll send it right up. George, uh, see if you can get some ice and ginger ale up to room 402, will you? Yes, yeah, so right away. But I'll get Willie to take care of him so I can stay here with you. Good evening. I'm Horace P. Tuttle. I'd like to have my room, please. Your room? Yes. Well, we, we haven't any rooms for rent. Why, why, for a reservation? I'm sorry, we simply haven't any rooms. You're filled up. But I wired. You've got to have a room for me. I'm a salesman. I've stopped here before, and you've got to treat me right. And I want a sample room, too. I'm sorry, we still haven't any rooms vacant. Now, look, my good man. I've got two big sample trunks on the way over here from the station. I've got to have a place to sleep and a place to display my line. My merchandise, my samples, and besides... Uh, boss, if you'll excuse me, the sample room is full up with soldiers. We've got ten cots in there and a soldier in each cot. My lousy ain't going to be easy to move them out. Soldiers like to sleep. Yes, but... But but well, uh, why don't you try the YMCA? They might have... My a... good man. Do you know my line? My samples? I sell ladies' lingerie. Can you imagine me trying to display silly slips, fragile nightgowns, and... and uh, well, so forth in the halls of lobby of the YMCA. Can you picture that? No. No, I can't. Of course not. Well, you'll hear about this. Judy! I came as quick as I could, Dr. Christian. What's the trouble? Everything. Oh, George, uh, take Miss Judy around to the back. Uh, I'll let her in. Yes, sir. 
Uh, I've taken the simple job of a night clerk in this hotel, Judy. Huh? To help out my old friend Charlie. That uh, bellboy George talked me into it somehow. At any rate, that's our job until 12 o'clock. Our job? Absolutely. I'm the room clerk. You are my assistant. Well, but... Now, first, I want you to sort out this pile of mail. Place the room numbers and the envelopes and file them in these little boxes back here. That alone will be a big help. <laughs> All right, Dr. Christian. And hurry before that crowd of guests comes back. United States Hotel? I'm sorry, we haven't any rooms. <sighs> Clerk speaking. Could you all send me up a teeny little bit of soap? I'm just dying to take a shower. Oh, right away, ma'am. Uh, oh, uh, wait. Uh, what's your room number? 204. George, I hope you're taking all this down. Yes, I'm getting it. Hello. There's a strange man trying to get in my room. Oh, he's in. Help, help, help. Room 313, quick, quick, help. Uh, quick, George. There's trouble in room 313. Let's go up there. Oh, my. Judy, take care of the desk. And okay. You, you stay here, George. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll go with Willie. And, Judy, give these orders to for Charlie Stops to the ambulance driver. Here you are, Dr. Christian, third floor. Number 313 is right down the hall. Uh, you come along with me, Willie. Let the guests walk up. This must, they must be desperate. Yes, sir. Help! Help! You get out of here! Oh, won't somebody save me? Help! Help! Here, here. What's going on here? That man. He came in my room. He has a key. What? Sure, I got a key. You gave it to me, doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to molest this lady. He is, too. He opened the door and looked at me. Me and my nightgown. Look, doctor, I'm Harry Blake. I'm a permanent here. I've lived in this hotel for a couple of years. When I saw you'd given me the key to 313 instead of 213, which I asked for, I figured they'd at last change my room and move my stuff up here. I've been moved before, and I asked Charlie weeks ago to move me away from that nut in 215 with a loud radio. That's all. You say I gave you the key to this room? Sure you did. How else could I have it? You handed me the key to 313, which is in the box right over 213. Common mistake for a new man. The room numbers on the boxes are at the top, right next to the key on the bottom of the box above. You saw my number 213 and grabbed the key just above it, which was the wrong key. That's the whole story. Well, that explains things, doesn't it, madam? Oh, I suppose so. But please go and leave me alone. Honest, doctor, I was trying to apologize to the old dame, but she was yelling so loud I couldn't get a word in edgewise. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just a case of misunderstanding. Oh, Dr. Christian, I, I almost forgot to tell you. This lady was yelling so, but there's another lady in 301, and she's crying kind of soft-like. What? Yes, sir. She got a little girl who's sick, and she asked me to get the doctor for her. They's new in Rivers End, only been here two or three days. Could you take a look at the doctor, at the girl doctor? Uh, certainly. Room uh, 301, did you say? Yes, sir. Oh, here we are. Now, Willie, you run down and get Miss Judy to give you my medical bag, will you? Uh, be sure to warn her about those keys and box numbers. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, right away, doctor. Ah, there we are, Mrs. Edwards. Your little daughter isn't in immediate danger. However, she's a very sick little girl. She has scarlet fever. Uh-oh. Scarlet fever? Oh, Dr. Christian, what will I do? My husband's in the army. He was to meet us here tomorrow for his furlough. We can't afford to stay here very long. I'm sorry, but 
I'll have to report this. And we'll have to quarantine the whole hotel if she stays here. But, Doctor, uh, excuse me, please, sir. But we've had this trouble before. We just scoots the sick people out uh, kind of quick-like to the hotel, uh, to the hospital. Then we locks up the rooms and fumigates it so everything's safe. We sterilizes all the blankets and sheets and stuff. And that seems to be okay with the city health people. We just can't lock everybody up in the hotel, Doctor, sir. Well, uh... Oh, I suppose we could do it that way. Mrs. Edwards, get all, all of your things together. I'll call the hospital and have them send the ambulance for you and your daughter. And when your husband calls here for you tomorrow, uh, we'll tell him where you've gone. Then you can make other arrangements. And now don't you worry. Everything will come out all right. Yes, that's right. Uh, Dr. Christian, he sure can fix things. Oh, I don't know how to thank you, Dr. Christian. We'll see you at the hospital, of course. Oh, and your fee. We'll manage that as soon as my husband arrives. Uh, Mrs. Edwards, sir. We'll discuss all of that later. Come on, buddy. Ah, I wonder how Miss Judy's getting along. She ain't, sir. Huh? Miss Judy ain't doing so good with them keys and the mail. She's making the same mistake you did, only more so. I wonder, but it was too late, and they's crowding at the desk, exchanging keys, and that man in full, too, he's getting pretty high by this time, and he phones the desk every minute. We better go downstairs, sir. You've returned, Dr. Christian. Having trouble, Judy? You know I am. Whoever numbered these boxes, well... Oh, the ambulance came and I sent Charlie Stubbs to the hospital. Good. I'll call them again and tell them to come right back. Huh? We have another patient for them. An isolation case. Scarlet fever. Oh! Room 301. Also make arrangements for a cut for the child's mother. Yes, Doctor. And will you try to straighten out some of these wrong keys and mail while I phone? Oh, yes, yes. I'll do what I can. Could I speak to you for a moment, sir? Why, certainly, ma'am. Could I please have a room? My son will get his furlough tomorrow, and we're to meet here in River's End at this hotel. Oh, I'm very sorry, but we simply haven't any rooms vacant. Yes, I know. The war and every soldier's folks trying to spend a few days with him, but could you... Well, it's nearly 12 o'clock and, and so late. Could I stay here in a chair in the lobby for the night? I'll pay you. Your son's in the army, eh? Well, Mother, you just go over there and find a nice, soft chair and rest. Listen. Now, don't tell anybody. But I have just had a hunch and that somebody is going to move out. Of, you can you can have their room. Oh, thank you so much. Now, now go over and sit in the chair until I call you. Now, uh, George. Yes, I'm right here. But how are you going to fix up the soldier's mother when we ain't got no room? Uh, wait a minute, George. All right. Hello, clerk speaking. Hey, listen, what kind of hotel is this, anyhow? Every, every time I open any door in my room, it's the bathroom. I, I can't get out. I, I want to go out in the hall and get something. Uh, I want to come down to the lobby. Uh, will you stand up, a boy? Right away. That fellow's just about ready to pass out, doctor. That's what I'm counting on, George. Mm -hmm. And about the soldier's mother. I'm going to show you a new trick in this hotel business. Well. Have you an extra curtain storeroom? Yes, well, we got plenty. Well, I want you and Willie to take a curtain, some blankets down the furnace room and set it up. Yes, well, it's nice and warm down there. Then you're to go up to room 402. 
and help the man get down to the cart. To the cart. Why, in his condition, he won't know the difference. Uh -uh. So tell him that you are hiding him from the police or something, uh -uh. or who are looking for him, to arrest him for being drunk. Yes, sir. They really would if he comes down the lobby and tries to go outside for something else to drink. Boss, you got something there. Now, in the morning, the boys can tell him that they saved him from spending the night in jail. As soon as you and Willie get him to sleep, then uh -huh. call me on the house phone and rush up and change the linen in 402. Is that perfectly clear? Boss, it's perfect, period. We'll fix him right up. You know whose car that is? Out in front of the hotel? It's a little black coupe. My, uh... Yes, that must be my car, officer. Your car? Now you know better than to park out there. That's a 15-minute limit street. There was an emergency. He had a heart attack. I'm Dr. Christian. Oh, so you're a doctor, hey? What are you doing behind that desk? You're a hotel clerk. <laughs> yeah, you mean I'm trying to be. I'm Charlie Stubbs, doctor. He had a heart attack early this morning. I attended him, sent him to the hospital. Spent the rest of the evening trying to hold down the job until the... Next man report. I'm Alex, the next man, as you call him. Uh, you've done a fine job, Dr. Christian. I just talked to Willie and George. You've probably saved the hotel from a lot of lawsuits. Now, Mike, listen. Be a good guy and forget about that parking ticket. This really is Dr. Christian. Uh, okay, Alex. Eh? Good night, Doctor. Good night. Hello. Yeah, it's okay, boss. Fine, George. Oh, uh, Mother, uh, come over here a minute, please. Mother, I have a nice room for you. There's the key. Room number 402. Oh, you don't know how much I appreciate this. Yes, I do. But it's mothers like you that all of us appreciate. Now, please go back to your chair for a few minutes until the bellboy comes to show you to your room. Say, how in the world did you do that? 402 has oh, been rapid... It's a long, long story, Alex. Get George and Willie to tell you so you can carry on the plot in the morning. Well, as for me, I'm going home. Miss Judy, my secretary nurse, and I have had a very, very eventful evening. Are you ready to go, Judy? Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> good night, Miss Judy. And good night, Dr. Christian, and many thanks. Good night. Good night. Ah, what a night. Oh, you drive, Judy. I'm all worn out. All right. Now, how in the world did I ever let myself get into such a position? <laughs> Oh, it's just you, Dr. Christian. <sighs> You're always trying to help someone with their troubles. Only this time you seem to have taken on quite a load. Boss, boss, wait a minute. Huh? Why, it's George. Hold it, Judy. Oh, boss, you can't go yet. You've got to come back. Room 308 is having a baby. And he's having it right now. Hurry, boss. Cut the motor, Judy. Hand me my bags. Here we go again. The curtain comes down on another Dr. Christian Prize play with our star, Gene Hersholt, waiting to greet you. Man, you help make every first impression a good impression when you're careful about grooming. Keep your hair looking its well-groomed best. If it's stubborn, stiff, and dry, if you're troubled with loose, flaking dandruff, remember, these nuisances are signs of dry scalp. Combat dry scalp. Check it quickly, easily, with Vaseline hair tonic. Vaseline hair tonic contains no alcohol or other drying ingredients. It actually supplements natural scalp oils. Just five drops a day, applied with comb or directly on the hair, check dry scalp, and keep your hair perfectly groomed. 
Also, a brisk Vaseline hair tonic massage before each shampoo loosens dandruff, relieves itchy tightness. Vaseline hair tonic is the ideal care for both scalp and hair. And the proof is this. More bottles of Vaseline hair tonic are sold today than of any other hair tonic in America. Buy, try Vaseline hair tonic. Vaseline hair tonic is one of the many Vaseline brand products made by the Cheesebro Manufacturing Company, owners of the trademark Vaseline. And now here is Gene Herschel. Thank you very much. The prize play room clerk you heard tonight is the work of William W. Douglas of Louisville, Kentucky. And he tells us that he actually took a job as room clerk in a hotel to provide an authentic background for his play. Next week, we plan to present a prize play called Our Daughter Barbara by Louise Pickens of Charlotte, North Carolina. We invite you to listen next Wednesday evening to the Vaseline program, same time and same station. And until then, I'll say good night. Miserable with hay fever? Well, don't let pesky airborne pollen make you suffer needlessly. Guard against it with a little Vaseline petroleum jelly in each nostril each morning. For relief from hay fever, ask for, try, Vaseline petroleum jelly. Remember, it's a new prize play, Our Daughter Barbara, next week on the Dr. Christian program. Don't miss it. Bob Anderson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And with that, we'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Ed Kuhl will be with us here on Yesterday, USA. Jaws Professional 1945 1940s Alt F4 Alt Tab Desktop Alt Tab Jaws of Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.0 Escape 0.0 Enter 0.0 Enter 0.0 Menu A Leaving Menus Data Window Sound 1 Star Save as Dialog File Name Colon Sound 1 Edit to Set the Value Use the Arrow Keys or Type the Value S A T U R D A Y N A G A T Eight dash two zero dash one six dub I T eight P A T R I C I A Save as type colon combo box wave save enter data window type and text zero point oh two four seconds. Jaws professional Patricia from FL Home Bill Bragg Alt F four Alt-Tab, Skype Trade, Alt-Tab, Bill Bragg, Alt-F4, Skype Trademark, Left Bragg, Alt-F4, Alt-Tab, Replay Radio, Alt-Tab, Skype Trade, Alt-Tab, Sound Forge Pro 11.0.